Friday, May the 14th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We've got the Preakness coming up this weekend, so we'll get you set up for that. I mentioned on the last episode, I myself am probably not going to be playing very much this weekend. I just, um, you know, I didn't feel as into it with everything going on. So I will give you some horses to use on the undercard. The way I'm going to be playing this weekend is going to be more uh, in the stable duel contest. So we'll let you know a couple horses to that I'll be focusing in on in some of those big contests. We'll give you the details on the big stable duel contest. Actually going to do a live stream on Friday night with a bunch of different guests where we give out some horses that we think we should use for uh, the stable duel lineup. So we'll uh, we'll try to get that contest and, and pump that thing up. Um, we're going to talk NBA with Eric. So we'll do NBA, who's hot, who's not. We only got a few games left. Everybody has two to three games left. Recording the uh, conversation late Thursday with Eric. So, you know, think about that when, uh, when you're listening. Two to three games left for everybody and in the play-in game next week in the playoffs next week we're going to have a massive NBA preview with like four or five different guests early on in the week playoffs preview um, and uh, talk about everything happening and who what the matchups are play-ins uh, everything NBA on a bunch of different uh, levels with a bunch of different guests so we'll also get you set up for the stable duel stuff this weekend some Pimlico Saturday uh, throughout the undercard and then I'm going to replay a conversation that I posted on the uh, earlier episode this week. And so if you already heard that conversation with Andrew, totally feel free to skip over it. But we talk about Medina Spirit. We talk about all the news and everything that's been happening so far. I figured that there might be some people who are l- listening to this episode uh, for Preakness stuff and they did not hear it on the previous episode so I put that on here if you're just looking for some Preakness stuff you can skip over that because we do talk about the race and handicap the race horse by horse with Darren with Andrew we spend about an hour going through the uh, the entire field there and, uh, and then we close things out wrestling with Chad Cooper we've got information on the documentaries we talk about the Booker T doc we talk about the Brian Pillman documentary we discuss Smackdown Raw NXT AEW we spend almost an hour and a half and it's a really really good look at everything that's happening in the world of wrestling all the major shows we get you all the big news and things we like things we didn't like positives negatives no biases just stuff that uh, that we personally enjoy and uh, things that we think could be a little bit better so we'll get you horse racing NBA and wrestling here on That's What G Said. First, we got to tell you about BTV. So right now, go type in betterthan.vegas. That's a new website that I'm going to be posting videos for daily for the most part, probably five or six a week where I'm going to be giving out baseball plays. And now with the NBA playoffs coming up, I'm going to be giving out basketball plays. It, it's an opportunity for me to give things out quickly. They're just two, three-minute, four-minute videos. And you'll notice there's a bunch of different handicappers on there. It's a website where you can get really good information. You can find people that you like that maybe will help you um, have some similar angles, maybe some things that you can learn from. They have all sorts of weekly uh, contest. It's a weekly showdown right now, and it's totally free to enter. All you have to do is register and then record videos, upload videos with your plays. You type in the plays, follow the instructions there on the website where it says weekly showdown, and you can win cash payouts. And I mean, who doesn't want to win something for free? So 
you're going to get a lot of great information. I actually had a nice day. Uh, I've only had a couple days where we posted so far on uh, Wednesday, uh, loss and a push, and then uh, 2-0 on Thursday, a couple early baseball games in the morning. So it's when I <clears throat> handicap stuff for any sport, for anything, it's exactly like how you've probably heard me handicap the races. I'm going to do the same exact sort of thing as far as where can we find the value? What are we looking for? Always going to be really, really prepared, win or lose. We're going to trust the process. Today was one of those really cool days where it just worked out exactly like you think and you knock on wood afterwards because it so rarely does. You do all the work and the handicapping and you were going to win some and you're going to lose some, but sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes things don't work how you thought. Maybe your horse is better. Your team is better. They overcome a trip. Sometimes it just works out perfectly, and that that seemed to happen today. So you know what that means. Uh, tomorrow and the next few days will probably probably go the opposite way, and and that's betting better than dot Vegas. Check them out. They have some cool swag there uh, to look at. But the videos will really help you. And uh, like anything, right? Some handicappers you'll probably like there. Others you won't. But you'll get to see this good looking mug posting uh, those videos and uh, and picking some winners. So. Better than dot Vegas. And now we are going to get in to some NBA with our good buddy Eric. And we will go over the NFL schedule. The NFL schedule was released. If you're an NFL fan, on the most recent episode of That's What G Said, we have a, an NFL draft recap with Eric where we talked about, I think, like 10 to 12 different teams, five or six that he liked five or six that he didn't. Then we went through a bunch of different picks. We spent about 45 minutes giving a, a lot of big thoughts on the NFL draft. So you can check that out. We'll hit some NFL schedule next week on, on That's What G Said. But right now, we are going to talk some NBA. e top 2-1 sports. NBA, who's hot, who's not, with Eric. NBA. Who's hot, who's not, who's hot, who's not. This is our final regular season segment of NBA Who's Hot, Who's Not with Eric. I I really can't believe it. The season has gone by pretty quickly, to be honest. And uh, it's been a different season. Started a little bit different time of year. Ended a little bit different time of year. But we're going to get into uh, the plan and the playoffs soon. And where we stand right now when Eric joins me uh, on Thursday night, we are basically at the point where... Everyone's got what, like two to I think three games at the max left, Eric. Yep. I mean, down to the wire. I can't believe the Spurs weren't able to close it out tonight against the Knicks, and I'm basically a must win to get in. Like that was a little disappointing, but yeah, getting some good, uh, good basketball. Interesting games this weekend. Like, I mean, I know my Bucks play the Heat. I really don't know if they're ever going to feel the full roster. That way, they avoid the Heat. But I don't even know if I want to play the Knicks, given Thib- Thibodeau a whole week, because that's something we have to remember too. If you're Coaching. not in the play, yeah, if you're not in the playing game, so like right, like if you're six and up, you have a whole week to prepare coaching wise for matchups and everything. Yeah, with this playing and everything, and given Thibodeau a week to get ready, and that Knicks team is so physical, and everyone's talking about are they going to be able to score enough? I mean, defense is going to keep them in, and they have Randall and Rose that are going to be able to create and like score enough I figured to keep them in games Knicks are going to be a tough little out so the playing tournament starts on Tuesday and this is going to be really interesting because right now 
it it looks like where we stand, the Lakers are going to probably be in that playing tournament. Now, there's a big game that's coming on right right about when you and I are talking. Uh, Portland's going to play, and if Portland loses their last couple games, and the Lakers were to win their last couple games, the Lakers could actually. Uh, jump over and and not have to be in the playing game, but they'd have to win two. Portland would have to lose their last few. Um, it is, it's it's a funny situation for a team like the Lakers, right? I'm I'm obviously a big Laker fan, so I look at this in two at two ways. Like I hate saying things like, "Oh, I'm rooting to play this team," or "This is who I want to play," or or uh, anything like that, right? I, I don't like saying that. I think about the, the sports gods and stuff, but I, I will say. Um, if the Lakers were to get into a a two seven series uh, with Phoenix, I think they would match up very well in that series. I think we saw the other night when the Lakers beat up on Phoenix without LeBron, without Schroeder, without Kuzma. With they they were missing a ton of key players, and Phoenix was pretty well whole. So it's it's crazy because I, I would I would be fine with that series, but man, just just having to be in the plan. Is scary as hell. Like knowing that, okay, like what if Curry just goes crazy in in any you know, he did twelve threes. What are you gonna do? Like he could score fifty. Curry in a one game is right? an insane thing to go against. And you have to be worried about it. I mean, I'll I'll tell everyone my betting strategy right now for those playing games, I'll be playing first half unders and unders just because Guys are going to be tight because, like, nervous. It's, it's going to be a weird. It's going to be a weird scenario. And if you look about these games that I've been doing that, like this week, any game that has meant something, the first half under is hitting at an incredible clip, just because it's not. It's treated like a play a playoff game, where teams value the possession more. And back to your point, I mean, like, if you look at the top of the West, Jazz six and four in their last ten. No Mitchell. God only knows what Mitchell's going to be able to do in the first round. He's even going to be able to go. Right. Suns have not looked good. They went to OT with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. You know what I mean? Like, they have yep. not looked good. They're 6-4. and four. Clippers, God only knows what's going on with Ka- Kawhi. And he's, then, he's been shooting really poorly. And, like, he's not 100%, I feel. Nope, and, nope. And, like, is Paul George mentally going to, like, Rebound from what happened last year. As soon can as that he first little carry hiccup. a load, can he, and here's the thing: mentally, could he do it for a few games in a series? Yeah, but could you do it for three or four series? Oh, I, I'm not banking on it. Like I, yeah. just, he just to me isn't that guy. And then you look at the Nuggets. I mean, no they're Murray. going nowhere with Murray now. I mean, the bottom four are kind of trending in the wrong direction. You look at the next four. Blazers are nine and one in their last ten, and the stat that blows me out over those ten games, they have the eleventh best defense in the NBA in those ten games, and that's with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and freaking Carmelo Anthony and Cantor. I mean that that shows you right there how good they are actually playing. Putting that in that the effort crew right now is playing defense. Oh, oh, for sure. And well, then Ner- the Mavericks just. Helps them so much more to give them a little bit of size And I think a key for them is Like how how good of shape is he going to be able to be in In a playoff game right Can that guy go 35-40 minutes if you need him to Because they're way better with him on the court They're a team that's not that deep And they could get exploited But you're right they've been playing really really well And, and they seem to be peaking Like that like as crazy as it sounds like 
the Trailblazers right now, out of all the teams in the Western Conference, is the one team I wouldn't want to play in the first round. Because nope. they're playing well, they're playing good defense, and you got Lillard, who's showing time after time after time, he's great in the clutch, and he can carry you, and he can, he can single-handedly win you a season. And the Mavericks, they're starting to click, too. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. I mean, the big thing with them is, like, they can shoot themselves out of a game. I mean, what yeah. were they, like 15 for 43 the other day in threes? I mean, you'll live with that, of course. And they and feel, then... I feel sort of the same about Portland that I do with Dallas in that if you told me either of those teams beat any team in the West, it wouldn't surprise me in a series. Oh, no. But can they do it three or four times? Just like we were asking with the Clippers, like, could Dallas... If they like, do they have the size? If Porzingis isn't healthy, do they have enough, you know, to be able to beat two or three really good teams? Same thing with Portland. Dame can get hot for a series, but if they get, if they, once you start playing teams that are a little bit better defensively, then, then let's say, you know, Portland wins a first round series, then they got to play a Lakers or a Clippers team or, or a Jazz team. And then you got to play two or three good teams, good defense in a row. They bang you up. Like, can they do that? That's what makes this, this, Particular year so intriguing In that you know you know, We get to the returning champion Lakers Right behind Dallas right and of course If you're telling me the, That the Lakers were 100% then I Would absolutely healthy I would Absolutely say well yeah they're they're No doubt the team to beat and They you know they're going to be Very tough and I'm 100% confident But how do we know that LeBron's not going to come out and not be able to really turn up what he wants to, to the level that he wants. AD is like every other day he's he's playing great right now. I mean he's playing phenomenal, but every other day it's like a scare. It's like we're we're, we're so nervous. Like if one of those two is hurt, I mean LeBron would have to be about seventy five percent, and everybody else would have to be healthy. I think for them to win, I I just don't think they play consistently enough. Same sort of thing. Like I think sure if LeBron's banged up for a little bit. And Anthony Davis has a great series They could beat anyone But but could they do that three or four times in a row I, That's that's what's so cool about this I, uh... I, It's completely wide open And then you factor in Curry a team, They have the championship pedigree Wiggins is taking off He's totally flourishing And their young guys They're not really young guys But the guys that they had last year that were struggling Are starting to figure it out And I mean when you have Curry you're going to be in anything They're just I mean the West is completely wide open. Like, I mean, you can make an argument for a lot of what jazz clips, blazers, Lakers. I mean, even I mean, the Warriors, probably, Mavericks to, to make a run. I'd probably be surprised if Phoenix won it all. I mean, like they, like again, n- like nobody would like shock. Like if, if, okay, let's say just Phoenix just was healthy and the teams that they played were not healthy. Sure. They could win it all, right? Like you, you play against the Lakers in a series. The Lakers aren't healthy, and Phoenix wins. Do you play then next? You know the winner of the three six. You know you you can you beat the Clippers in a series? Sure, you know. And then afterwards you play Utah if Mitchell's not there. Like that's that's the thing. All of these teams, like a team like Utah, a team like a, a Phoenix, some of these teams that weren't, you know, maybe the the top top tier teams heading into the year. They they were so good because they were able to stay healthy. They were able to have this continuity throughout the year that a lot of other teams didn't. And and now, are they good enough to be able to like overcome that? I, 
I don't know. I don't think. I don't think. And if they don't have Mitchell, if Mitchell, Mitchell's the guy in Utah. The, he's the guy in the perimeter. He looked. He was great last year. I mean, he's shown he can survive in the the, the spotlight and be the man. They don't have that. If it's like a pivot, if like what is it, two two, and they're playing Golden State at home, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. And he's not healthy. Like, you need that shot creator on on the perimeter that can create, and that's that's why Denver's done. Denver doesn't have that. They may win a series, but they're not going to win it all with no Murray. So and people they're... forget with the. I'm sorry, people forget no, with ahead. the Blazers. This team, like last year, I mean, how many injuries did they did they have? They had so many injuries. And then the year before, they're in the conference final. I mean, I think this Blazers team is peaking at the right time and is insanely under everyone's radar right now. So, I mean, that, like I said, right, right now, the, the, it changes week to week, but Blazers are my pick to come out of the West. The key point you made was the, the way their defense is playing, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, if they can continue on that stretch, and I think we'll see, like, where they end up falling, you know? A matchup could be key for them, um, you know? I don't like the they the Lakers if they were healthy, like the, the Portland has a tough time with them, but they could be in a really good spot where they might be like on the opposite side of the bracket and not have to deal with the with ever like a healthy Laker team and somebody could take them out. I could see them beating probably any anybody else there too. So it'll be fun to see where the well, chips I mean like fall. right now, man, like they had Denver, Denver first round round and then they have Utah or whoever. Warriors. I mean, I, tell I can you, see if, him winning that. If I tell you right now, if they had a, if they beat Denver and then they played Utah in the second round, I would pick Portland absolutely. Oh, for sure, hundred hundred percent. Curry 100%. will play. Will make Gobert tough to play. He will. He's done it before. He picks on him. He goes right in and he brings him right out and he teases him. And he like forces you to, to like get to the point where you have to have somebody who's just a little bit quicker there. He unfortunately can't quite switch like some of the like uh you know some of the other bigs that that can stretch out. So yeah, the, I guess the story too is like everybody's kind of penciled in Lakers Warriors as the the playing game, but but Memphis could actually still get that eight spot, and they could. Be in a better situation where they only have to win one game and they could still lose and then win um, in order to get in. I think the Lakers would probably much rather play a Memphis team. Not that Memphis couldn't beat the Lakers in a game. Someone like Jaw is great, but uh, it's not as if the Warriors are locked into that eight spot quite yet. Right now, they're only a half game ahead of Memphis, and then the Spurs um, look like. I mean, Sacramento. I think has an outside shot to 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 still get in. Uh, if they can win their last couple and the Spurs continue to, to struggle because they've just been bad the, the second half. Yeah, I mean, that tonight must-win game, and they just didn't close. Like, that was really bad. Um, to your point, though, about Memphis, it's important to remember, Memphis finishes off the season at Golden State. Right? So, I mean, that could those be cool. teams like are going to have play-in. an extra playing game. So, I mean, that'd be another game. I'm definitely going to look at the first half and game game under for that because I mean that's going to be a, a game that is just usually a throwaway game on the schedule that has value that has meaning because I mean Jesus it's a it's a world difference between having to play in that ninth position and then having to beat the seventh or eighth team whichever loses it's there's going to be a lot of value on that game so as Eric said the play-in start on May the 18th the playoffs 
themselves start on the May the 22nd, which is Saturday. So playing games on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think, and then uh, the playoff. Begin on May the 22nd Let's get over to the Eastern Conference a little bit And talk about what things look like uh, on that side So I mean For most of the year There's been like a big three You know uh, with the, the those Top three that sort of felt like they were A top tier um, uh, Ahead of everyone else in the East With Philly with Brooklyn with Milwaukee And and then you've got I think a, a real battle Right now in Going on behind Between Atlanta, Miami And the Knicks Because I don't think Those three teams If possible Want to play one of the top three I think it'd be really nice to try to play each other If you're Atlanta, Miami, and New York And and feel If you're one of those three teams You'd feel like I think we could beat the other team I think you'd feel like you actually had a legitimate shot To win a series there I don't know if like maybe Miami could like you know could be okay in a Milwaukee series. Obviously, we know the history with them last year. Milwaukee probably wouldn't want to see Miami, but um, it does sort of feel like there is that top tier of three, and then that next tier of three, and there's going to be some positioning to see who can get those four and five seeds, and then who's going to be maybe the unlucky six seed that has to go play uh, maybe will Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of jockeying, and I really think like. If you're Milwaukee, Milwaukee plays Miami, I believe, on Saturday. They're basically locked in the third seed. Do you just, like, not play Middleton, Holiday, and Antetokounmpo? You know what I mean? And just say, hey, you guys just go, we're happy playing Atlanta or the Knicks. You know what I mean? Because that's going to be the interesting thing. You're going to see how these teams, like, want to jockey those for for potential matchups. And I, it's, I don't, how going to, it's such a mental game and people forget that. Like mentally, I don't know if it would the worst case scenario would be like they don't play and then somehow the heat f up and it gets that matchup for them. Right? Be a total mental f. Or you bucks. play everybody and the heat beats you just a week mm-hmm. before and then you're going, oh crap! Like we gotta have to play this team in a series, maybe three or four times, whatever it is. You know, like it's uh it's always weird. We see this a lot more in NFL than we do in the NBA because generally the, at this point of the NBA, these games usually don't matter this much. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, you know, throw another 10 games and, and and things spread out a little bit too, right? And with everything with COVID this year, with the way the season was, there's a, a lot of teams that are just really tight in the in the middle spots. Like, I'm, you know, we're watching like Portland and Phoenix just started as you and I are recording this. And I'm sort of wanting like Portland to win this game because I'm to the point where I just want, I'd rather the Lakers not play AD and LeBron for the next couple ga- games because heaven forbid they get hurt in one of these last couple games before the play in even like you and I have discussed some teams you know maybe uh sitting players like in a in a game 1 situation if if they had to play a couple yeah. play in games and come into it so i just yeah like right now at this point if you're locked in or you can put yourself in a spot I don't want to see any of these big stars go down in, in this this week. That'd be the worst thing. Like as someone goes down, it changes the complexity of everything. You want everyone as healthy as they can possibly be. Um, if I'm the Bucks, like the team I would I would want to play would be obviously Atlanta because Atlanta doesn't defend. They want to get out and run, and that's what Milwaukee does. I mean, New York's going to be a tough out. Like I said, Miami is going to be a Miami is either going to win a series or they're going to lose a series in seven games. That's basically the heat with how tough yep. they are. They well mean, coached. Spolstra, 
is so underrated, and you're going to give him a week to prepare and, like, dice stuff up. I mean, that's just a nightmare matchup. That's why, like, the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, they're sitting, sitting in a great spot. I mean, they potentially could have to play the Celtics. The Celtics look god Horrible. No Jalen Brown. I don't know if you watched the game on um, Sunday. The Cavs game? No, the, no. The, game, the game against the first game against the Heat. Sunday, a pouring game. It was still when the Heat and um and, and, and they the were Celtics close. were tied. Yep. The legendary announcer was named Tommy Heisen, Heisman or whatever. They were honoring him, and he's like this huge Celtic Fort Lord. Did the games and everything, um, and they just completely shit the bed. There was no effort Nothing. whatsoever. I mean, Nothing. it was just so despicable. Um, and the thing with Tatum is. The games I've watched this week, and granted, I missed the debacle against the Cavaliers. Um, he's settling so much for jump shots. It's, it's it's one of those things where the weaknesses, like your weaknesses, come out when you're like tired or when you're uncomfortable, right? Like it's it's sort of hard, like when things are going well and you can focus and you can like mentally, um, you know, look like know what you have to do and what you don't. That was all. That was one of Tatum's weakness. It was that. He bad shots, long jumpers, one on one, not as good of a playmaker. And when he's rolling, and when they're rolling, he does the, he does a, like a lot of those things much better. He gets to the rack a little bit better. He gets to the line a little bit better. He moves the ball a little bit better. He takes the threes instead of long twos. Those kind of things. It's funny as soon as he struggles or they or like as soon as they start struggling, you see him falling into like all of those traps. And I mean, I've played basketball my whole life. And the one thing, like, I was taught at a young age when you're struggling, try to get to the three-throw line. Go to the rack. You know, create get contact. An easy get some shot. Rhythm. And he just doesn't do that. And that's why, like, this season that Randall's having, if you watch the Knicks play, Randall misses his first two or three jump shots. The very next possession down, his ass is on the low block, and he's trying. He's going to work. You know, he's posting you up, trying to gets, get an easy turnaround. You know, yep. go to the three-throw line. Something. Tatum just doesn't do that. Like he's everything's just like one bounce slide to the left jump shot. You know what I mean? There's nothing, no taking to the rim, and he just—it's one of those things. I go back and forth on my ceiling for Tatum, and it's like the more and more I watch, I just don't think he's going to be as good as like being the highest scorer on a championship team. I don't think he can be the guy that leads you. So, what would be really interesting would be um, if Philly's able to secure the one seed in the East. And if it were to go Philly 1, Brooklyn 2, Milwaukee 3, Atlanta 4, and the Knicks 5, if Milwaukee got, or if Miami dropped down to the 6 and the Knicks were the 5 against Atlanta in the first round, that would feel like a, a pretty, like, good draw for Philly, right? If they, yeah. if they had the 1 8 against. You know, whoever they play, Charlotte, let's say right now would be the the eight, like Philly, Philly, Charlotte in a series, and then playing the winner of a Knicks, uh, a Knicks Hawks. Like that's that doesn't feel like on paper that's the most difficult two rounds. And then you compare that to someone like, um, like what the Bucks would maybe have to do. Like if they were the three and they would play the six Miami, and then they'd have to go play a series with Brooklyn. That, think about how much harder the, that road is than what that's Phillies be a, could be. Oh, that'd be an insanely that's a tough road on paper. But the one thing this year has taught me about the NBA and like I totally undervalued how good of a coach Thibodeau is. 
and this playoff series, when you're seeing these guys, like, like you know, it's not like going to be easy. five times. He's going to make those guys work. And the one thing about the 76ers, I said this like a month ago, is they don't have that guy on the perimeter that can create. You look at these other teams. The Nets have Hart, three guys, Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. You need a bucket, one-on-one, go. Bucks can do it with Holiday. Yeah, Bucks can do it with Holiday. Even Giannis and Middleton. Middleton. Hawks got Trey Young. They can bring in Lou Williams. They got Bogey. Even Gallinari can do it. Uh, The Heat have Butler. Uh, The Knicks have Rose and Randall. Celtics have Tatum and Kemba. Hornets have Rozier and... I mean, Ball will drive, and Ball Ball will find the two. Wizards have Beal and Westbrook. I mean, the Pacers have uh, Levert. I mean, who do the 76ers have? Tobias Harris? And that's that's the problem. That's not his – he's on the wing. That's where he does his best, when he's your second or your third option. When somebody initiates the offense from the top, you get it to him, and then he can move out there one-on-one and operate a little bit because – He's he's a good player. He's got size. He can be a mismatch for a lot of players on the wing. You want to go? He can play. Uh, you know, you want to go small. He can play a little little four or whatever you want to do. But they don't. You're right. They and that's not Simmons' game at all. And they try to do it with Embiid. And Embiid is like gotten a, a lot better with his handles and with his shooting off the dribble and stuff like that. But that you don't. That's not what you want when the game slows down. You want him in the block. Getting a shot kind of facing up But you don't want him out on the perimeter And sometimes it's it's just not You, you have to like get him the ball It's not it's easier said than done Just getting it to him you know Yeah and I just I would say often I'm forced to make a couple jump shots That's all I would do if he did that Then I would then I would get up in his face And you you had a great tweet It was like two or three weeks ago Like you made it I, forget, I think you were referring to Lillard And the same goes with Embiid The way that they call the Officiate the games isn't 100%. doing isn't doing a favor, and that was a great tweet by you because the 76ers and Embiid, he's not going to get the calls that he's used he's to getting in a regular season. It's physical playoff basketball, so I mean that you hit it on the head with that that that's going to hurt the 76ers too. I'm just not high in them, and then you factor in Doc Rivers, the only coach that's blowing not one but two three one leads in a series. Yep. I mean, it's just, and you look at the debacle that happened. He wasn't able to control the locker room with the Clippers. I just, it just, the big red flags in terms of the Nets. I just, the defensively, they're going to be the- a nightmare. They haven't played with each other at all. Um, I don't even, like, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I just saw a little bit of the highlights yesterday. But I, I'll have to see Harden, the highlights I saw, Harden looked thick. He didn't really look in shape, so to speak. So I don't know how much he's going to get. And when you have Durant, and Durant's one of the greatest players ever, you're naturally just going to be one of the favorites. But you have to have those other pieces. And do they really have those like other pieces? It's really going to be on Nash to manage it. Because there's going to be some series, like when they play the 76ers, that's DeAndre gonna be Jordan's a gonna have to play when they play the crazy Bucks, matchup, not, right? He he's not gonna play, so he's gonna have to like really good good job of analyzing the matchups, making sure he gets the pieces together and everything. And it's important to remember about the Bucks. The Bucks are five and one this year against the 76ers yeah, and the and the um and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I mean, I I, I ordered my playoff tickets today for the Bucks. I don't mean to sound like a homer, but I mean. I think with Holiday, they're going to be a really 
really tough. I'll, um, I would play them right now yeah. to come out of the, the East. Uh, the, the 76 request. I'm so curious the like if and, and who knows if we'll get it maybe we do maybe we don't what a 76ers Nets matchup like in a series would look like with like okay who's trying to guard Embiid and then what are they going to do on the perimeter because Philly would probably be able to like defensively be okay as far as trying to stop your your Durant your Kyrie and your Harden but could, can they score with them yeah. I would I think the the template of that series would be really cool. And I mean I really think that what the Nets are going to do on defense is they're just going to try to outscore you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they're going to have to say, "Hey, we have three great guys that can go one on one. We're just going to try to see if you can 25 25 us. 25 or we got to get 80 to 90 points between these three guys." And you then know? you throw in Harris that can make an open jump shot. You throw in Mike James who's playing great. Brown, who's been great off the bench. I mean, I really think that's what they're going to do is they're just going to try to outscore people. Hawks, I just don't feel they they have that much experience. I'm not a no. Trey Young guy. And if you look like, I think they this is this is a good year for them so far, right? Oh, like a really sure. good year. But I mean, the big thing for them is they can't play Trey Young and Lou Williams on the court at the same time. No and way. obviously, you have a choice. You're going to take Trey Young, and I'll give Trey credit. He's doing a better job. Um, trying to like get people involved bogey's playing great but i just feel like with the injuries that they have because reddish has been hurt a long time for a majority of the season same thing with deandre hunter they just don't have the chemistry out and the experience yet they may be able like if they get to the four spot win a series but that would be it for them and the series and the season will be a considered success and speaking of them how the hell have they not named nate mcmillan coach yet like you know what I mean? Like, what does this guy have to do to get some sort of respect? Get, he he has to. There's no way to play, especially with with how well they played. The players like him. Um, he really turned their whole season around. They were in that like eight, nine, ten range, and things just completely changed. Everybody's playing better. They're flowing a lot better. Um, uh, Lou Williams, who I actually liked quite a bit, he was he was fun when he plays for the, play the Lakers. Um, he was historically been one of the worst playoff performers too, because you could just kind of pick on him on defense when things slow down, and you can just attack him every time. And it's like sort of like how it used to be with Isaiah Thomas. Like unless if he's not incredible offensively, he's hurting you. Yeah, because oh, yeah. they're just going to attack him every time. So if he's not scoring or helping you score, literally every time down the court, he's basically becoming a liability. And, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate because y- you have no chance trying to play, like you said, him and Trey Young next to each other. But in the fourth spot right now, uh, a great spot for the Hawks. Um, yeah, the team it, it, that I kind of really like. There's two series that I would really, really want to see just from a basketball fan perspective. And number one, like the Hornets are like an insanely fun team to watch with the they way are. they play. I would love to see them play the 76ers, or I would love to see the Wizards play the 76ers. I Give just me really Wizards think, Nets. Yeah. I want oh, the Wizards yeah. Nets. I want Westbrook Durant and Westbrook Harden, all of that with those guys there. I, I want to see Westbrook for a few games just trying to go ballistic on them. So like, I'd love to see the Wizards win. Uh, what They'd have to win their way into the play-in game, right? They could win two and uh, and move their way up. They could. They'd have to win two, and then I think the Nets would have to be the two seed. Yeah. 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 They could be the um, seven. And one of the teams that's just kind of like lolling around is the um, the Pacers. I mean, the Pacers have this bonus. 
they have Lever. I think everyone's kind of just kind of writing this team off. Um, but I mean, it's it's a one plan. You know what I mean? Like if they play the Wizards and like Westbrook struggles, Beal's not really a hundred percent, and then they have to play like the Hornets. I mean, the Pacers could sneak in, and everyone seems to just kind of forget Dis- about that. Discount them, yeah. Everyone and, is kind of like it doesn't even like I haven't heard. When's the last time somebody said something? You, you. This is the last time somebody said something about them in a week or two. <laughs> yeah, like ever since the, co- the the Fosters breakup, like they just kind of be forgotten. So bonus is healthy this year. I mean, they're in the playing game last, not the playing, they're in the tournament last year. They lost first round, but they had so many injuries. And it's kind of crazy. Like it just shows you how fast stuff can, can turn. It just seems like yesterday you and I were talking about, we thought the Pacers of Oladipo could come back, could make a run out of the East. And now Oladipo's the, traded. He's done yeah. for the year. He's, you know what I mean? Right. Like, And you think about it, like, this is another guy. He didn't sign the extension with Houston. Now he's out with what some sort of quad injury. Is who's going to take a shot make? on him next yeah, year? He's going to ha- have to sign a one-year deal at the minimum. Like so it. I mean, like it's it's crazy, like how quick shit can just change, like you know, in this league and everything. That's and why I've tried. Um, my one of my buddies uh, on the other uh, show I host, uh, the Mike Abadir show that I, where I'm the co-host there. He had said a few weeks ago when the Dodgers started 13 and two, he'd said like, "Man, does it get boring when it's like that?" And I actually stopped at a minute and said, "You know what? Because of what happened in the pandemic, and because of where we were for a few months when all the sports stopped, and they they stopped like right when the teams that." That I um, root for Were really good and they ended up both winning Last year the Lakers and the Dodgers Um, I I kind of made a promise To myself that I'm going to try to As a fan enjoy When my teams are good I'm always going to be Mad when they lose and critical and stuff but I'm not going to be to where it's Like um, I forget about the the winning that the winning the regular games on a Tuesday Wednesday night right like I'm not going to be so many people are for for Dodger fans were like oh, okay it doesn't matter anything we do until we win the World Series it's like well that sucks because there's a lot of fun moments along the year there's a lot of wins that a lot of other fans don't get to experience with their teams I'm going to enjoy those I'm going to enjoy it because look what just happened with the Lakers you blink and AD and LeBron are both hurt and then who the hell knows what's going to happen I mean you brought up. Two good points. Like, I remember it was, like, some Tuesday afternoon. I'm here in my place, and I was watching Fodder Park, the pick by carry over that everyone <laughs> Will was Rogers. Playing. Yeah, and I told myself, I was like, dude, you are never going to take a Pittsburgh Pirates-Miami Marlins baseball game on a Thursday afternoon again for granted again. Right. I mean, because you never know. Like, stuff can just change, like, in a heartbeat. Like, even look at last year. The Bucks were playing it. Such an insanely high clip. They were murdering everybody. There was they were games on that pace to break the all-time close. point differential record. Oh, and then like they just don't play. They lose all the rhythm, all the timing. They go into that controlled environment, and everything's completely different. And they played like dog shit. They the couldn't get time. anything together. No and shot. Every this playoff, like last year playoffs were completely different this year it's going to go back to the norm and it's going to be interesting to see like a team like miami that's so like their infrastructure is so good you have an insane leader at the very top of riley that trickles down to spolstra like now when you add in the traveling and all the different variables like how different is this team going to be you know what i mean like 
the the teams like that had the good structure and the good lead. How much did that aid yeah. them? Yeah, last with the year heat, with the Heat and the Lakers. Lakers. I mean, LeBron, the best. They liked each the other. Yeah. they they were well coached. They were well from the top. It starts with LeBron. It trickles down, like you said. It's Riley and Spolstra over there with Miami. Um, not a lot of in and out injuries with them. Um, and and then when Miami got there, they you know the the whole thing with Jimmy Butler selling the coffee. It was fun. Like they were having a good time there. You know and you're right. Like maybe maybe this is going to be completely different for a Clippers team that struggled when they lost a game or two and they they couldn't hide, right? They couldn't go home and hide. That's what's nice right now. You have a bad night, you go home, you with your family, you can kind of relax, you can kind of get over it and maybe come back and re and refreshed. They couldn't get away from it last year. You lose, you're still right there with the guys every night for you know while the series is going. After that loss, you're looking. The, the guys that just beat you right in the eyes in the hotel, you know? Oh, you see, and, which is awkward as hell. And, like, guys weren't used to that. And now, like, but they also want to have distractions, like the travel distractions, like traveling yep. to New York and, and the club, the underground clubs that are open, the tip bars that are in Miami and all the women. I mean, there's a casino, like, uh, that I go to way too much, like, up, <laughs> up in Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Like, and I remember I was in the casino game one and I'm seeing players from the Raptors walking around in the casino. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there is so many distractions now that are going to be factored in that we need to remember that this isn't going to be like the year before. This is going to be like two years ago. We need to remember that when we're looking at these playoffs, travel and like the out the outside activities. So it's just, I think it's going to be really interesting basketball. And, and if I am the NBA, TNT, ESPN, because they've had some clunkers of a game, I am praying that it is Warriors-Lakers in the play-in game just for just, rankings alone. Because oh, that, I mean, that's going to be like the most watched, they that sort of, the most watched game for a while. In the they playoffs. sort of deserve it for some of the bad games they've dealt with this year. You're right. With like, with the, the three-point um, rate. Being so high and everybody shooting at such a clip It's just inevitable that There's going to be a couple games of the night Where just one team shoots well The other team doesn't It doesn't really matter if you're good or not If you're a bad team and you hit 65% of your threes And the other team doesn't You're going to win Yeah, like <laughs> You're going to pull them out you know? it's just like, one of, Yeah, and like you have players sitting out Players resting COVID um, I did want to ask you this I heard this interesting debate when I was listening to the sports radio earlier today um and one guy's thing was points per game shouldn't be determined the scoring leader it should be like every other every other sport it should be total points scored on the season I think that is kind of cool you know what I mean like so it makes more sense yeah you look like right now Curry is averaging 31.8 and he's played in how many games 62 games you look at Beal, he's at 31.4, and he's played in 59 games. You know what I mean? So it's like it's – It's going to be tight. Yeah. And it but should it, go to who's been in the who game scored more. the most points. Yeah. yeah. Who scored, who's scored the most points. You look at how Embiid's missed a ton of games this year. Like an insane – like I think, what, over 15 games? Yep. And he's the third leading NBA scorer at 29.2 points a game. Like I, I really – after listening to the argument and started thinking, I think it should be like total points in the NHL, home runs and MLB. I think it should be total points scored determines the scoring title. Yeah. 
that's I, that's a that's a very good point. That's something you didn't think about. You know, you 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 think about the average, and that and that makes sense for what they're how they're impacting each game. But if we're just talking about the the scoring leader of the league, it's the person who scores the most points, and uh, and we'll see if that ends up happening with uh, with it still tight with just a few games left here. Um, anything else you want to hit before we finish up? I think you're going to join me again. Uh, Early next week because we're going to have a lot to talk about with the planes. We'll see what happens on uh, when it starts on Tuesday, and then uh, we'll preview what the uh, the series will look like. So I think we got through most of everything. Anything else you want to hit? Um, just be very careful betting this week. You never oh, know yeah. like who's going to be Wait sitting till the out. Playoffs, or I would say. Um, I would say. Oh, yeah. I mean, the one thing I would do is like if the the Warriors Grizzly game means anything, I would definitely look toward the under in those games. I looked at the unders in the playing game and like, don't, don't go crazy. I mean, the playoffs last forever and you're going to have so many opportunities. Don't bust your load, your play, your, um, your bankroll, bankroll the first, the first, the first, the first week. I mean, you have so many opportunities, like just be careful with how you bet. Love the NBA playoffs and we are getting set for them. You're going to hear Eric joining me uh, all the time here on that's what G said. And uh, yeah, at some point we'll have to uh, react a little to that uh, NFL schedule too, that just came out. I'm going to, I want to take a while. I'm sure you do too. And sort of handicap it, look at the spots that you'll like, look at the places that you think are going to be good spots. Look at some of the over-unders that you're going to play, but that's always kind of fun when the, when the schedule's out. And now, you know, we, we've, did our draft recap the other day Free agency is basically done It sort of feels like, you know, once once the schedule's out Now it's kind of it's kind of real, right? It feels like that we can start the countdown to the NFL Oh my god, I'm looking at my calendar right now And I have it circled Like, first yeah. game, Bucks <laughs> and Cowboys Lines at six and a half I'm hoping to god I get that seven. Oh my god, like, I am Like, NFL is just right around the corner It's gonna be like really I don't know. It's going to be great to have fans back in the stands. Like, I think I'm going to be going Memorial Day to Tigers Brewers, which I'm pumped about. I haven't been to a sporting event since, oh, my God, January of 2020, Nuggets Bucks. That was the last time the sporting event I went to. It's going to get here quicker, too, because of the way that the NBA season was, right? Normally, this is right when the NBA season in the next month is finishing, but we're going to get an additional like month so some of those dog days of like july you know like early july or like, when there's not much going on we'll have a little bit more nba to kind of bridge that gap when it's just baseball and so i think it, it's going to even get here a little bit quicker than than it normally does oh my god i i honestly even though my lines are going to suck i can't wait Eric, we look forward to chatting with you uh, again here. Uh, thank you so much for all the hard work you put in, buddy. And good luck over the weekend uh, with anything that you're uh, that you're wagering on. Look forward to talking to you next week. All right, man. We'll talk then, dude. Uh, Eric, oh, let's get get your plugs in one more time. I, I didn't get those in. Uh, um, social media, Twitter, at, Instagram, and podcast. At etalk21sports on Twitter, at etalk21sports on Instagram, underscore uh, podcast this week. I am going to... My buddy Brandon, who's an iRacer, this guy is an insane iRacer, knows so much about NASCAR. Him and I are going to talk NASCAR. And then NHL playoffs are talking. I'm going to talk a little NHL playoffs, awesome. too, and you know, dive into that a little bit. Great, great. So uh, make sure to tune into that and subscribe there and get all the good stuff from, uh, from Eric, talking uh, some NASCAR, talking some NHL. So thanks so much, buddy. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. Okay, folks, uh, don't go anywhere. Still got plenty left here. 
on that's what she said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com. Can you believe next time we talk NBA, we're going to be talking about the play-in and the NBA playoffs. The season is already done, and I mean, it is really wide open, right? Let me just talk about the, the way the seeds are. So you've got the one, two seeds in the West who I don't think anybody would even say they necessarily are the favorite, right? People probably think that the Clippers or the Lakers are the favorites in the, uh, in the West. Then on the East, it feels like the top three legitimately have a shot. Like, what are we going to get with a Brooklyn team who's been banged up a lot of this year and they haven't played together? Will they be able to just put it all together? What about Philly? Will Milwaukee be able to get over the hump right now? I think, I mean, it, it does feel like there are six or seven teams with a legitimate claim for an NBA title this year. So wide open. And we'll see what happens. Talk a lot about the NBA, of course, next week. And uh, basically on every episode now, the uh, the rest of the way through, we'll be recapping what's going on, previewing the next games through, and uh, talking a ton about NBA basketball. We're going to start talking a ton about Stable Duel because it is a big weekend coming up. They have a massive contest on Saturday, $20,000 in prizes in cash prizes, it's a hundred bucks to enter, and this is going to be 
where I'm putting a lot of my attention and a lot of my money. I'm going to put a couple entries in. We are going to do a live stream on Friday night. So Friday, if you've ever been curious about Stable Duel, what it is, everything, tune into this live stream. It's totally free. Friday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Follow me on social media at It's Me, Gino B. Follow Stable Duel. And there are going to be six or seven different guests coming on. Each of them are going to give three different horses for the Saturday contest at Pimlico. And we'll show you, we'll get a a, a look at what the, the app actually looks like. When you're building your lineup, what like their program pages look like, how much each course costs, and what the salary cap, everything. All, all those details you're going to find out. You can ask questions, we'll help you out, and we're going to give away a couple prizes, and you'll get good information if you want to use that information to handicap the races, play your stable duel lineups, whatever you be, but we're going to be talking about it from a real stable duel sense, and on Friday, if you're interested in uh, getting a, a look at some of those stable duel contests, you can play at Gulfstream Park. There's a contest at Pimlico, Pump the Preak, presented by Classic Cars for 50 bucks. There's $3,500 in cash uh, prizes in the pool, and the winner gets free entry into that Saturday Preakness game. There's actually a Pimlico double up on Friday. There's a Lone Star game, a Golden Gate game, and two different options at Santa Anita. Then on Saturday, the big one, that Preakness Stakes Challenge brought to you by ClassicCars.com at $100 to enter, and there will be $20,000 in the, the prize pool, maybe more, who knows. The double up, and then a free ride. Let's say Saturday, you just don't feel like playing a whole lot of cash, you want to have some action, you can build a lineup for free won't cost you anything to get in this contest and those are the con this is the contest and those are the horses where we will be talking about in that live stream that I just mentioned so you can play for free a couple different options on Saturday at Pimlico then on Santa Anita uh, and then on Saturday at Santa Anita you can play for just a buck you can play for 25 and at Gulfstream you can play for 10 on Sunday Golfstream Lone Star has a free ride. Golfstream has a $10 and a $25 contest. Golden Gate has a $2 contest to enter. Santa Anita has a $50 winner take all. And uh, they also have a $100 triple up. So many options for you. You can play for free. You can play for uh, in that, that big contest with at least $20,000 in the pool. The $20,000 Preakness Stakes Challenge. That is Saturday Stable Duel. So let's talk a, a little bit about some of those horses that we will be using in our Stable Duel lineups. And maybe if you're playing some of the undercard races, like I said, I just, I'm not getting the itch this weekend after uh, everything that's been going on after the news. Um, we will talk all, a little bit about that too. Uh, following my thoughts on the undercard before I actually get into the Preakness race itself. I'm going to replay a conversation that Andrew Champagne and I had uh, just a few days ago, and it talks about all the news and everything that's happened over the last few days, and just kind of how we feel right now as fans of the sport, very passionate fans of the sport, uh, heading into the weekend. So let's look at uh, at Pimlico for Saturday, um, get those past performances out, we are looking at Saturday May the 15th for Pimlico. Nothing uh, in the first few. I thought the first was going to be really chalky. Uh, no real strong opinion on in the second either. 
Um, and from a stable deal standpoint in the third and the chick Lang, take a look at Hemp. This horse can pass horses late. Going to get a nice little turn back, was in the slop the last couple and, and won nicely in the slop, but has, has proven fine on the fast. And with pace like Mighty Mischief to the inside, Jackson Traveler to the outside, Willie Boy, I think Hemp can at least pass some horses here in a short field. And at 15 to 1 on the morning line, it could be a very nice horse to use in your stable dual lineups. Uh, race number four. Not the strongest uh, opinion here, but in race number five, uh, I'm looking at a couple horses. The six and the two. The two breaking news is obviously super logical and not one I have to tell you a whole lot about. Baptize the boy should sit off the pace pretty nicely. Coming off of a a decent effort, another one who's been in the slop a a couple times but proven fine on the fast track before and should get that same kind of off-the-pace trip we were talking about before. You know, Irad jumps aboard, so don't be shocked if this horse gets bet down. That doesn't matter at all in stable duel you're actually looking for horses that you think are going to get bet down as we shift to the sixth race the gallerette the uh, flighty lady was very impressive winning at aqueduct i think she can take a big step forward in here second time u.s for brown and irad ortiz so um you're not giving you anything too outside the box there they're gonna have to try to beat mean mary who is the one that they'll have to catch the real key to the race for me is no, the the one vigilante's way down to the inside is vigilante's way going to send or try to sit. If they get aggressive with the one, it might not be easy for me and Mary. And then you can get one of these off the pace type horses. Feel glorious, wouldn't shock. Uh, but I'm looking towards the three flighty lady in race number. Seven, they'll go a mile in a 16th. Uh, Non-twos there, no real uh, strong opinion for me. As we move to the eighth race, the James W. Murphy. I thought the eight was one to look to. TD Dance, who should sit a, a very nice trip towards the outside with uh, Javi jumping aboard for Cox. Check out the the Fairgrounds' most recent race. It was, it was pretty nice visually. So eight for me in the Murphy uh, in the ninth race, the run happy skip it. I thought again we would go uh, to the eight French Empire, who is just really, really sharp right now, and now moves into the Cox Barn. We're actually going right back to the same connections, and you just kind of project the way this race is going to shape out, right? Uh, Chub wagons pretty quick. Don't let sweet, don't let a sweet fool you. Pretty quick. There's maybe one or two others, like never enough time, who you wouldn't be shocked if that one's really close to the front end. And even a horse like Paisley singing. So now you're getting combinations of three or four showing speed. You got a horse like French Empire, who's got enough positional speed to not have to be outrun early, but she's not going to be on the lead. And she's just sharp and knows how to win races. Is in great form right now. French Empire, the number eight. In the 10th, the turf sprint. I really like Boulder in here. I just hate the draw. And so because of that, I, I want to make sure that if you're playing this race from like a win end, you don't take less than 5-1 to one on Boulder. You want a little bit of price built into the fact that with his running style and with a lot of speed drawn to the outside, it might be kind of hard for him to work out a trip. He might have to try to take way back and then he's too far back. If he's mid-pack, he could get shuffled a little bit. If, if he were drawn towards the outside, I would really love him. But I do still like him. I will still use him in my stable dual lineups. The number one, Boulder, who I see getting a nice trip off the pace. It's just what kind of trip will he get from the draw, right? And, and that's what it comes down to. So you have to have some price built into that when you're taking it into account. 
Um, with, you know, Pace signed on right to his outside. Horses like the connector grab the gold pretty quick. The critical way, very, very quick. Hollis, very, very fast. And then even more towards the outside with, you know, push to start and fire crow. So they could be moving early on in here. And um, maybe, uh, maybe Boulder can hope the field stretches out a little bit. And that way he can work out a nice sort of in-between to- uh, trip. We get to race number 11, the Maryland Sprint Match Series. Mucho, at a price, is a real fun stable dual horse to use because at 15 to 1, won't cost you a ton. And this is a horse who is capable of showing up with races good enough to compete with this group. I don't know if he could win, but if he gets a kind of trip, he's going to pass horses late. And how does this race shape up? I think strike power is probably the fastest. I think because of the draw, Lackey might be forced from the inside and have to show a little bit of speed. I think you're going to get some speed from Frosted Grace. I think you're going to get some speed from Breezy Gust. I think you're going to get some speed from Special Reserve, who's pretty quick. You're going to get some from Lebda. Seven Nation Army isn't exactly slow, but the real, the quickest of them is strike power. But can he clear? What's the plan going to be? I think his A game is probably as good as any, but I, I will would build exotics around the three and the five, try to get Mucho into some exotics there, uh, along with Strike Power, and those would be the two horses in Stable Duel who I'd be looking at using. The twelfth race is the dinner party, the Grey Two Mile and a Sixteenth on the turf course. Um, the five Sacred Life, a super logical favorite who should improve second off the bench. The six Talk or Listen. Comes out of a race behind a horse named Masterpiece, who is another nice Chad Brown runner. And so because it's an allowance race, that doesn't necessarily mean the race is softer than this. That that one could be a, a real good horse, Masterpiece. So talk or listen, I would include, especially in a, a stable duel situation at that price. And then an, one horse who I always find myself playing, and every now and then he shows up and he and he runs really well, and, and he's got speed, is Flying Scotsman. And Flavian Pratt jumps aboard. You can toss the tra- the race on the good last time, and again you'll notice does it, when he gets the kind of trip, either right on the lead or sitting close, he's capable of, of jumping up with a really good race at a big price. But with a horse like Some Like It Brown in here, Some Like It Hot Brown in here, will you know will he get that? I do like that he's drawn towards the outside, and so maybe the plan will be just go. Try to clear over and see if you can make the the inside runner just kind of tap on the brakes and, and have to take back. So I, I'd have him stacked like six, five, seven in exotics in the dinner party. In the Preakness, can't bet the race. I, just from a, it doesn't feel like a good betting race and just what the everything that's been going on, right? So um, I will go into the race horse by horse. With Darren Zocali and with Andrew Champagne. And we spend a while. We spend an hour. We go through, you know, every horse in the field. How could they win? What kind of trips could they get? Class everything just from a pure handicapping standpoint. Before that, though, I wanted to replay a conversation that I had with Andrew Champagne just a few days ago. Um, so if some of you didn't know everything that's been going on in the news with Medina Spirit, with the testing positive after the Kentucky Derby, with some some of the Bob Baffert um Interview some of the things that he said All the stuff that's been out there How I feel about all of this How Andrew feels about this And um, 
sort of why I'm not doing an entire big, huge Preakness preview like we did for the Derby. Uh, You can get all of that information. I tried to articulate it the best that I could uh, with Andrew, so I'm going to play that now. Um, If you've already heard it, or if you don't care, and you just want to hear who we liked in the Preakness or how we looked at the Preakness, then you can skip it, and following that, it'll be Preakness Talk with Andrew and Darren. Enjoy. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version, and even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view, and any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. So recording this on Tuesday night, uh, May the 11th, and... You know, you're gonna probably hear in my voice a lot uh, this week in in some of the shows. I'm I'm a little a, a little sad, a little bummed out as someone who was a big time horse racing fan. I know a lot of you who probably follow me and listen to this show have seen me through the years working on TVG, working in different places, covering racing. That was probably where um, I, I gained the the, the most of. Uh, People following and, and, and tuning in for shows like uh, uh, you know one like this with the Preakness coming up and a big weekend, but. I just got a, a little bit of a different feel with everything that's happened. Um, Medina Spirit, Kentucky Derby winner, testing positive for a substance, and this, and this is all like an ongoing situation. Andrew Champagne is going to join me to talk about it. You hear Andrew here on a, that's what G said each and every week. Uh, Andrew's one of my best friends. We we bring him on for I mean at literally everything. Any anytime we need someone, uh, the old wrestling rewatch all the time, handicapping stuff. But this isn't. 
I mean, this isn't going to be one of our more fun conversations, unfortunately, Andrew. We, we've had a few of these through the couple years now. Man, can you believe it? I think uh, we're c- coming up on 200 episodes of that. What that's what she said. Um, wow. In like a week or two, I think we're in like the 190s now. But um, we've had a few of these. You know, we've had your uh, your your plan to save horse racing that we turned into a podcast. We had a, a podcast where you and I talked with John Stetton when um, a lot of the issues came out with uh, about about service and Navarro. Um, I guess it was right before the pandemic, a, a little over a, a year ago. Um, and this is just another unfortunate reason for for me to have to bring you on. I love talking with you, but I wish it was in in more of a positive light about horse racing. Bob Baffert, basically the most well-known face figure in in all of horse racing. We're not I mean jockeys, trainers, owners, you name it. He's the one that is the most recognizable that everybody knows. And he has not been someone especially in recent years that's had the squeaky clean type record and and now again um, there is a, a a kind of a black mark on a, a big racing weekend that this really kind of started. I guess was it Saturday night when all the rumors started coming out um, that 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 there was something, and then Sunday morning was when he first addressed it himself on the backside over at Churchill Downs, and I think that was something that I, I found kind of weird right away. How come he was the first person to address this And we didn't hear about it from um, either someone at the track Someone representing racing in any way, shape, or form There's a lot that's really strange with regard to And we're going to go around in a circle too We're going to try to hit on a lot of different things And I'm sure we'll zig and we'll zag and stuff And and we're both going to be like objective and fair This isn't like a a hit piece or anything But I think, um, you know, I, I have a hard time like spinning this in any positive way I'm never going to be someone that that w- would do that And I think we're all a little too intelligent To try to pretend like um, You know the dog ate the homework excuse Over and over again is going to suffice here That's true Now there are going to be two things That I want to get out of the way right now The first thing that I would like to stress To everybody listening Gino and I are not vets We can't nope. tell you what certain substances do or don't do Nope What we are are lifetime horse racing fans, people who are passionate about communicating the game to others at various levels of expertise. We can talk to high-level handicappers. We can talk to people that are coming to the racetrack for the first time. We can accurately tell you from a communications PR marketing standpoint a lot about the way this is going down. None of it's good. The second thing, And I'm just going to get this out of the way right now because it pisses me off. If you have a problem with this race because Bob Baffert has a history of medication positives because there was a medication positive with Medina Spirit, whatever, that's fine. If you are up in arms about this race because you didn't have Medina Spirit on your tickets, shut the hell up. Yeah, no, I I can I can so definitely get on board with that. I can so I can get on board with yeah. that because we because and and Andrew's not saying that the 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 process with with the way this happens in racing is wrong, right? Like, is it crappy that how many times we've probably lost to a horse in our life that ends up getting DQ'd for a, some sort of a medication issue months down the line. And of course we, as the betters get nothing back. That's, that's really crappy. I, I think the point he's trying to hit is that 
this this is got to be more and and as a customer we get screwed we're going to be upset but i think this is more so um for the people that are are like upset by this this is because this is not a first time thing that this happens this is an incident that has happened repeatedly 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 with someone that is uh one of the biggest the, the biggest face in in all of racing um correct absolutely yeah. and i'm happy you expounded on that it's a case yeah. where yes we're all handicappers we're all looking for the edge we all care about the horse. Without the horse, there is no game. A lot mm-hmm. of people talking about how, oh, without gamblers, there's no game. Da, da, da. Without the horse, there is no game. Without the horse, there are no gamblers. Without the horse, there are no owners. There are no trainers. There are no jockeys. There are no grooms. There are no hot walkers. There are no racetracks. There is no industry. So let's yeah. focus on the horse issue first and foremost, and we can iron out the betting stuff later because there is betting stuff that we can iron out But if you're solely in this because you had Mandaloon, I got a bridge to sell you. Yeah, I'm kind of like I and I get I get the gripe for all the people who had Mandaloon. I totally do, because this has happened to me previously. And I'm and I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying don't be mad or don't be upset. But I think this situation with what happened in this race, right? This, this, like, to me, what makes this situation so much different than if this were ha- to have happened in um, the Arkansas Derby, like we've seen it, or in other races, is just the Kentucky Derby. This being that race, that's sort of like, um, um, I, I don't know. It, it, even in a world, uh, a world where I'm still, um, cynical and, and a little dejected sometimes with things that happen. Like that's a race that I think a lot of us kind of lip up, lift up and, and uphold because no matter what, it's just not an easy race to win. Um, it, it's this, this is just something that's been going on for, for such a long time. And I think, you know, the people to me, what, what's so uh, upsetting about this, Andrew too, is like, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, um, I was working at TVG. I could have, uh, kind of kicked back there and had a pretty good job on air for the rest of my life. Pretty pretty cushy, nice paycheck, and uh, and things would have been fine. I I didn't love what was happening, partially at TVG, uh, and partially in the like the industry as a whole. And what I ended up having to do, which was a very difficult decision in my life, right, was making a uh, a, a a really important choice to leave a place I wanted to be forever, leave a a life like an industry, a, a life that was completely one hundred percent in the horse racing industry, to put myself in a position where. I was going to be here hosting a show where I could still talk a lot about racing, cover racing how I wanted to, but I didn't have to worry about like having a conversation like you and I are having right now that we would never be able to have being completely honest with people. Um, And now I also get to talk baseball, basketball, football, wrestling with you, cover a little bit of everything like I like. It's one of these things that a lot of us who have been in the horse racing industry for a while, we love it. We've always been promoting it and pushing it hard. But I I can't say that many of us are really surprised when we see something like this happen because for a while we've seen the writing on the wall and it comes from the top down. It starts with the leadership. How many times does somebody get in trouble and they get fined 150 bucks, 500 bucks? Like – we look at the fines afterwards and we say what happens. I think um, it's uh, you know you'll you'll probably hear some sadness in, in both of our voices, and I'm you know I'm not like uh, some holier than thou, and that's why I I never came out and said I'm not ever betting again or I'm not doing that. See I you am tomorrow. Gonna, yeah, because I am gonna play uh, this. And when it comes to this weekend, I'm not gonna play very much. I'm gonna play a couple stable duel contests. Because I have some good friends over there And I don't want them to have a, a struggling weekend Because they didn't do anything wrong And I hope 
some people will still continue to play their contests and I'll help them try to pump that. I'll handicap some of the races and put what I would put my bankroll into into that. And there are other people that I feel bad for because this is going to be a struggling week and uh, I'm going to go on a couple other people's shows and it's going to be it's difficult to talk about because like you said you and I aren't vets. I'm I don't like talking about this stuff. I'm not afraid to address it because it's real. I think we all have to, but I would much rather be doing what you and I and Darren are going to do in a few minutes after this and handicap the Preakness and just go horse by horse. Like that's what we enjoy doing. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate. So let's kind of go through it a little more too, Andrew. So Sunday we get the first interview. And I think one of the things um, that we, we kept asking was if nobody's made an official statement, I, I think, why were we hearing so much from Bob? I'm, I don't know if that was something that people told him to do or not to do and whether you agree with what he did or not. I think it didn't look very good for horse racing when Bob was um was on a lot of different shows and in a lot of different, you know, very high profile media outlets. Um and, and he didn't really have like a good story and and, and, and a story that kind of continued to change. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot about this that I don't like. There's a lot as far as oversight on a national level that isn't there. If you add, say, a track and field case, say a a Ben Johnson case where he tests positive in a gold medal 100-yard dash race, okay? What you have is a press conference held by the organizing body. They say what happened. They control the narrative. Bob Baffert, instead, is the first voice that we hear because his point of attack was, okay, control the narrative, figure out what's going on, and try to get the first shot in in what's undeniably going to be a lengthy public relations battle. Now, from a PR standpoint, it's a smart move. You always want to be on the offensive when you can. The problem is Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday brought three different stories in three days. And we'll get to that, okay? We will absolutely get to that. However, I'm going to hold some people's feet to the fire on this. Wouldn't it be nice if we, if that's the six worst words in the English language right there that I just said, wouldn't it be nice if we dot, dot, dot. Nothing good ever comes out of that, by the way. I challenge anybody to prove me otherwise. Wouldn't it be nice if we had an organization whose goal it was to promote thoroughbred racing on a national level? a National Thoroughbred Racing Association. Gino, it is currently Tuesday, May 11th. I am looking at the NTRA's news section with their news releases. You know how much I'm seeing about Medina Spirit's positive test? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I see Kentucky Derby runner-up Mandaloon, now number one in NTRA three-year-old poll. And then the next derby-related thing, is a national media teleconference with Bob Baffert and Brad Cox. That is despicable. It's an ignorance of one's duty as a national organization. NTRA, do better. Yeah, um, and, you know, like, this is just, it's one of those things where it's like, you get you get hit, you get hit, you get hit. Every every now and then, like, I, same thing happens to me when I'm watching sports or shows or, or things that I'm interested in. Something something bad happens, you get, a, like, a, a sour taste in your mouth. But, um, yeah, we, we were hearing, um, we heard, I think, um, initially, 
that there was never this this drug was never around Medina Spirit. Period. Um, then we heard that this was like an attempt at cancel culture. Um, we heard, as you mentioned, something about a groom urinating in one of the stalls in a previous positive test, not for Medina Spirit, for a different horse. Um, and and then the the most recent um, news that we had heard, and again, like we are just literally reporting things that are happening had have happened like for the like i'm not i'm not telling you anything that didn't happen this is this is just what has gone on the 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 series of events um then this morning it was oh wait he has been getting treated with this cream that does have that steroid in it but we didn't really know so i i have a couple like i just have an honest question either one really we didn't know this was going on and that that was going to flag on the test or two there are people around your Kentucky Derby contending horse that you don't know like who's who's around them handling them i mean i don't know i've seen i've been at the track i'm not i my i've had people in, that i've known very well that have been trainers and i've been in the barns quite a bit um i don't know how many people are walking in and out touching every single or like a really nice horse like that like leading up to the derby i maybe, i don't know it's just there are a lot of things that i look at and i have a hard time i have a hard time digesting them um because i'm not stupid i don't think you're stupid i don't think a lot of the people uh out there that are listening to this are stupid and i think when you j- when you continue to hear different excuses over and over it's really hard to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, what has horse racing done on a national stage to deserve the benefit of the doubt? Nobody in racing was shocked when Jorge Navarro and Jason Service were arrested by the FBI more than a year ago. We may have been shocked at the depth that they were doing things at, but nobody was shocked that they were doing something. And we all watched as Jorge Navarro and Jason Service would take these claimers and turn them into stakes winners. Nobody on the national level made any effort to try to stop it. It took the FBI to do that. Then you get a situation like this. I wrote a column for my website, came out on uh, Sunday, and it was at the time when Bob Baffert was saying, I've been wronged, this horse has never gotten the drug, whatever. So at that point, what I wrote, went as follows. Wait for the split sample. If the split sample comes back negative, revamp everything as far as post-race testing goes. Because if we can't get it right when everybody's watching, who's to say we're getting it right when no one is watching? If the split sample comes back positive, throw the book at everyone involved. Because something you mentioned earlier, there's no deterrent. You have horses running for hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. What's $1,500 on a week's vacation to a trainer? Nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. There they get suspended. No the horses run under their assistant's name in the same program, and they don't miss, skip a beat. There's, there's, just, there's no deterrent. And there needs to be some sort of deterrent. There need to be uniform standards. There and- can't be a situation where you have guys – And I know there have been a lot of people like this, but the first one that comes to my mind is Marcus Vitale, who got run off of several circuits, is in Arizona, I believe. And 
Nobody can do a thing about it because Arizona's decided he can race, even though a bunch of other jurisdictions, namely the Mid-Atlantic area, have decided he can't after an incident where he ran away as people tried to inspect certain things in his barn. Seriously, go look at that in the Pollock Report if you haven't seen it. It's fascinating. But you look at this stuff. You look at racing's track record. How has racing shown it can effectively police itself? And what reason does someone who has no familiarity with horse racing except a couple days a year, what reason do they have to believe that horse racing can ever effectively police itself on Being a on the up and up. national level? It's not even so much being on the up and up so much as, okay, Say somebody gets caught doing something. Because it's inevitable in every sport. There's everyone, there's always going to be people that are cheating, that are trying to cheat, that are doing, they're not playing by the rules, whatever the rules are. You know what? I'm even going to throw in, there are instances, especially at the NCAA level, where the rule book is so big and so thick, it is almost impossible to go a season in a high-profile sport without committing some sort of NCAA violation. You know what? I understand that. If we're looking at some really obscure thing, there's benefit of the doubt that's there. For instance, when I worked at Siena College, and I can say this now because it's 10 years later, everybody involved has moved down the road, and it wasn't even anything major. But the head men's basketball coach at Siena went to a press conference of sorts Read off statistics from an exhibition game. You can't do that. Apparently, there's an obscure rule where you can't talk about statistics in a scrimmage or an exhibition game or something. It was worded very wordly. You report that to the NCAA. The NCAA says, eh, just make sure you don't do it again. Whatever. (laughs) This isn't that. No. This is a Kentucky Derby run and made a very big deal of being run as a substance-free event. No Lasix, nothing. Remember, they're phasing out Lasix. And then this happens, not just to any horse, but to the winner of the Derby who rebroke in mid-stretch after being on the lead and on not an easy lead throughout the race. It's not a good look. It's never going to be a good look. And there are people who are very much in a hurry to try to sweep stuff under the rug. The public isn't going to sweep this under the rug the Preakness this coming weekend, Gino, is in position to do record ratings, and it has nothing, and I mean nothing, to do with the race or the quality of the race. Nothing. Another thing that you were sort of hitting on um, um, right there, like how big of a deal this is. This is a Kentucky Derby. So, again, Andrew and I are not vets. I there are a lot of things I understand in racing, and then some things I don't. I don't, and I don't pretend to. So we're kind of. Asking these questions out loud here We're not even being like this is just sort of An open conversation that We're having here you know Um, because I think it's A lot of the things that some some of the people that are uh, That are players like us are are thinking you Know um and 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 maybe feeling Um I, I I wonder so With the split sample situation Okay so if you're Telling me that that horse in a Race in like a $10,000 claimer on a Wednesday Test positive and now we have to have a split sample So that sample is going to take a month Because based on the lab it's sent to There's a lot of other stuff in front of it Totally get that, I understand that But you're telling me in this situation The most important race We can't get Some sort of an expedited 
way to get that thing done I, And I don't know Maybe maybe it can't be But you're telling me that within the next few days That can't have been done Or it, it couldn't have been done within hours A helicopter, fly it here, where, wherever you gotta go This is the biggest race we're talking about I... I and maybe I'm dumb in this, and 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 I've had a few people say that there's there's a little more of a process, right? Like I think the trainer gets to pick which place they want to send it to That's next, correct? Or, That's right, correct. something like that. So pick, tell them you have 24 hours. Pick, you're gonna send it. We're gonna go. I, I don't understand why this ha- ends up being a weekly, uh, this long of a process with this particular race. If there was one race where we should right now, I mean, again, I don't like comparing something like this, but doesn't this happen in court? When there are very important cases that need to be like moved up the ladder because they're going to be rushed to trial, something that's a really big deal. Like you figure you have to get the information before the blood work done, whatever it is. I don't understand how this is something that would still be on the back burner. Well, you're, you're right in that the person being accused does get to pick the lab. That takes a little bit of time and they have a little bit of time to research their options. Samples get moved, samples get tested. Now, the testing process does tend to take a little while. I mean, remember, it took a week after the Kentucky Derby for us to find out, okay, something's fishy here. So I can understand a reasonable delay. Now, if this winds up being a situation where Medina Spirit wins the Preakness and is headed to New York and by the time he lands in New York for the Belmont, we still don't know. That's a should not occur. And in that case, then I'd be with you. With everybody's eyes on it, I would imagine we hear something sooner rather than later. I get where you're coming from, but that's the reason why it's not necessarily available instantly. Trust me, life would be a heck of a lot easier if it was, and we'd be able to move on accordingly. But what you just said brings to mind my main objection, because we've mentioned what Bob Baffert said on Sunday. We've mentioned what Bob Baffert said on Monday. We've yet to really mention what he said on Tuesday. And what he said on Tuesday was that Medina Spirit was treated for dermatitis with a cream that contained the banned substance. Gino, to me, that's an admission of guilt. I don't care what the test says. He admitted to it. There, no, he did. Might he did. Not have been, there might not have been nefarious intent. And I am not saying that Bob Baffert loaded his horse up with steroids like Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. I'm not saying that. I am not making aspersions on Baffert or on any other trainer. But in 48 hours, he went from, I've never administered the drug. I've been wrong. This horse has never had happened. it. This horse has never had that drug. In fact... At the beginning, he was kind of saying, sort of acting like he didn't really know what the drug did all that much, which we know that he's actually said that he gave Gamin that drug before. Um, So, so, but he goes to that. He does that. Gino, have you seen this medication and the way that it's labeled? Yeah, it's like a dog medication, isn't it? It's not even so much the way that it's labeled as far as purpose. I'm just talking about what's on the bottle. The banned substance is right on the bottle. It's right there. Now, is this a case where Bob Baffert trusted his vet? I don't know, and I don't care. The point is, he got the drug. It's a pass-fail situation. He got the drug. Now, who knows? Maybe the story will wind up changing at some point. 
But if Baffert's admitting he got the drug, if the drug is not allowed in any amount, let alone the initial reports of 10, as it turns out, it's actually zero, depending on who you read. If that's the case, horses disqualified, Mandaloon is the official winner, we move on. Am I missing Dang. something here? No, there, there's like that's that's it. Like that, I think that's like if if you admit to the guilt, even if it was, it's not intent. It doesn't no. matter what what the intent and I'm not was. It's and and we can be, and and we can be like, and, and in that case, we can give him the absolute benefit of the doubt and say, let's say he absolutely was not trying to give this horse anything. You to not know that this horse was getting that is a problem. Right. In itself, in itself, yes. that's the problem. Yeah. You know, like, go, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, if you've got a horse that's in the most well-known race in American horse racing, and it's not particularly close, don't you have to know every single thing that horse is eating or drinking or dealing with? Rubbing on their skin, on their feet, on their anything at all, any salve, any... Um, and, 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 and this is, again, I think this is coming from someone who... He understands over the last couple of years the perception of how bad things were and and how bad things were for him too. Um, so much so that he actually said in I think in late 2020, like I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna make an example. There were a couple trainers that said we are gonna do better about this. And it, it is unfortunate because no matter what, like no matter where you stand on what you think. Was was done Do you, If you thought this was no doubt about it right? Everything was given Or even if you think it was a total accident um, it, is, it, it was not allowed for the horse that day I think it no. was I mean that, that's like it, that is In just the most basic sense and, um, and, and, and it's disappointing Because you do figure like Someone like, like, um, like Bob who's had a lot um, I know we saw people posting articles From like the early 2000s In the LA Times Where things like this were being talked about Way back then Like 20 years ago um, you you would think that um he's had um he's had many chances where he's been in situations similar to this, never this big with the horse in the Derby, right? But plenty of times with plenty of horses, um, and um he he's gotten the benefit of the doubt from everybody a lot of the time. I mean, a lot of the time there have been a, a lot of things that um he. Uh, he, 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 from public perception, he's given the benefit of the doubt um, by, and I think it's unfortunate because you just um, that that only goes on for so long. Um, we we can't look at every unique situation and say, oh, okay, yeah, like something weird happened to just this horse again. Um, and and so I know, and know, and know because we're we're in America, right? This is due process. Like every every individual like act or. Um, should be taken as its own, right? Like right to a, a, a fair trial. But it, when you come into a trial, the things that you have done before can be used against you, and they will be used against you. What kind of a person you are, what kind of history you have. So, you know, if this was a trainer that was. A really up and coming new trainer And I don't even want to say a name Andrew Because I don't want to put that on anyone right But let's just say new up and coming trainer Young person um, Nobody has really any Big positive or negative thoughts about them And they don't have a lot of positives But something like this happens I mean I don't I think it's a big deal 
but I don't know if it's as big of a deal because of 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 who this is, right? Like this this who this is means a lot with this situation. If this was a trainer that a lot of people didn't know at all, I don't think this is is that big of a deal. But I think it is because this is the guy that's sort of supposed to be the standard. Um, we we whether or not you know, like again we. You think that's silly to say That's what we, we've wanted um, And so like I'm A lot of emotions right now like I'm a little I'm a little sad I'm a little frustrated I'm a little confused um, I'm not even really surprised like I said Because this is not something that um, I, I don't think any of us are really naive It's we just We want we want horse So much more for uh, for horse racing We and we, we want like we always want To give the the people in charge the benefit of the doubt But it's so hard when things like this Continue to happen Andrew I'm going to be far more fair to Bob Baffert Than a lot of people A lot of people hear Bob Baffert And they hear a positive test And they start you know Wishing that he was you know At the gallows getting hung Okay, I'm not one of those people Bob Baffert was on record As coming out for stricter reforms In horse racing As far as drugs are concerned Baffert stood with a lot of backstretch workers as counter-protesters when PETA showed up at Santa Anita, okay? Something like this, where there may not have been any negative intent. I understand that. Facts are what they are. You ask anybody, anybody that considers themselves a sports fan, not even a racing fan, just a sports fan, you ask them to name a trainer, they're going to name Bob Baffert. Unless they're older, in which case maybe they named D. Wayne Lucas because of how big he was in the 80s. But chances are, you get somebody who's a sports fan now, Baffert's going to be the first name. And for good reason. This is a guy that has won everything prominent that there is to win in American horse racing. He's won the Triple Crown twice. He's now won the Kentucky Derby seven times. It's a guy who, when all is said and done, from an accomplishment standpoint, may go down as the most accomplished dirt trainer in the history of American horse racing. And that is not a small statement. But you look at this, you see, okay, he went from not, he went from saying the horse had never gotten a drug to blaming cancel culture on Fox News to saying, oh, wait, yes, he did get the drug. In 48 hours, whoever was leading Bob Baffert's media team needs to be fired. Because anybody that thinks anything that he has done is a winning strategy in any way, shape, or form. For him or for racing. For either. For him exactly. individually or for, for the whole. It's because not even that it works for him and doesn't work for racing, whatever. If it was a strategy where he said, yeah, the horse tested positive, but have you seen the thresholds and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, maybe that puts him in a favorable spot. Maybe. But he's dragging himself down along with dragging down the sport. It's a horrible look. And you look at some of the headlines from some of the outlets that only cover horse racing a couple of times a year. I'm going to read a tweet from Defector Media, which I believe is the offshoot of Deadspin that was created when Deadspin went belly up. So this is the tweet. And I'm not making this up. And I'm saying this with a straight face. Bob Baffert admits horses butt fungus treatment, not cancel culture, nor pee whoopsie caused positive test. Congratulations, horse racing. This is how the sport is seen by the general public. What are you going to do about it? Um, we 
will always try to be honest with you. That's one thing that I can promise you, and I can promise you, uh, my good friend Andrew will always do. And I think that'll be to our fault many times because I, again, I don't try to be like a holier than thou person. I am not perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and I will continue to make a lot of mistakes. But I, I will try every day to be good, to do what's right, to make the right decision. And to to be honest, I think that's the best thing we can do. And and as as someone who wants to be um, a a very successful person in media and who's had a long time in media, I think being honest is is what gives you credibility with what you do. And I'm you know I'm and I know I think you're similar. Um, I I'd love this show to have a million people listen, but I'm never going to be someone who compromises my beliefs or my integrity or will or won't choose to talk about things um, because I want to get a bunch of people to click. I I will gen genuinely, uh, genuinely and generally try to be as honest as possible. And it, it's unfortunate that I don't think that's a relationship that's been reciprocated with us uh, by horse racing, Andrew, for for a long time. Um, we are people I tweeted something similar to this too That young people who are Very excited, very energetic um, Very um, Like um, Interested in learning this game And, and growing this game and being Passionate big part- is the word you're looking Passionate. for Yeah exactly and, and, and you and I were guys who Like you know Were, were kind of got like, like Shafted and I don't even want to say shafted People have gotten things way worse than, than us But it's just no, we didn't really get a lot of uh, like thank you for the work. We appreciate that you care about this sport, and I, I just feel like that's that, that's so strange. Like I don't I don't think that you know from the top down the the place uh, the the people and the places a lot of them really respect their customers. And what's nice is that I think there are I don't like saying everyone because I think and you you I know you know we know some very very good people in this industry that really are trying hard and want to do things the right way. I continue to mention the work I did I've done with well, Jason is someone a lot of places with the people at Stable Duel. I think they're really good good people and they do a great they have a hard time coding. And I do that you are someone who is um you know we joke about gimmick Andrew and is respectful you're not going to be scared to, to say uh, to just I don't like have kind of like this outside. So just as a heads up, you cut in and out, but I got most of what you were saying, I think. And I sincerely hope that you can hear me. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, I got you. I got you. Okay. Well, it's weird and it's very strange and I'm not going to paint the picture of woe is me. I'm no. the scorned person from thoroughbred horse racing, whatever. Here are some things that I know. Horse racing in the past five years has dismissed a lot, and I mean a lot, of very passionate people that it sees as expendable. And that's a mistake, because if you want to market this sport to the way people claim they want to be, people claim that they want racing to be a major sport like it was 40 or 50 years ago, you need people that know how to relate to fans and gamblers and people at all forms of the fan life cycle whether they're going to the track for the first time, whether they've been to the track a few times and want to learn more, whether they're high rollers, anywhere in between. There's a place. There's a place for everyone. There's a role, whether it be in front of the camera and behind, marketing, advertising, helping people out, walking them around, in the paddock, whatever it's going to be. Like, there's a role for people, and it's it's unfortunate that I just, I I think a lot of people have been out of of, uh, their their best, you know, roles for success, out of place, um, and 
it's it, it all trickles down to the same thing, the top down, right? I think the leadership at a lot of places um, is not great, and the places that feel like they're either succeeding or that feel like they just have a good energy around them and a good buzz around them, or places that feel like the people in charge are are just like very honest and very transparent. So I should probably explain the concept of gimmick, Andrew, for those who don't know what it is. Several years ago, I had an experience in racing that significantly made me doubt who I was, sapped me of all of my confidence, what have you. If you ever want to ask me about it, my DMs are open on Twitter. I'm happy to converse with anybody. If anybody takes exception to anything that I've said and wants to chat intelligently about the subject, Tell me one negative thing or one thing I've said that isn't true, and we'll talk about it. Now, the reason Gimmick Andrew came about is because people thought I was pompous. People thought I had an ego. And the reason for that is I'm passionate. I'm knowledgeable about the game. And I'm not afraid to tell you what I think if you ask me my opinion on something. That got portrayed as over-the-top arrogance to where I said, okay, you know what? If you think I'm this character already, I'm going to take this character, turn the volume up to about 18 or 19, and become horse racing's version of Al Bundy bragging about scoring four touchdowns in a single game at Polk High. Well, a couple months later, I wind up beating everybody at Saratoga as the leading handicapper of all media, whether that's print, whether it's television, whether it's radio, everybody. And that was the worst thing that could have possibly happened for a lot of people because that gave me ammunition and justification that maybe, just maybe, I knew what I was doing. Now, I've dialed that back a fair bit because I've realized that a lot of people who aren't necessarily wrestling fans aren't quite in on the joke. But it doesn't change the fact that I know what I'm doing, that I'm confident in what I'm doing, that I can speak intelligently about the issues racing faces, and that I'm not going to pull any punches for the sake of kissing somebody's ass. See also a situation where a major track on the West Coast pretty much had a bounty on my head after something I wrote during the 2014 season when that track had a breakdown problem. And at that point, the problem wasn't them having the breakdown problem, it was me saying it was the people the who were, were, were bringing attention to it. And that's, that's been a, a thing in racing for a long time too, is that we want to be treated like a, a really mainstream sport. And then anytime there's some, something serious or big, a lot of people kind of put their tail between their legs and go running and they don't want to address the problems at all. And, and I get it. Look, look, I get it. I understand. Um, and, and does it come off sometimes when I say things that people are probably like, Oh man, he's an ass or he's hip. He's being a hypocrite. I can tell you right now, the reason I'm not being a hypocrite is because I've been in these places. I know exactly these conversations. Like we've we've had them. That that's why I'm telling you. I'm not someone who's like, I wonder what it's like when you're in a network and it's really hard because you don't want to go and blast the people that are like the people that are your bread and butter every day. And even if you want to, your bosses are telling you you can't. So what are you supposed to do? What do you what are you supposed to do, right? Do you you know, do you get to the point where you finally just say, okay, I'm over it, or do you just suck it up and say, okay, I'm not going to mention anything, I don't care, and, and, and that's fine. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, we, we told, I've told stories about people calling the, the TVG offices because they were mad that we critiqued the ride or some, said something about a horse. And, um, you know, this is a moment where a, a lot of people that aren't in racing 
are sort of laughing and it's not and the only reason why I don't think it's it's funny it, I, and why I don't laugh and haha right this is something to make fun of is because of the animals right like because of the horses we what, what's what's saddening is you just mentioned a breakdown issue that was five or six years ago um Bob Baffert had horses previously in his care a lot of them uh pass away never really figured out why um so this is not a just happened this is not a witch hunt this is not people having it out for Bob um this is not um, you know, I've read from a lot of other people who say if there's a s- contamination in a sample, it's generally going to come up in multiple samples. It's not going to come up in just one. Um, so, very, very unfortunate again, uh, Andrew. And you know, we've bounced all around. We're coming up on 45 minutes. There's probably things that we haven't hit, and maybe we we continue on. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to address that that we haven't um, in this conversation. And then Andrew and I and Darren are actually going to handicap the races. And to be honest, everyone, like. I said this at the very beginning of the show. I put it on on social media. I'm not going to play a whole lot this weekend. I am going to go through the Preakness. I'm going to go through some of the races on the undercard and give out a couple horses for some of you who do want to play. I completely respect it if you do. I'm not going to hold it against you. For those of you who don't want to play, I can understand that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the couple hundred dollars that I would have bet this weekend, what my bankroll would have been, and I'm going to put it into uh, some of the stable dual preakness contests that they have because there are people that I enjoy, that I've worked with, that I've had a good relationship with, and I don't want them to to suffer this weekend and not have a lot of people playing their contest. So I'm going to do my best to um, focus my bankroll there, and then maybe it's a week, maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's when we get a little bit more clarity about this whole situation. Maybe that's in two days. We get the split sample back. We find things out. Something happens where I I, I don't know. It's just... It's 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 kind of a feel, right? When I know how I'll, I'll feel a little bit better, um, this is you know I'll, I'll kind of go back to where I was. But I, I'm a person who, in the last five or six years, has probably taken my handle down like fifty percent. You know, Andrew, like I spend a lot of my hours at night um, prepping for this show, watching old wrestling, looking watching baseball games, basketball games, looking up those statistics and information and not just racing, which is what I would have been doing six or seven years ago. And that's unfortunate uh, because I, I truly think that that's probably where I have a good edge and where I, I, I probably would have been able to, uh, to maybe succeed the most if I felt like it would have been, been worth putting everything into. Um, it's, it's just sad. Well, first of all, the one thing I'll tell you is the same thing that I'll tell anybody else whose work situation has changed, whose hobbies have changed, whatever. It's your life and your happiness is the most important thing. If you're happy doing what you're doing, that's all that matters. And that relates to the way everybody's going to attack this weekend in different ways. Because everyone is digesting this and dealing with it in their own ways. I'm not going to judge anybody who doesn't want to play this weekend, who wants to sit things out and see where things are going. I will think nothing less of any handicapper who makes their living or has a very lucrative side hustle who says, you know what? My heart's not in it this weekend. I need to step away. No issue with that at all whatsoever. There's one that I very much respect who has already come out in record as saying that. And you know what? That's fine. I have no issue with that. Do what you got to do. And hopefully the drive and the passion for the sport comes back. Now, I am going to be playing. I am going to be doing Champagne and JD live very early on Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific time. Like I said, very early, get the coffee ready. Now, JD and I are going to try to focus on handicapping the Preakness card. 
I say try because we're recording this on Tuesday night, and we have absolutely no idea what's going to come out between now and Saturday morning. We just don't know. And if you do say you know, you're lying or you're full of crap. Now, it's a situation where the two of us are incredibly passionate about this game. We care a lot about the animals. We care a lot about the game's health moving forward. We have no problem talking about issues as they come up. We have no problem engaging in productive dialogue with people within the industry. This industry is not going to be in a healthy place if the default reaction is to curl up into a ball and wait for the public to look elsewhere before doing something. Public's not looking elsewhere right now. The eyes of the world are on horse racing. And the Preakness is going to do ridiculous television numbers because of that. And there are some in horse racing that are going to see that as a good thing. The controversy creates cash, right? We had to get at least one wrestling reference in on this segment. Bish. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a situation where racing is once again on the back foot, fighting from behind because they had a lot of chances to figure out solutions for things like this and kept kicking the can down the road. Racing needs to show an improved ability to police itself from within. And I mean what I said. If anybody has any exception to whatever I've just said, I think I've been incredibly fair. I think I've been incredibly honest. I've tried to come off as sort of an ombudsman type to where I can look at everything from a variety of different angles and say, okay, what happened here? That's not a stance that a lot of people on Twitter especially are taking. Gino, did you happen to notice that the Preakness draw was not streamed on Twitter today? It was a five-minute draw. It was a five-minute draw. It was posted on Facebook only. There's no way that was an accident. The draw, the Twitter has been in a frenzy for several days. Yeah. Everyone has had an opinion. Donald Trump and OJ Simpson have released statements. They've called the horse a junkie. He called the horse a junkie. And then OJ came to his defense. That says he knows Baffert. So I was... I think I think our buddy Barry Spears, um, uh, who is is like one of the masters of oh, the meme. Oh, I love the, Barry. Me too. He's one of the masters of the the meme and gift game. He he posted. I think I saw the OJ thing because he he had a response to it, and it reminded me of a of a Dave Chappelle stand up uh, comedy the show. The exact same sketch. Where, yeah. Where it's like, um, okay, uh, we're gonna get Jaw Rule on the phone right now because we really want Jaw Rule to oh, weigh in on I what's had a happening for nine. Yeah, oh, I had the one where they're they're like, uh, it's nine eleven, and everyone's like ja not Rule, sure what's yeah. going on, and they get uh, who the hell is curious about what Jaw Rule thinks about that? It's like the juice is weighing in. You know, this has hit the fan. Okay, so my idea was there is a skit in Dave Chappelle's first Netflix special, which for my money is his best where he talks about the four times he's met O.J. Simpson. Well, the fourth time was at the Kentucky Derby after he had quit Chappelle's show, and he had said, this was when I was technically missing. So he runs into Chris Tucker at a bar. They start talking, and O.J. Simpson comes barging over and says, hey, guys, let me get a picture with you. Chappelle looks and goes, Juice, I don't think my career could survive that. If you're Bob Baffert, isn't the last person you want supporting you, O.J. Simpson? Yeah. Uh, now, again, I think we've been fair to Baffert in this, a heck of a lot more fair than most. Yes, I, I agree. Willing, And this is sort of a closing thought here. I'm willing to believe he didn't intentionally give the horse this particular drug, 
fact is, he did. He admitted he did. As far and, as I'm and, concerned, Mandaloon's the winner. Cross off Medina Spirit. Move on. And I really hope that's the direction this goes. Because what Baffert did was an admission of guilt. And if racing continues to wait as long as possible to make these decisions, the public's not going to care. Any chance we have to convince the general public that this is a fun way to spend an afternoon going to the racetrack is gone. People need to think and be proactive rather than reactive. And I think that's ultimately the big overarching lesson in all of this. Because if we had effectively policed ourselves over the last 20 to 30 years with the advent of Lasix and race day medications and different ways in which trainers tried to get a leg up, would we be in this situation right now? Nope. Nope. We would believe, we would just believe in the, the process more. Yeah. I we, mean, we, we would trust what, it. When USADA comes out and says there's a positive, does anyone question it? No. No. That's where it, racing needs to get to. And they're not going to get there just by sitting on their hands, telling people who are affiliated with tracks, you can't talk about this running five-minute draws for the Preakness will, with nobody acknowledging the elephant in the room and hoping people don't notice. That's not a winning strategy. And I'd be willing to tell that to certain people. It's a case where, again, anybody who's passionate about this game wants racing to thrive. Gino, this ain't it. I, I hope, and, and this stinks um, as we wrap it up uh, here, um, you know, moving forward... After a trainer wins a big race I I would love to be able to say Wow, congratulations, great job training Like, what a a masterful job But but in the last 10 years I've stopped doing that, Andrew Because I've seen There's been too many times where I've seen it And I felt like, well You know, you kind of thought something Or there was something up And now it's it's a bummer because Like, anytime somebody wins a big race you're going to go out there and shower them with praise And then two weeks later find out that something gets positive Like there's a test and then you, you're eating your words And then you get a, like bitter and dejected And it's just um, I think that there's been a, you know, a problem with like Pumping some of these people up Even though uh, some of the people know that you know, they, They've had They're not perfect They've had some of their issues And maybe it's shining a light on, on some of the people in racing That we really do The Grand Motions and the Mots and, and some of those people that like I think 100% of folks who follow racing can say Yeah, that person doesn't do anything wrong Or doesn't do a whole lot wrong And if, like, I mean if Again, I don't like to put this in some But if this was one of the trainers that really Hadn't had any mess ups And they had had a very long history This This situation is probably very different How it's perceived And maybe Somebody does get more of the benefit of the doubt As okay what was the real intent All that being said You've hit it a few times It doesn't matter what the intent was here It doesn't matter if you personally like Bob or not If you think that he's a great guy The greatest trainer of all Or if you think that he's been a cheater It it really doesn't matter What matters is that as of Tuesday morning He said this horse did get a substance That they were not supposed to be getting To run in the Kentucky Derby Yeah Um and all he had to do was say that on Sunday. Yep. If he says that on Sunday, it's bad. But it's different. Way it's different. It's gotten a thousand times worse since then, especially with the calamitous performance that he had on Fox News, talking about cancel culture, talking about grooms urinating and feed. Just whoever decided that that was a good idea, what are you doing? 
If you're in media strategy, find a different line of work. Andrew Champagne, uh, one of our good friends. You hear him all the time here on That's What G Said. I really appreciate you for coming on and uh, and being honest. And hell, I mean, even in this, like, there are probably small little things here that you and I disagree with, per, per, like maybe some few particulars. But I think I think most people come come at this in in a in a pretty similar stance in that. We we're very sad. We're really bummed out. Maybe you're mad, but you're you're definitely feeling like a little emotional about this this weekend because, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's not great for the sport. And uh, I really appreciate you you coming and hanging out with me for uh for about an hour and talking about this. And I'm sure, like you said, we're recording this Tuesday night. Who the hell knows what is going to be happening as of Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, and by the time this race runs on Saturday evening. Does anyone else need a beer? <laughs> I do. I absolutely do. Andrew Champagne, make sure to check him out this week on Champagne and JD. And uh, you're going to hear him uh, again this week on That's What G Said with uh, the, the preview of the Preakness race. We actually do go through um, horse by horse of the field and, uh, you know, give a, give a positives and negatives along with Darren Zocali. So big thanks to Andrew for tuning in. Don't go anywhere, folks, as we have plenty more here on That's What G Said. Horse racing fans, you need to hear about OldSmokeClothing.com. I'm talking about quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will be able to enjoy. Stop. Go type in the website, OldSmokeClothing.com. Give it a look. I mean, we're talking high-quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience. When you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it will get you free shipping on your order. Old Smoke, where'd they get that name? It comes from John Morrissey, the founding father of Saratoga. So they are literally the craziest horse racing fans naming their company after Old Smoke, the founding father. John Morrissey was a uh, cargo thief, a gang member, an illiterate street bra- uh, brawler, a brothel bouncer, political enforcer. Heck, he was in uh, the Congress and the New York State Senate, and he created Saratoga Racecourse, one of the all-time great racetracks and thoroughbred meets that we have each and every year. And at OldSmokeClothing.com, you can find basically anything that you can't find at a local store when you go. There's not just good horse racing memorabilia and swag out there. T-shirts, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats, outerwear with horse names, the names of big races, with slogans, with funny catchphrases. They have custom designs, which means... Maybe you and some of your friends have a horse that you love, a horse who's made you money, a horse that uh, you just want to uh, have some fun with and and have a shirt that uh, you can root this horse home. Or any slogan at all, any catchphrase, anything you say when you're uh, at the track, when you're having fun, you got a party coming up, check out OldSmokeClothing.com. And remember, that promo code G-I-N-O, it will get you free shipping on your order. So now we are going to head into the Preakness conversation where we go horse by horse with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. Uh, enjoy our conversation from a handicapping standpoint of this year's Preakness. So it is Preakness week and uh, I'm sure everybody out there uh, has heard of uh, all the news over the last few days. Everything going on in the world of racing with Medina Spirit, Bob Baffert, uh, the positive test uh, after the Kentucky Derby. If you want to hear more about that particular subject, 
Um, we actually talk about it a little earlier in the episode, and uh, we talk about it with Andrew Champagne, where we go over you know all of our thoughts on everything um, that that happens there because it's sort of. I mean, it's it's sort of separate than looking at this race from a horse by horse handicapping perspective, right? So we'll share some of our uh, we shared some of our uh, opinions earlier. If you just kind of skipped to some of the handicapping and you want to hear what we thought, um, you can you can tune back to a little earlier in the episode. Uh, Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne are going to join me to go through this field uh, rate uh, horse by horse. And unfortunately, um, DZ, um, yeah, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of bad news uh, with with everything going on the last few days. You and I and Andrew are. Um, are people who I think are, are pretty like-minded in a lot of ways And you know those who listen to us uh, know that we all have our differences too But one thing we're all pretty passionate about um, horse racing That's where we kind of all met each other And, and we all love wrestling We have a, a fun time talking about it Big sports fans and stuff It's just a, it's just a bummer um, on a weekend like this When it's a, a good a good big weekend for, for racing One of the few times of the year Where racing really feels like they're in the spotlight Um that that's sort of a bummer, and then just from like an individual standpoint, like the race is not very strong. Yeah, I mean the events of the last seventy-two hours or so have really taken some of the taken some of the starch out of everything for me, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate. You know, yeah. it's um, th- you know this time of year when we get to this point of the week before these triple crown races, you know, you really look forward to the field being drawn and getting that first glance over the just over the past. Think about two weeks ago. You, yeah. you two and I, we spent an hour on the eight bells. Yeah. The one yeah. prep race. We yeah. were so pumped. We each spent about five minutes on like every horse in that field. You yeah, know, and the then slumber party still running, by the way. I know, I know. And then we, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about the Oaks for 15 or 20. We talked about the Derby for 15 or 20. All yep. three of us were like, it's it's one of the couple times of the year where we, even as we get a little older and more cynical and more, we were excited. We, I'm sure everybody could hear it in our voices. We were pumped. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, you know, listen, uh, when it comes to the Triple Crown and it comes to the Breeders' Cup, you know, the, that's, uh, that's Christmas morning for guys like us. And, uh, you know, the events that that have taken place, um, it's just kind of just made things kind of uh, exhausting. I mean, it's you know you want to sit down and handicap races, but there's there's all these distractions out there now, and and it's and it's a part of the story, and we know going into it that it's all we're going to hear about over and over and over again. And and I really feel bad for you know a lot of the a lot of the TV talent and the fact that this is what they're going to have to talk about. And I really feel bad. You know, maybe not so much for the NBC guys, but the TV talent, you know, for the racetracks, the people that are going to be down at Pimlico working for, you know, TV there and the people on on channels like TVG that that Gino and Andrew, I mean, you guys know just as well as I do that they're being told in production meetings, essentially what they can and can't say yeah. uh, for a variety of political reasons. And that puts a lot of pressure on these people that go in front of cameras and it makes things really awkward and it makes things really uncomfortable. And that's all a part of taking what should be a fun time and a fun week leading up to what should be a great race. Uh, and as you said, you know, it's really not a great race on paper. And we'll talk about that. But it takes all of that excitement. And it really just brings it down to a whole nother level that, quite frankly, you know, I haven't seen in a very, very long time. Darren, I'm happy you mentioned that point about the TV talent and having sympathy for what they're going through, what their producers are going through, et cetera, et cetera. Guys, the Preakness draw today took five minutes. Yep. Five minutes. No one wanted to be there. You could tell. It was, it was dreary. It was the total 
epitomization of just sleepwalking through something that should be exciting. It should be the start of a week-long celebration of racing. And no one wanted to be there. What's more, don't think it went unnoticed that the folks running the Preakness only streamed that on Facebook and didn't stream it on Twitter. Mm. Yeah, it was just, it was literally like hard to find. Um, They, the race date, uh, the, the, the the draws of the dates got pushed back uh, throughout the week. Normally one of the cooler things about uh, these big weeks too, is that the races come out uh, way in advance. So everybody can kind of talk about them all week long. You know, everyone's talking about the undercard races and oh look at that field and this and that. And um, even that sort of got pushed back because the, the Friday and Saturday are two really big days for Pimlico. If I so, may jump in here really yeah. quickly, the Pimlico special is a hell of a race this year. <laughs> I'm is. just throwing that out there. And there and are, I yeah. Yeah. And I understand we're talking preakness right now. If you're a horse player, you're always going to be a horse player. You're always going to look for these little edges and angles. There are opportunities to do that over the next couple of days. Do not let anybody tell you otherwise. The question is, are you passionate enough to be able to dive in, bring your A-plus game, and place bets with confidence? That's a question only you can answer if you're listening out there, and it's one that I think everybody is going to be grappling with later on in the week. By, yeah. by the way, before before we get into it, the Friday card is really good. It is. Yeah, I the Friday card is better. It's better than Friday Saturday. Better. I thought it so is, too. and th- and this is either the second or the third year in a row that I've said that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of overall for the card, but you know, talking about the Preakness, I, I I mentioned this with somebody in racing earlier today. You know, it, last year was a strange year. The Preakness was run in October, and and it was very weird. But think about where we were from a Preakness standpoint last year with the thrilling stretch battle with a Philly winning the race over the Derby winner in what was in, for my money, the race of the year. Oh yeah. To where we are today leading into this Preakness. It's like night and day. And it's, it's sad. I, I, I really can't come up with a better word to describe it. Yeah. I, um, it's, it's, it's baffling. It really truly is. And just to think about, where things were seven months ago, where they are now, it's uh, we, we live in, and I hate using this, and someone is going to crucify me for this. I know it. Unprecedented times. Everybody no, it, drinks. It is. It's the COVID it, drinking it game, right? It is. Shot, shot, shot. As uh, we take a look at this field, and yeah, you know, like the one thing that I I've always uh, really liked about having the opportunity to do this show here on that's what G said I, I've been I've been lucky because of working at places like TVG and and being able to get sort of a, a platform and get a little bit of a following that I was able to go out and do a show like this where I can actually um, not have to worry about um, hey you handicap those specific races this is what I need from you I can just be really honest with like how I am um, how I'm approaching this week how I'm looking at the weekend and um, yeah I think for me in particular um, this this week is is sort of going to be like what what the two of you guys said and and this would be something that I probably wouldn't be able to say uh, on TV they'd get mad at me if I said it this is not a good betting race like this is not a strong field for the preakness and 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 those are two separate things right if if you don't have a great betting race but you have a strong field with a couple of like really cool good like contending horses um it's it's fun sometimes not everything has to be the greatest betting race in the world but I don't think you really get either of the that with the with this. Um, a lot of people uh, are going to be tuning in and they want to hear. They're going to be playing the races, so we're going to give you our opinions here because I completely understand if you want to. 
like I said uh, on social media, I'm not going to be one that says I'm never playing the races again and stuff, but I'm See definitely you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm definitely going to this weekend. I have to. I, yeah, you have to. Anybody says that, that's the go-to response because it's really becoming nothing more than somebody seeking attention. Yeah, and and um, the reason why I, I don't even say it is because I know, and um, and actually, I've been probably one of the few people in racing that's kind of put their money where their mouth is, and like I left a, a pretty good job that I could have just chilled out forever and and had a pretty nice cushy uh, paycheck every year because I just I wanted to do things a little differently. So. Um, I'm I'm glad I have uh, a couple buddies here to help me out. We're gonna see if we can get yeah, any value out of this race whatsoever. But of course, you know, uh, the major talking point is Baffert has the two really, really top contenders, the no doubt horses to beat in here, and the horses that are probably the quickest, and they should be one two. And concert tour, I think, with the outside draw is a really good draw for a horse who actually has been very quick out of the gate. It'll maybe give him the opportunity to clear over Which he couldn't do last time And I guess that's going to be a big conversation right? With Medina Spirit He was able to win going uh, to the lead last time out DZ And he was able to take advantage of um, Rock Your World And maybe even Midnight Bourbon Not getting aggressive uh, We get a little uh, sort of like some musical jockeys here too Mike Smith Who you know he he hasn't been as aggressive As a rider uh, in the last couple years He's going to be on concert tour and you get Irad Ortiz Jr. who jumps on Midnight Bourbon. So you wonder if just in general, the plan with that horse has to be to get a little more aggressive. So now, DZ, before we start going into Ram and horse by horse, just an overall look at this race from the way the pace looks on paper. I mean, are like the three most logical winners all going to be like right with each other early on? Yes, in a, in a short answer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the three the three most logical winners of the race, and I really don't think there's any way to get by this, are Medina Spirit, Concert Tour, and, and Midnight Bourbon. Um, and, I, and I really don't think you can even make an argument that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, now, you know, from the pace standpoint, the other problem you have here for me is that you got those three, and then you got a lot of horses that are not that quick at all. Um, you like know, stone end- cold closers, not like yeah. the middle type pressers. So it's like, exactly. is there going to be like getting outrun and yeah, just a exactly. gap? And, and and for the like, look for the record, I have no idea what 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 France Godina is going to do. I mean, you know, you can go back and watch the replays. You don't know what you know the speed in in a Japanese mile and an eighth race is compared to this. All I know is that in the UAE Derby, he was he was slow out of the gate and was and was well back. So I, I don't know if that horse can possibly show any speed. Rosario gets on board. The choice of Mike Smith on concert tour for me, look, I know that Mike has won a million huge races for Baffert. Um, and, and it's tough for me to say this because I'm a huge Mike Smith fan. But I think if we're being fair, Mike is is now on the noticeable decline of his career. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, he's riding less and less, which has been a trend for a while. But he, if you go and you watch Mike Smith in 2021, there are some really, really poor decisions in races. Mm-hmm. Lots uh, of wide, lots of back, lots like way yeah. to the back, uh, and a wide, lot of and a lot of speed out of horses, and a lot of indecisiveness, which mm-hmm. is not something that Mike Smith has ever really been known for. 
Uh, I just don't think he's a good choice to ride this horse right, right now, now, especially. And it's like anything, right? We see it in every sport. You get hot, you get cold. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a Dodger fan. They have Mookie Betts right now, who's been hitting 240 a week ago. You know, like like you, you, yeah. Seager's been struggling. Was the MVP last year? Guys go and gals go in streaks up and down. You start not riding well. It gets in your head. Then a horse breaks and, poorly. You're a little behind. You know. And the other problem with this race is that you know Midnight Bourbon is quick. I don't think he's as quick as the two Bafferts, though. I agree. Uh, and the problem now becomes, you know, if Medina Spirit and Concert Tour were trained by two different two different trainers, I could look at this race and say, okay, Medina Spirit and Concert Tour could be, you know, heads apart or, you know, a neck apart on the lead. And, wow, Midnight Bourbon might just sit the Catbird seat mm-hmm. in the three spot right behind the two of them and pounce and, and really work out a dream trip. But when those two horses are trained by Bob Baffert, you really think Medina spirit is going to have concert tour breathing down his neck or is concert tour really going to have Medina spirit breathing, breathing down his neck. I mean, we can, can we predict sort of like the, the trip right now, Medina spirit breaks well, concert tour kind of floating anybody else yeah. that wants to come get him wide into the turn. Like we've seen for, for a couple years with different horses. And then, I mean, I think more, I think more likely concert tour guns, Medina, Medina spirit moves out. The float. Concert, concert yeah. tour comes out and then Medina spirit, just floats out underneath them and puts and puts midnight bourbon into the parking lot and then you have concert tour out by a length and a half medina spirit sits off them you know by that much and let's just see who the better horse is i mean i think i think that's more the most likely scenario but it's that is a huge factor in handicapping this race is your two big speeds are both trained by bob baffert and what does that mean for how this race is going to be run so there are two things that i have to add to this the first is there is a chance we see some hopeless long shot go on a suicide mission. We've talked about France go to Ina, who has shown a little bit of speed, albeit in Japan, over some slower horses. Maybe there's a chance Joel Rosario boots that horse to the front. Also, don't sleep on Ram coming out of the inside. It may very well be a case where D. Wayne Lucas does what D. Wayne Lucas does, which is just try to put horses on the lead and hope maybe nobody comes and gets them. Ram did show at least a little bit of early interest last time out on Derby Day. That was a pretty fast pace, and I wouldn't be surprised if the instructions to Ricardo Santana are just go out to the lead and see where the horse takes you and go from there. Now, is it entirely possible Medina Spirit and Concert Tour are quicker? Absolutely. Is it possible Midnight Bourbon is quicker? Absolutely. And that brings me to the jockey musical chairs. Guys, if you had to name two riders who who were involved in, how do I put this delicately, overly aggressive tactics in races, there's two guys. Paco Lopez is one. Arad Ortiz Jr. is the other. And I would not be at all surprised if the reason they put Arad Ortiz Jr. in the saddle here was to be more aggressive and to sort of push back on some of the Baffert strategy. Now, Mm -hmm. what I personally think is going to happen is Midnight Bourbon does have some speed. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think he needs the lead. I think Midnight Bourbon may sit a really cushy trip a length or two off the pace while the two Bafferts go up front. Because look, Medina Spirit's not rating. I don't think Concert Tour's rating. I think they're going to go. Do I think the pace is going to be all that fast? Maybe not. But I also don't think it's going to be a case where they're going 49 to the half mile. It's just that's not what's what's going to happen. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Of course, you have the two Bafferts, and we'll get into that. 
because one of the handicapping axioms that's been taught to me for many years by many people, it's very simple, bet the higher priced Baffert. And it makes sense, right? Because if Baffert knew Medina Spirit was sitting on a gigantic race, why is Concert Tour even here? And vice versa. So you try to figure out and you try to extract some value. And I do think there is a way in which you can extract some of that value. And we'll get to that when we get to it. But there's going to be some chess being played in the first quarter mile, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, Gino, there's one other thing we should mention. So I, the press conference. Uh, oh, yes. I'm glad you mentioned this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So thank you. Right, and right now, Medina Spirit is in the race. But what came out in the press conference today from the, the vet for the Maryland Jockey Club is that Medina Spirit is going to have is, – is currently in the process of undergoing three different pre-race tests that I believe the results are coming back on Friday. Now, they pretty made it pretty well clear that there is no allowable threshold for the substance that was in his system for the Kentucky Derby according to that first post-race test. And if Medina Spirit has any amount of that substance in his blood work that comes back on Friday, he will be scratched from this race. That was made pretty clear at the press conference and at the post-draw, which would obviously dramatically alter the pace, the, the pace scenario of the race. And by mm-hmm. the way, I believe Concertor is also being tested. Now, obviously, there's no reason to believe that he would come up with a with a test as well. But it, but from what I my understanding is that because Concertor is trained by Bob Baffert, that he is under the same strict supervision and the same strict uh, requirements as Medina Spirit. So these two horses are presently in the field as we are recording this. That could change on Friday, depending on what that test looks like. Good, great information there, DZ. Glad we uh, we got that out before uh, we started uh, with the field. The Preakness, mile and three sixteenth at Pimlico. So we're looking at Saturday, Pimlico's 13th race. And we're going to begin from the inside with the coach. You didn't think D. Wayne was going to sit this triple crown out, did you? Ram uh, here. Uh, D. Wayne has Ram looking for his third win in a row. This is a horse who broke his maiden over a wet track going uh, against maiden 50s. And then he did beat a first level allowance group Showed a little bit of improvement But I mean if you're just looking at at Numbers and speed figures in the most Basic sense this horse Does have to improve a ton to win The race now now all that being Said you know you take a couple of those Horses that we discussed like the the, the Major major contenders midnight Bourbon and then the two Bafferts I mean the rest of the Field isn't monsters um, I, I'm not in love with this horse or anything, but it just goes to show you what kind of a preakness this is when I wouldn't be absurdly shocked if this horse did hit the bottom of your exotics. Forty percent of this preakness field, which is a field of ten, have not cracked ninety on the buyer scale. Um, which is which is remarkable to me. In fact, I, I said to one of my partners that I own racehorses with, just find the two-year-old that you can get to like a, a low eighties in the buyer and shoot. <laughs> we can run the thing in the preakness and say, Hey, we've been Mid-Atlantic. operating for yeah, we've been operating for two years and Thoroughcrowd's got a preakness runner and you get your free advertising there and we're off to the races. Um no, but in, in a serious note, you know, this is a, a three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar yearling. It's originally son of American Pharaoh. Uh, he is a brother to two stakes winners, uh, one of which was Conquest Titan, who was a minor stakes winner who ran well early on in his three-year-old season, was second in the Holy Bowl to Cairo Prince, and then kind of uh, was the beaten favorite in the Tampa Bay Derby, and then the rest of his career really tailed off. 
The other is a horse by the name of Colfront, who was a damn nice racehorse, uh, a multiple grade two winner of the Amsterdam of the Godolphin Mile, um, very fast horse in his own right. So this horse is bred to be okay. And it's possible that maybe he's just maturing and things are heading in the right direction and he's finally, you know, clicking on all cylinders. Well, sometimes when these horses win a race, the light bulb goes on and they continue to move forward. Now, that being said, obviously he needs to take a monumental step forward here to contend with the best of this. But, you know, it is D. Wayne Lucas. And would it shock me if this horse found a way to hit the bottom of the exotics? Wouldn't shock me. A win would would, would shock me. Uh, if Ram is getting his picture taken, it would shock me. But could he run third at 30 to 1 if things go a certain way? It's possible. So D. Wayne Lucas at Pimlico will always have a special meaning for me because that's how I came on the map as someone that people understood, hey, maybe this guy knows something. I had Oxbow many years ago in the Preakness. And when Oxbow hit the front beneath Gary Stevens and they put that half mile time up, I dropped my jaw because I went, wait a minute, this horse actually has a really big shot. Then they turn for home, orbs not firing, nobody's coming to get him. And all of a sudden, Dwayne Lucas and Gary Stevens are celebrating at a press conference. I don't think reporters were short on quotes that night, but uh, it, it's a great story. It was a lot of fun. Brought my dad down for the Preakness that year back in 2013. Having said that, Ram ain't no oxbow. Ram is a horse that may be starting to figure things out midway through his three-year-old campaign. Yes, he did beat older horses last time out. The second-place finisher in that race, Cool Bobby, is not a bad racehorse. You'll see him down the line, potentially for some fairly big spots. But my goodness, this is a huge leap forward by a trainer that is not afraid to take shots. I do think you might see him early, but just on class, on speed figures, on everything, I just can't endorse him. Keep me in mind. So I think he ran... Pretty deceivingly well last time out Actually, uh, to be honest He was 7th in the Derby One of only, god how crazy is this What, 3 horses coming out of the Derby Right? Mm-hmm. In the Breakness Yep Wow, just crazy to, to think about it like that um, And he was good at 2 And then he's come back in his first couple starts at 3 And he really did not show much at all Then in the in the Derby He did jump back up to some of the level of those races he was running at two and actually ran one of his better races there. So um, maybe we can say he's heading in the right, in the right direction. Um, all that being said, he still was seventh in that race. Uh, he still was beaten eight plus lengths in that race. Um, I, again, you know, you take out the top contenders. He's, he's right there in the mix. I just, um, I, I haven't been that much of a fan of this horse. Who's kind of a stone cold closer as Darren was mentioning. I don't know if this is a horse who gets a little bit outrun. So this derby was, was kind of strange for me because like I, I backed into a winning trifecta ticket just by sheer dumb luck and how I happened to put some tickets together, even though my top horse ran like eighth or ninth um, and highly motivated. But so there were there were certain things that I was kind of like right about. Like I thought Medina Spirit was going to run well. I thought Mandaloon was was a use at the ridiculous price that he was going to be. I thought Hot Rod Charlie made plenty of sense. You know, I thought essential quality was more likely to hit the board than win. So there were things that I was kind of right about. Now, one of the things that I was almost dead on right about was keep me in mind. Um, keep me in mind was a precocious two-year-old because 
he was a very large two-year-old. And if you go back and you watch his races last year as a two-year-old, he's he's so physically imposing compared to some of the other horses that he's able to kind of bully his way into spots. If you go back and you watch the Breeders' Futurity, he's kind of in a physical battle with Superstock, who was at the time a much more lightly framed horse than keep me in mind. And he almost knocks Superstock sideways to take his spot away from him on the racetrack. Um, now, he hasn't really developed much more physically than he than what he looked like last year. And the other horses have kind of caught up to him. And I actually think that's kind of the problem and why we've seen his form deteriorate. When they took the blinkers off and I went back and I watched his bluegrass where he was more aggressive, he was up there early, and by the quarter pull he was all done. I pretty much thought he was going to run a race where they were going to take him straight to the back and make one big run and try to get a small part of it, which is really exactly what they did. Now, yeah, he, if you go and you watch the race, he's you know launching himself past horses off the far turn. He's definitely passing horses in the stretch willingly, and it looks like he's running on fairly well. But I just, I mean, I can never get overly excited about a horse that runs seventh, beaten by eight and a half lengths, going a mile and a quarter, when the majority of the horses that he's passing, the riders are not really asking the horse anymore. They know they're all done. They're taking care of the horse. And this horse is just running on better than those horses at that point. Despite the fact that he finished seventh and he passed, I don't know, 10, 11 horses, you know, from the midpoint of the far turn. He actually lost ground to the leaders still between the middle point of the far turn and the finish. So I don't think his his finish was was nearly as good as some people are making it out to be. He's probably going to try to do the same thing again in a field of 10 with some not so great horses in here. Can he run fourth? Sure. But I, I, I'm not falling in love with that, you know, quote unquote monster close that other people seem to, you know, think that they saw. Two things to add to that. One. I don't like horses that always seem to find trouble. And if you look at the running lines for this horse, it sure looks like he's just addicted to finding himself in the worst possible spots at really inopportune times. And, and by the way, Andrew, that, that was what I was talking about. He got away yeah. with it as a two-year-old because he was literally pushing and shoving horses out of his way. He's not getting away with that anymore. Darren, I was going to say that speaks to your point. Let yeah. me give you some <laughs> for once. I have something nice to say. <laughs> let me say it. Go ahead. Now, the second thing I'm going to say, and we can just let this lie there. Racing may well be begging for Baffert not to win the Preakness, oh, given know. everything that we have found. I know where this is going. Don't win the Preakness. Don't win. Okay, he won't win the Preakness. So you gave it to a clean trainer, right? Nope. <laughs> Just going to throw this out there. Look up <laughs> Robertino Diodoro's positive history. It's not pretty. And if we're looking at cleaning up the game, oh, man, it's just, it's ugly. It's undoubtedly ugly. There are a couple of trainers like that on a big day that show up and have that kind of history. Just thinking about the ways in which racing could find itself in a bad spot. If keep me in mind wins and people start asking questions, that's a rough spot. Yep. So we get to Medina Spirit, your Kentucky Must Derby we? winner. Must at the we? moment. At the moment, your Kentucky Derby winner. Now, um, everything we've said about the horse, everything with Baffert, positive and negative, just from a pure handicapping standpoint, this horse in this race, what we know. This is a nice horse, right? All everything being said, whether we 
play if you're someone who played him in the Derby or not. Andrew did. Andrew liked him. Andrew made some money in the Derby. Thank you. Um, he he was a horse that was not a hopeless long shot. He was a horse that if you didn't like you, I mean, he, he wasn't a horse. I don't think a lot of people were in love with. Oh my gosh, he's the greatest. But he, you could make plenty of cases for him. He fit. We talked about how he was a horse who was ridden in a couple races where it didn't seem like he was ridden to win. Darren, you know, where it looked like he was kind of riding blocker for uh for you know life is good. And I think Andrew made a very great point of like cross life is good out in this guy's past performances. You know, um, and how good does he look? You're talking about a horse who just chased Rock Your World um, He finally got a little aggressive Rock Your World didn't break in the derby He ends up on the lead He's a tough horse to pass He, I don't think he's ever been passed in a stretch But he doesn't necessarily do a whole lot of passing himself So I think he's one of those type of horses Where trip is very important I don't think they want him Far off of it at all And it's all going to come down to you know the two Bafferts I think Which one of them do they want to go Which one do they feel is a little bit better Sitting off of a horse I personally think they probably still feel that Medina Spirit's a little better sitting off. I think you were kind of heading in that direction when you were trying to handicap the pace, DZ. Yeah, by the way, that the other person I feel bad for is Johnny Velasquez, who's kind of stuck in the middle of all of what's going on here. And he put forth a great ride. I mean, a simple ride in terms of go to the lead and you're on a horse that doesn't like to get past. And But that being said... It was a fast. It was a fast run derby in two minutes and one second. That's one of the faster derbies, you know, that we'll see. There are not too many derbies between two minutes and two hundred one. Velasquez was able to keep the horse going. Um, yeah, going into the derby, the reason I had I had one trifecta ticket that I had him on top, and I only did it uh, because I said, okay, the horse was clearly the second best three year old to come out of California to life is good. If life is good, never makes it to the racetrack. This horse is, what, five to one in the Derby? Um, you know, coming off of the Santa Anita Derby. His Santa Anita Derby was a weird race for a couple of reasons. Number one, Rock Your World made the lead, and Medina Spirit was kind of floated out, I think, by Parnelli into the middle of the racetrack almost, going into the first turn as Rock Your World was kind of able to cut the corner. And I think Medina Spirit was farther back than he wanted to be, and I think that really adversely affected him. Now there's those strange whip rules in South Southern California as well, which in my opinion gives a distinct advantage to the horse turning for home on the lead every single time. Medina Spirit was that horse in the Derby. He was where he wanted to be. It was a flawless ride. Um, now that was his fifth start of the year already. And he's got six starts dating back to December 11th. So I think there's a legitimate question to be asked of, does he really have another big move in him? Uh, but if you, if you told me out of the two Medina spirit or concert tour, one of them going into the race, one of them is going to lay an egg. I would actually believe it'd be Medina spirit because I would, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he ran his best race and coming back off of two weeks after having all of these races run this year, if he regressed, it would not shock me in this particular spot. But of course you have the Baffert factor where his horses typically don't do that. Um, and we haven't seen it too often. I, I think he's more likely to be second early than, than on the lead. I don't think he's as fast as Concertor early. It'll be interesting to see what the riders do here. Um, I think he is a beatable favorite at 9-5. to five. Um, I don't think he's value at that price, and I wouldn't bet him at 9-5 to five because I think there are two other horses in the race that have as good a chance, if not better, to win. Medina Spirit owes me nothing. The Kentucky Derby... Yeah 
was a top five all-time day for me. Between Medina Spirit, that exacta, which I crushed several times, and Lexitonian running second at 46-1. to If Lexitonian wins the Churchill Downs, it's a number one all-time day for me, and nothing is close. Um, Having said that, I am once again in complete agreement with Darren, and I really wish I wasn't, because it's a lot more interesting when we disagree. But I'm looking at this. I see a horse that ran a career-best buyer speed figure, a 102, that had been leaping up from the mid-90s. I see a horse that had a perfect trip last time out. I don't like betting horses that had perfect trips last time out at next asking when they're at a much shorter price. I just think it's a losing value proposition. I see the fact that Baffert also entered concert tour. And in looking at that, I'm thinking, okay, if Medina spirit was a monster concert tour would be nowhere near this race concert tour would be back at San Anita waiting for the affirmed. That's my thinking. Now, and he told Bob us Baffert this, will... he did tip his hand leading into it. Like, I know people were saying, oh, Baffert's being coy. That's not how he is. No. He no. tells you when no. he loves the horse. He tells you how good they are. He Every time, American Pharaoh, Justify. Think about every horse he's had. He always tells you with the really good ones. He was saying the same thing about Life is Good. And he was almost going to start saying the same thing about Concert Tour. Had he won the Arkansas Derby, had he been standing with Concert Tour in the Derby instead of... Medina spirit, we'd have been hearing some different things come out of his voice, I think, leading up to the race. So I yep. agree with you on that, Andrew, completely. Yeah, the, the only other thing that I'll say, because Darren said a lot of it, watch the board. Medina spirit is nine to five on the morning line. Concert tour is five to two. If you're telling me Medina spirit is going to repeat the race he ran in Kentucky off of two weeks rest, no workouts in between. All of the scrutiny that the Bob Baffert barn is under, I need a bigger price. Now, mm-hmm. if you flip-flop the odds to where Medina Spirit is, say, 3-1, to 7-2, to it becomes a little bit easier to take. 9-5, to five, potentially coming down because Medina Spirit's the only horse in the race the casual fan has ever heard of. I can't back him at that price, at least not on top. Maybe I'll have a couple of tickets with him as a B just to save with a couple of long shots in the races before if I'm playing multi-race exotics. But as far as a win bet goes, nine to five is just way too short for me. Yeah, I, I can't play him. And and I think he's very honest. I think he's a really nice horse. I just, I could not play him at a short price. I think a lot of the times if you don't like a horse in the Derby and they come back in the Preakness and they're going to be a short price again, you got to sort of take the shot against them or sort of just don't play the race and you wait for the Belmont for it to be uh, just a, a better Opportunity and and you know we'll lead into that When we finish this race up but Like how many of the major contenders That you feel like wow if There were like five different horses that showed up in This race they'd they'd feel like they'd have A great chance right like An essential quality Amanda Loon Uh anyone I mean like any Of those horses that sort of had that tactical speed You know um I I think There would be a a few other horses that you'd feel Hot Rod Charlie would would be be in a great spot He'd be in a great spot here Um so I would I I I would say with with almost near certainty that he would have been my pick here. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I really I really, I mean, unless something else was in the race too. But I mean, looking how at how this shook out, I I I think he would have been in the perfect spot. Now I understand, you know, maybe maybe O'Neill 
you know, wants to, you know, regroup with him. I, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be a Belmont, but I mean, I saw, I saw that the owners were talking about pointing him to the Belmont. I didn't necessarily think he was a mile and a half horse, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know, he's another nice, honest horse, but yeah. Medina spirit for me is very, um, is very pioneer of the Nihilish. Yeah. You know, kind of like, you know, Baffert brought that horse over and, you know, he was on a nice win streak when he went into the Derby, but I don't think anybody really thought that he was like a superstar that Baffert was bringing over. And he ran a good race in the Derby to be second. Mm -hmm. And then I think things went wrong in the Preakness and he never ran again, if I remember correctly. Right. That's correct. Yeah. But I, but he was somewhere around like six to one or something like that in the Derby, even though he was on like a three or a four race win streak. But I, I think this horse, like in terms of the, the horses that Baffert has brought to the Derby, I think this horse is, is probably most similar to a horse like Pioneer of the Nile. So the we have two Chad Brown Clairvich stable horses that um you know I guess we can maybe talk about a, in in unison together. We'll first talk about Crowded Trade, uh, who I was calling Crowded Tail uh, months back when we were doing our uh, <laughs> our derby our derby previews and going through the points list. God, think about how much things have changed from then, right? Life is good, concert tour, greatest honor, all horses that we were talking about up towards the top, you know. Uh, none of them ended up here. Cotto River, who would have been a pace factor. We hadn't seen him show up. Um, he, so, if he was in this race, it would have made things really interesting. Right? Oh, yeah. man. Just would have made it really interesting. Really interesting, because now somebody's going to have to change their tactics if that were the case. Mm-hmm. You know, like somebody's going to have to decide, okay, I'm going to got I got to try to sit third or fourth here. Um so we got Crowded Trade, who was third in the wood. He was behind Bourbonic and Dynamic One. I guess we don't really know how good that race really was. Uh, it quite wasn't. Yet, quite oh. yet, yeah. Yeah, to be uh, to be fair. Um, I think, honestly, if I was looking at this race, and I'm not going to bet this race, and it's and again, it's somewhat of, I'm, I'm a little sour on the weekend, but it's just because to me, it's just not a very good betting race. I, I don't, I can't, I, I mean, I just don't, I'm, I'm looking at it like I don't know where I'm going to find the value really. Um if it were, I would probably look at risk taking. I think I could just give him an excuse for the the bad beginning and never really getting a chance to get into it last time out. And if I'm playing him off of his progression uh, before that race, I think he might be a horse who can at least step forward and improve. And maybe he would be the type of horse to get the trip. I think I would prefer him over crowded trade, who uh, was actually um, in front of him in the Wood Memorial when risk taking just broke poorly and then just never really got involved. Um, but I, I guess that really gives you like my overall opinion on this race from a handicapping standpoint. I just I don't really find that much I, I want to sink my teeth into. So DZ, let's talk about these two uh, Clairevich Chad Brown runners. I, you know, I just have the same point of view that I had going into the the Derby. I just think the New York three year olds, for lack of a better term, stink. Um, you know, and I, I don't mean that. I don't. No, I, don't I mean they're good horses. They're here, right? Yeah. They're just, I don't. I don't mean that to be. I'm just talking about compared to the rest of the three year olds that that we're going to see throughout the, you know, throughout the stake season. I just, um, I just don't think they're that they're that good. Um, the Wood Memorial was a terrible race. Um, you take a look. I mean, the horses that came out of the Wood Memorial to run in the Kentucky Derby ran 13th, 15th, and 18th. That's no accident. Uh, prevalence came out of that race to run in the Pat Day Mile and was awful. Uh, Candyman Rocket came out of that Wood Memorial to run in the Gold Fever Stakes at Belmont Park and lost. Um, yeah, he got beat a nose, but still he lost with an 83 buyer figure. It's just these are just not these are not top level Grade One horses. And even though Crowded Trade on paper, all right, well he's got a main win. He was second beating a nose in the Gotham. That was a good race. 
he was third in the void. Okay, you know, his form looks good. But I just don't – you take a look at these horses that have been running in these races with the exception of Highly Motivated, who I think is still going to be a very nice miler. I just don't think these horses are very good. So crowded trade for me, risk-taking for me. I respect Chad Brown. Um, you know, maybe one of these two horses, probably more like crowded trade, has a little bit of a of a cloud computing look to him maybe on paper. Um, I just don't think that these two horses are very good. I look at crowded train and there are two words that jump off the page at me. One turn. I'm looking at the pedigree. I see more than ready on the top. More than ready, his entire three-year-old season ran in the wrong races for the right reasons. This was a one-turn horse that was so good at one turn, so freaking good that they had to try him at two turns. And when he ran second in the bluegrass behind, I believe yep. it was high yield. High yield, yep. They sort of had to run him in the derby. He ran fourth, and Todd Pletcher was quoted as saying the mile and a quarter was too far for him by about this much, and he held his hands about three or four feet apart. Now, that illustrates how good he was going one turn because he came back, I believe it was in the King's Bishop that year, and just smashed a field. It was a really cool performance because that's what the horse wanted to do. You look at the bottom side pedigree, you see jump start. Not exactly a world-class stamina influence. And then you look at the races this horse has run. No pace in the debut win at Aqueduct. You see a half mile in 48 and one, and a horse that was almost eight lengths back at the first point of call that rallies to win in the final 70 yards. Not going to lie, that's pretty impressive. They stretch him to a mile. Wayburn had no business winning that race. You rewatch that race and you stop it at the eighth pole. You think crowded trades going by. You think highly motivated runs second. And you wouldn't be surprised if Wayburn doesn't hit the board. Crowded trade and highly motivated both hung for different reasons. Highly motivated had what one would call a very adventurous journey in that race that the Naira chart callers captured expertly in the recap. Really go to Equibase, look up the Gotham and just read. It's a thing of beauty. Crowded trade was one to nine in mid-stretch and didn't go by. That's a red flag. Yes, he was wide in the Wood Memorial. I understand that. Is there room for this horse to improve off of that? Maybe. I just think he wants one turn. I think he wants seven furlongs to a mile. I think that's what he's bred for. And I think a mile in his three-sixteenths is a bridge too far. Here, here's a wild thing from Crowded Trade's three races. Out of his three races that he that he exits, not a single horse coming out of any of those three races uh, finished. Has back to in, win has, well, one of them got put up via a disqualification. Crossed none, wire first. Yes, none of them have crossed the wire first in, in, in any of their subsequent starts. That's, I mean, you're talking about That's 20, hard to accidentally 25, not have 26. Down. Yeah, yeah. It's 25. somewhere and win, yeah. you know. Yeah, like 25, 26 horses, none of them came back to cross a wire first. I mean, it, it just goes to tell you, you know, what you're talking about and what you're, you know, what you're dealing with in terms of, you know, in terms of what these New York horses are. They're just, they're just not that good. So we talked about Midnight Bourbon a bit at the beginning when we were sort of doing the overall, like, pace projection of what this race looks like. Um, yeah, he, you know, I guess the, the key with him is can he sit? Because he... Is sort of a big horse I don't think he wants to be coming from way out of it I don't think he's the type of horse who can be Started and stopped and maneuvered around I don't think he's like a handy push button Kind of horse I think you want to You want to just let him get into a nice Kind of cruising stride Um, 
I think if he's within a couple lengths and he's cruising, either right on the lead or just off the lead, he could have an opportunity. Um, I just don't know if he's as good, honestly. Um, I thought he's been very honest. Um, and even in the Derby, I don't think he ran all that poorly uh, with, with a trip that he definitely didn't want. They wanted to be much more forwardly placed there. We, you bring Irad Ortiz Jr. aboard. That has to be the plan to at least be close here. Um, I don't know if he's going to be three-way battling with the the two Bafferts, but you can't you can't imagine they want to be too far back here, DZ. So, like, I mean, he's he's obviously like the very logical. Other horse if you're looking to play this race If you're looking to like maybe bet On a horse to win he he would Probably be that next horse I just like I'm trying to picture his Trip I don't know if Like we said if we if the Daffords are Trained by two different people and you and You can project more likely that they're Battling each other on the front end and he sits Third behind them then yeah sure but I mean maybe he's third and he's just kind of Chasing and struggling Yeah he the one thing about him, he has a, he has a real Louis Couture's look to him, in my opinion. Uh, and his derby was a lot better than Louis Couture's was. Now, granted, I don't think he's going wire to wire the same way Pat Day was able to navigate that Pimlico track that day back in 96. But um, look, on paper, you're right. Everything in my gut as a horse player for three decades and yet that means i was betting horses when i was seven years old that's entirely true Uh, (laughs) tells me that he is the logical alternative to the two bafferts and because of that and if you said to me darren okay if that's your take and i think he has almost as good a chance to win this race as the two bafferts i think i think it's pretty close i really think if you ask me to put a percentage on on what percent likely all of these horses have to win I would put Midnight Bourbon, Medina Spirit, and Concert Tour all somewhere around 25% to win the race. So Midnight Bourbon at, you know, four to one from that standpoint, it probably is not a, quote, bad bet if that's what you think. But I think a lot of people are going to look at the race that way. I really do. I I think Medina Spirit is going to drift. I think Midnight Bourbon is going to be like seven to two or something like that. And I'm not saying that that's a terrible price. I just think everything that I see on paper, the way he ran in the Derby, you know, the fact that people are going to watch the start of the race, he never got where he wanted to be. He was four wide while seven lanes back on the first turn. And you start and you, and you go back and you watch that race over and over again. And you realize Medina, uh, Medina Spirit got to the front. Midnight Bourbon never got close because of the start. Rock Your World was wiped out in the first three jumps, and it just looks more and more like Medina Spirit just benefited from the misfortune of everybody else, and that just points you at this horse, and I'm not sure there's going to be any value with him because of that. Darren, I hate when we agree. This show is better when we're at each other's throats. Like, can we watch a Hogan? match or something we need to get the angst going back here but i think midnight bourbon is going to be the wise guy horse i don't think that's be. a secret at the moment yeah. i think yeah. people are going to look for an alternative to try to bet against the bafferts i think they'll see the fact that midnight bourbon ran three decent races in louisiana came to churchill downs ran an okay sixth despite being way too far back and pretty wide around the turns now, would he have won with a cleaner trip? I don't think so. It certainly cost him fifth. I don't think it cost him any more than that. But if you think Medina Spirit is going to regress and you think Midnight Bourbon is going to progress, then there's your bet. Now, where mm-hmm. I think you might 
wind up with a little bit of value is if you play Midnight Bourbon in exactas, keying him with the two Bafferts. If one of them doesn't fire, Midnight Bourbon wins and the other runs second, that's an overlay. And that might be the way you attack this race from a value standpoint. Is it a sexy type score? No. But if you've turned Midnight Bourbon, who may well wind up being the co-second choice when all is said and done, who the hell knows, into something that resembles a palatable value, I mean, that's what you get out of bed in the morning to do as a horse player, right? So this is another instance where I will say, watch the board. So I have to start with Andrew for this one because this was uh, this was Andrew's guy. He proclaimed after the El Camino Real uh, Derby that this one Ron Bauer was going to be your Belmont winner. He was looking for Belmont futures. So uh, Andrew, he won the opportunity to get into the Preakness with that win uh, at Golden Gate back in February, and then yeah, he ran fine in the in the Bluegrass. I, I don't think the race shaped up for him at all. There was no pace on paper. The essential quality and highly motivated were one, two all the way around. Essential quality was able to get by highly motivated late. I think they're both two very nice three year olds that he was behind. Um, just from sort of a like a pace shape standpoint, does he, you know, he sat a little closer last time out and, and that's positive. Maybe he's improving in that he doesn't need to be quite as far back. You have a plenty capable pilot aboard in Pratt. Is this a horse you think has an opportunity in here to uh to hit hit the board or make some noise? No, I do not. I think what's going to happen <laughs> is that Ron Bauer is going to throw a fit in the paddock. I think Ron Bauer is going to go nuts. Oh, I think he's going to scratch. I think they're the going to run him back in three weeks. I think he's going to be twenty-five to one in the Belmont, and I think he's going to jog. Who's with me? <laughs> in all seriousness. Ron Bauer sat a trip in the bluegrass that was very similar in a lot of ways to the one Medina Spirit sat in the Santa Anita Derby behind a very good horse that was loose on the lead. The difference is essential quality was just miles the best horse that day and wound up overcoming a situation that wasn't necessarily ideal. But I like that Ron Bauer tried when he had every reason to give up the ghost. This was a horse that was up far closer to the pace than I think he wanted to be, had every reason to spit the bit and run fifth or sixth. Instead, he does everything he can to try to stick with the top two, and he beats the fourth-place finisher by more than four lengths. He showed me something that day. Now, did he show me enough to make me think he's going to win the Preakness at a mile and three-sixteenths? No. But did he reiterate what I was saying about the fact that this is a horse that just continues to churn out these 12 and change furlongs for as long as he will run. To me, he affirmed that point and checked that box. I don't think he's a horse you want this coming Saturday. I remain firm. He is a horse you want going a mile and a half in New York. Yeah. Um, you you laughed at me, Darren, when no. I said he was the Belmont winner. You laughed. And now no, it didn't. looks at least somewhat plausible. Oh no! It's listen. It's it's plausible. I I will absolutely give you credit. The horse mm-hmm. is the horse is definitely better than I thought. Uh, his his bluegrass really impressed me. I, yeah. I thought I thought he ran uh, a, a much better race than I expected. Especially when I saw where he was. I, I thought you know I didn't think he wanted to lay that close. And the, obviously the two horses in front of him were the better horses. And I thought the fact that he was able to stay third around the racetrack in that spot was was very good. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, if he could do that in the Belmont Stakes and, and continue to grind all day long, you you could entirely be correct, especially if this three-year-old you know season you know falls apart throughout the Triple Crown, which based on recent events is entirely possible at this point. We'll see. Um, the there's a problem with Ron Bauer that has nothing to do with my opinion of the horse. Um, Florent Giroux is riding at Pimlico on Friday. Why is he not there on Saturday? I, he doesn't have a single mount on the Saturday card at Pimlico. And you have to think that if this horse had any chance to win the Preakness, Giroux would be riding a Mac, wouldn't he? Um, so I don't, and I, I don't know if there is a grade one at Belmont or, you know, Churchill on, on Saturday that I'm just, I haven't looked up to see if that's what's going on, but I was, you know, I was surprised to see that that Giroux was not riding this horse back after what I thought was a, a darn good effort in the Bluegrass Stakes. Um, you know, again, anybody could run third or fourth. Ron Bauer's on that list. Uh, when it comes to winning this race, um, you know, I think that's probably out of reach. And I, you know, like like Andrew said, I mean, based on his analysis, and I think he's correct. You know, he's a he's a far more likely winner of the Belmont Stakes than he is. Uh, the Preakness on Saturday. Yep. Does, does anybody know where Drew is? Where, where he's going to be on Saturday? And then, well, because you don't know. know. I I mean, I'm looking at the stakes calendar for Churchill. There's a there's a Grade Three, I believe, unless I'm reading this wrong. On the 15th, that's the Louisville, which is either the 15th or the 22nd, depending. Yeah, on mile and a half. I'm looking race, at yeah. this. Yep. Yeah, but that that's nothing that would preclude him from running or riding rather on Preakness Day, unless he's riding a stone cold lead pipe cinch. Which, in which case, someone find out who that stone cold lead pipe cinch is and, and pass the word, please. Yeah, and keep in mind too, we're recording this on Tuesday night, right? So we're, you know, the entries for the other racetracks for the weekend haven't come out yet. Yeah. So right. they they won't even be out till Wednesday. So by is, the time wait, most of- is he is he the rider? Is he the rider of um, the horse that won the uh, the sprint stake at Keeneland? Is he the, the uh, what's her name? The one that the, the race that Campanelli was supposed to be in and she scratched the horse that had the couple of nice starts in New York as a two year old. She won. Yeah. Yeah. Is Jeru uh, the rider? Because she's running she's running Saturday at Belmont in the okay. Soaring Softly. I don't know okay. if he's the rider of her, but that that if for some reason that just hit me. So maybe so, that's what it is. Yeah. To- okay. Uh, Toby's uh Toby's, Toby's heart. heart. Toby's, Toby's heart. heart. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we, yeah, that is that is bizarre. We'll look into that right now, and we'll let you know in a second. We'll check that out. So the, the total wild card, France go to Ina, and I mean yeah, that's wild not, card. That's not Giroux. Giroux rode, Giroux rode the horse that was second in that race. So yeah. I'm out of options, guys. I don't know yeah. what it is. <laughs> this is what happens when we have to record early. But it, no, it's it's a talking point that's worth yeah. it because if you're going to have a live, if you're going to be down in Maryland on Friday, and you have a live mountain, the Preakness on Saturday. You know, where are you going on Saturday to pass that up? I mean, that's that's a perfectly legitimate question. And Absolutely. I I have no idea what the answer is at the, at the point of we're recording this. Of course, this is going to it's going to end up being a completely obvious answer that we're just not thinking of right now. But I have no idea what it is. So, France Godina, like you said, we don't know what to expect from a horse like this. You just really never know um, when a horse comes over here in a dirt race like this, where they're going to stack up, what kind of speed they have early on. This is a horse who has shown some speed in Japan, but then got trounced slow start in the UAE Derby and just crushed in that race. Like you get Joel, that's a positive, right? You have one of the best riders currently 
but I don't I don't really know how many other positives I can give. Well, I mean, the other positive that I can give you is that the horse does have a, a very nice American pedigree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by will take charge out of a curling mare. So, you know, certainly this is not, you know, it's not a, a Japanese crazy one-off pedigree. Um, you know, the UAE Derby was his first start since December. So technically second race back off the layup, I suppose he could improve. Um, I do think the winner of the UAE Derby Rebels Romance is a really nice horse. And um, come Belmont, depending on what that race looks like, if Rebels Romance comes over for that, which I believe I read was a possibility, um, that horse is very interesting. Um, but I look, you can go back, and, and I've watched this horse's replays from Japan. They look like nice races. Uh, he's drawing away from the field. I don't know what the hell he's beating. I have no idea how that's going to transfer over to this. The fact that he got beat 10 and a half in the UAE Derby and from my money was never really involved in the race and just kind of passed tired horses in the stretch. Any, any opinion on this horse is merely a roll of the dice. And I I just don't have any valuable information uh, to supply you with in terms of what I think this horse can or can't do. All I've got is that my podcast co-host JD Fox actually, likes this horse of course and he does. for the life of me i cannot see why <laughs> did he give you a, did he give you a reason did he this give is you such a, a jd horse yeah he did i just don't remember it at the moment and i okay. feel horrible for young well that's a good tease for uh for champagne and JD later yeah, in the week you go back go back to one of the last shows that we did he does bring it up we had our recent show with chelsea hackbarth from the Pollock report and he did manage to bring that up i believe it was in our final thought segment but you look at this horse not a lot to go off of. Maybe you think you lost all chance at the start in the UAE Derby. We have no idea what was running in that race, even though the purse is just astronomical. We don't know. We don't know how good those horses were. We don't know what those horses would do in the U.S. It's a really tricky situation. Maybe we'll get some semblance of an idea if they trot him out in the mornings before the Preakness and we get a chance to see what he looks like on the track. Maybe then we'll be able to discern some positives and positive intent, but I'm looking at this, and if this horse beats me in some way, shape, or form, I'll live with it. So we go to Unbridled Honor for Todd Pletcher, who was your runner-up in the the Lexington, was fourth in the Tampa Bay Derby prior to that. Um, Saez is aboard, so we get an aggressive jockey. Uh, Maybe this is a horse who's in a... A closer spot early than we think I don't think this is a necessarily a horse Who's going to be anywhere close to the lead But maybe he's just a little closer than we would expect With a, with a, a rider that's been riding really, really well This year um, I mean, I don't know I, I, I guess this horse is like heading in the right direction His race was good last time out But you take the sloppy race out of the equation, DZ And then we're looking at a horse Who on just speed figures alone Was even a cut below this field That we didn't think was very strong that it's hard not to look at that slop race and think that that was what maybe really upgraded him. Yeah, especially being, you know, you take a look at the family honor code AP in the unbridled song on the damn side. I mean, you know, this horse was certainly bred to, to relish and off going and, and he did. And it probably moved him up substantially to finish second to King Fury in the Lexington Stakes. He came fourth with a nice rail ride and then went four wide at the quarter and, and made a bold move and, you know, clearly liked the off going that day. Like you said, if you attribute that win to the slop, the rest of his figures are nowhere near good enough. Uh, the Tampa Bay Derby, Helium ran better in the Kentucky Derby than I thought he would. He ran eighth. You know, if you would have asked me to pick a horse to run last, he would have been on my short list. 
Um, Hidden Stash did not run well in the Derby, but you know, if you take a look at, at some of the horses that were coming out of that race, um, you know, even the the last place finisher uh, was uh, was Promise Keeper, who who came back to win a very nice non-win as one of them in Keeneland, and then won the uh, the Peter Pan Stakes just this past weekend at Belmont. So, you know, that Tampa Bay Derby maybe was not as bad as we thought, but again, on a fast dirt track, this horse is going to have to run. 20 points higher on a buyer scale in order to compete, you know, and I, yeah, again, anybody could be third or fourth, especially when it comes to these one run closers, who knows? Uh, but he, he's further down on my list of, you know, possible, you know, long shots to hit that, that spot than others. I'm looking at this horse. And first of all, I'm a little bit surprised Julian Leperu didn't retain the mount on this horse because I thought he rode a really good race to be second in the Lexington and really maximized this horse's chances at a good spot because, yes, that race fell apart and fell right into his hands as a late-running closer. Still, that was a significant improvement off of anything that horse had ever done before, and I would have thought, okay, maybe Leperu stays on the horse, but... Saez rides a lot for Pletcher. That probably plays a role. Saez, to me, just seems like a weird fit on this horse because Unbridled Honor has zero in the way of early speed. Absolutely none. This is a horse that desperately needs a pace meltdown and needs to fire a career-best shot. Yes, you get Todd Pletcher, who has won everything under the sun, will be a Hall of Fame inductee later this summer. Congratulations, Mr. Pletcher. Well-deserved. I just cannot see it here unless a couple of horses go on suicide missions early and we see a sub 46 opening half, which I just don't think is happening. So we talked about risk taking uh, before. I do think, um, I guess for me, I prefer him of the, of the, the Browns. And I think if I'm looking for a horse to get some of the value in here, it would, that would be it for me. Uh, again, I'm, I'm probably not going to be doing much from a, a playing this race from an individual standpoint either. Um, but we get to concert tour who I do think like, if you're asking me who's the best horse in this race, I think it's concert tour. I think he's the most talented. Um, does he want to go this far? I don't know. Um, I, I think he's probably a really good miler. I think he's really quick. I think he could probably sit off a little bit at a mile. Um, he, he looked like he was going to sit fine. In the Arkansas Derby And then he just loomed up and had absolutely nothing uh, At the top of the stretch And he has sat off A bit before The outside draw is perfect for him um, I We just said I, I don't You know Mike Smith the board Is it the best fit for him um, We have to ask the questions What is the pace going to be like with Concert Tour And with Medina Spirit The other Bob Baffert horse in here um, I, I think he's going to run really well though um, I, I imagine he's going to be right there in the mix late And if for some reason he was five to two, that would actually be pretty damn good value in a field like this, where I do think he's the best horse. So when they hit the quarter pole in the Arkansas Derby, we were a week after the bluegrass stakes where essential quality had just won a, a doozy of a bluegrass uh, by a, by a long, you know, maybe a head over, over highly motivated and the toughest race of his career. And when they hit the quarter pole at the Arkansas Derby and I saw what Concert Tour looked like, I said, wow, uh, this might be the Derby favorite. But life is good being out. And and I expected the horse to just explode in the stretch again and draw clear and win by five or six lengths. Um, and be an undefeated Bob Baffert horse who went through, you know, Arkansas with two monster efforts. And then in the last 
eighth of a mile, the horse just completely hung slash stopped almost. And it was bizarre. It was one of the more bizarre efforts that I can remember on the Triple Crown Trail in, in quite some time. Um, I think he's the most talented horse in the race. He's by street sense out of a tapid mare. You would think based on that, the longer you go, it should not be a problem. Um, but for some reason, you know, you watch that Ar that Arkansas Derby and, and it just kind of feels like, you know, maybe he's not a classic distance horse. Um, he, he reminds me in, in that exact sense. He really does remind me a lot of how authentic was after that San Anita Derby. Yeah, last I year, can see that. Yeah, Where it's like, oh, you know what? He was kind of what we thought. Like, he doesn't really want to go this far. If he has to sit off, he can't really do it. He probably ran okay in that race still. And then, like, I, I, I agree with you. Like, it was such a weird race, DZ. Like, because I'm, I'm, I was super high on this horse. I thought we, going into that race, this horse was very, very nice. The way he won the Rebel, just yeah. looking around afterwards, geared down. He got a, a 94 that day. They could have got a 102 if they wanted. You know, he just yeah. geared him down. He just didn't. Didn't need to. They're saving something for later. Maybe he comes back a little quick, right? Maybe he needed a little bit more time between that Rebel and that uh, and that Arkansas Derby, and that's what he's been given here. But um, it, it'll just come down to, uh, I guess, what happens early. Um, where where do you see him sitting, uh, Andrew? Uh, wherever he wants. I yeah, think right? Mike Smith got the mount in large part because. This is going to be a real easy horse to ride. Go to the front, see if he takes you there or if he sits, and just work out your trip from there. It's really a rider-proof kind of race that doesn't involve much in the way of decision-making because going down the backstretch, you'll know exactly how much horse you have, especially if you've been around horses long enough like Mike Smith has. I think Concert Tour is the most likely winner of this race for a variety of different reasons. You'll look at his career, I didn't like him much in that first time out at Santa Anita in January going six furlongs. My inclination was, okay, by street sense, out of a tap at Mare, and they're running him six furlongs? That's not what he wants to do. I liked Mr. Impossible a lot that day. I still have some shares of Mr. Impossible stock lying around somewhere. Think he could be okay. But concert tour blew the doors off him that day. Comes back in the San Vicente. And I know the buyer says 94. I know it says it's a six-point increase. I think he bounced. I'm looking at that race. I see a five-horse field of horses that just weren't all that good. I see seven furlongs and 124. I see a horse that drifted in the stretch a little bit. I think that was a bounce. I think that was actually a worse effort than what he put forth in his debut. He comes back, winds up winning the Rebel really impressively. Then comes back in the Arkansas Derby. He's one to five that day. Chelsea on our show actually pointed out that he had had some adventures in the mornings and wasn't really seeming like himself. You can get her comments on the Champagne and JD show. Look that up on YouTube. But you could tell top of the stretch, okay, this horse looks like a derby winner. He went from can't lose to might not hit the board in three or four strides, yep. maybe. It almost looked like he bled when, in fact, he may have just been a little bit short stemming from what happened after he shipped into Oakland. Now, he comes in off of a string of good works at Churchill Downs. I like that. The one thing I don't like is how this comes across from a betting standpoint, because 
after he flopped in the Arkansas Derby, I was praying that they ran him at Churchill. Because if you draw a line through that race, he should be the Derby favorite. He'd be 10 to 1. He would have been 8, 10 to 1 off of that kind of effort in the Arkansas Derby. Instead, we get him here in the Preakness against a short field, and he might go favored. From a betting standpoint, I I, I mean, like, I think he. You made the point of just the people with knowing Medina's spirit because people honestly like a lot of people still don't know who the hell concert tour is, right? If you didn't, if right. you didn't watch, he's not like a name horse. But they know who the trainer is, and and he he just feels like a better horse, um, even if the numbers and speed figures weren't like the most dominant. So I I wouldn't be shocked either if he ends up taking the money. I don't yeah. I don't think I don't think Medina Spirit should have been nine to five in the morning. I, no. if, you made, if you made concert tour five to two, Medina Spirit should have been two to one. I, I don't I don't see the reason why Medina Spirit had to be nine to five. I could have done two to one, five to two. And to be honest with you, if you made Medina Spirit nine to five, I would have made concert tour two to one. I think they're yeah, I think the point I think the point of the morning line should have been that I think these two horses are going to be extremely close when the when the when the uh when the gate opens in terms of their final odds. See, I wouldn't put anything past the betting public, though. This really is a situation that we have never seen before where the entire country knows one horse and one trainer. I wouldn't be surprised if Medina Spirit is anywhere, and I'm not joking on this, okay? I wouldn't be surprised if he's anywhere between four to five and five to one when the field goes postward for the Preakness, because you're going to get a lot of casual money on this horse simply because he has name recognition. People know who he is. Now, will that casual money be enough to offset the sharp money? I don't necessarily know, but I do think it's going to be fascinating. And that's why I keep telling people, watch the board, look for opportunities to make some money that align with your opinions. If you like Midnight Bourbon and you think, oh, it's going to be a formful race. Well, guess what? I think it's going to be a formful race, too. But if the exacta will pays are what I think they might be, I'll play exactas, King Midnight Bourbon up and down with the two Bafferts and hope one of them doesn't fire. There are ways in which you can make money on this race. They're just a little unconventional. You're going to have to dig for them. And a lot of people might not necessarily want to do that for obvious reasons. So DZ, we were probably hoping to be talking about this race in a in a little bit different light, uh, but it is the Preakness, and uh, whether people out there are going to be betting with both fists, I'm sure a lot of people will be very curious the results of what happened, whether you're rooting for or rooting against or or wagering. Um, uh, let us know where we can follow you on social media and what kind of work you have. And a, a big shout, congrats to you. Uh, you continue to do well with some of the horses that you own. You had another ho- uh, horse uh, a little earlier from when we recorded this uh, run really well against the really classy Wesley Ward runner. So uh, um, great job there with uh, with the DZ Bloodstock agent, you know, uh, do, yeah. doing some good work. <laughs> I, I, I've never been so thrilled to finish fourth in a race in my life. Um, yeah, we... we if you if you like horse racing, you're gonna hear about a Wesley Ward three year old Philly turf sprinter by the name of Karimba very soon. Um, she's undefeated. She's won all three of her starts at Indiana Grand, uh, but she is crazy, crazy fast, freakish. And our Philly actually beat her to the front and got to the quarter going five furlongs on the turf in twenty one and three. Uh, she's really quick out of the gate, and and she held her own and she lost second by maybe a length and a half and really ran a bang up race. So, you know, and if Karimba wasn't in the race, breathing down our neck, I think, 
you know, it, you can make a legitimate argument that we might have won the race. So we were really excited about it. Uh, we got another Philly that's going to be in on Monday uh, in Stylish Kitten at, at Indiana. So we have a lot of stuff coming up with, with the horses, uh, always looking to add more. Uh, and if you want to be a part of it, just check us out at thoroughcrowd.com. Uh, I will obviously get into the handicapping on Friday and Saturday. Like I said, I think I like the Friday card more. And, uh, you know, once the thoroughbred sheets and the ragazin sheets do come out, um, you know, I'll have a, a much stronger opinion on things. But, yeah, throughout this week, I will I, I will be paying very close attention to Pimlico Friday and Saturday. And also at Twinspires.com, you can get my expert selections, quote-unquote expert selections, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday for the racing over at Belmont Park as well. Nice. Uh, AC, what's going on with uh, Champagne and JD this week? Sure. So JD and I actually talked a little bit earlier today. We're going to go live early on Saturday morning. We're talking 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. for those of you out here with me on the West Coast. We're going to do everything we can to stick to the handicapping aspects of the program, partially because, look, that's what we are. We're handicappers. We're always looking for an edge. It's a big day. Also, who the hell knows what's going to happen between when we're recording this now on Tuesday night yeah. and Saturday morning. <laughs> right. We have absolutely no freaking idea. I mean, we in the past couple of days, and Gino, we talked about this earlier in the show, we have had a trainer blaming cancel culture, a groom urinating in a stall, and dermatitis cream. The industry in back itself. Back to back to back days. Like, Every the the industry itself, like just it, it was, yes, yeah, it's it quite a bit, um, quite a bit that uh, Andrew and I really went into a little earlier on. So uh, if you want to hear that and you want to hear our opinions on everything that went down with Baffert, um, remember uh, you can hear you can do so just a little earlier on. And thank you to Andrew, thank you to DZ for helping me out there. And we're gonna get into our final segment in just a moment. But first, we gotta let you know about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. You need to check out her website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Now, she can help you out in many different ways as a full-service realtor. That means selling, purchasing, leasing. She can help you find vendors like handyman, painters, landscapers, gardeners that she's personally used in her own home. Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan. She can connect you with lenders that she works closely with and can highly recommend. Now, she covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego, County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. But if you are out of the state of California, maybe you're not in one of the areas I mentioned, you are anywhere else in the United States, but you need help finding a home you need help in your area you don't have someone that's close to you that's in real estate that you can trust please contact cindy she will help you she has friends connections people that she works with all around the country she will put you in touch with someone that you can trust i promise she is one of the most honest and genuine people i have ever met she is the exact type of person you need in this type of situation heck Maybe you just want to see how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value just so that way you can know. You can find out information about her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, reviews on Yelp and Zillow. But CindyCarava.com, that's the best way to get in contact with her. And that's the best way to find out all of the listings, all of the great information for everything that she's got going on. We close out this episode wrestling with Chad Cooper. We start talking about the... 
Booker T documentary, a little bit about the Brian Pillman documentary on Dark Side of the Ring. Then we get into discussing SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and AEW. We bounce around almost an hour and a half on this week's edition of uh, Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Thursday afternoon, one of my favorite times of the week My buddy Chad Cooper joins me And we tell you everything going on in wrestling We get to uh, talk back and forth Give some of our thoughts, things that we like, things that we didn't like uh, Some critiques And wow, it just feels like it's a, it's a real boom for wrestling right now uh, There's a lot of things going on Even outside of the weekly shows Coop. Um, I mean, last week, uh, um, you know, we we talk a, a lot about uh, Dave uh, Dave Meltzer, who's one of the the like the most well known wrestling reporters. And sometimes, you know, we'll we'll joke and critique about how uh, he loves AEW a little bit more. But when you're looking for just facts and information, he's he's kind of like the the standard. And he was pointing out how last week between Raw, SmackDown, and AEW. They were all rated really, really high. I think all of them were like the top of their particular, um, like you know, the, the those age groups that are really the the high on the ratings list now. Um, in in their particular, uh, you know, on their days on Monday, Friday, and on Wednesday. So, um, that was last week. We don't know exactly what happened for this most recent um AEW show quite yet as when we're recording, but that's good news just for wrestling in general. You know, a lot of people look at the overall numbers, and I get excited, too. Me, too. How many people watch, but that's not necessarily. Over the last several years, you know, definitely got to take into account all the streaming services, and now people... Core uh, cutters. You know, right? So, um, when, when you have good demo numbers, and these companies and these national advertisers, you know, me working at a newspaper for a long, long time, they like to look at social media numbers as well. And when things are twin trending, uh, things are buzzing. This is on YouTube. This has done this. Sometimes that's, that's just as important as the number on the, on, on, on a network, but these demo demo numbers, Regardless if the numbers have been, oh, okay, they got a million, oh, they get 800,000, the demo numbers have been spot on for those three shows. And, uh, hey, people are watching, and that's a good sign. Heck, that's uh, that's why why uh, we do what we do because yes. people are list people listen here. We we get the social media numbers, and that helps me get to work with sponsors and advertisers, yep. and it's all uh, it's all the same. So, um, yeah, good good even good week for most of them. We'll talk about the one show that you and I were kind of scratching our head on, uh, and and weren't quite sure why their numbers have gone down a little bit though. Is NXT? Um, we'll get them to them in a bit because we both really think that's like one of our favorite uh, watches of of all week long. Um. Some some good watches uh, outside of the weekly wrestling shows right now are these documentaries. It's it's like a super documentary boom period in in wrestling with A E A and E signed on for eight of these docs now. I think we have gone up to uh, the fourth. 
We started out with Stone Cold Then we had Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, Then we went to Macho Man And this most recent one was Booker T And what I thought was very cool about this story, Chad, and I'm sure you probably know some Booker T stuff, and maybe have even had some run-ins with him because uh, you're not too far from uh, Booker T down in, in where you live. He he has, I mean, talk about an inspirational story, as incredible of a story like what you would write movies from a guy who really was supposed to fail and and shouldn't be where he is right now. He shouldn't have succeeded, shouldn't have made it to be a recognizable name figure, guy who made a lot of money and a guy who a lot of people just really talk about as like a good guy. I don't ha- I can't recall having heard anyone ever say, "Oh, I, I like I don't like Booker T or Booker T screwed that guy over or Booker T did that." He seems like a pretty genuinely good dude for someone who had I mean, was dealt as bad of a, a card, as bad of a hand that you could have been dealt, right? Whether you like Booker T, uh, whether you don't like Booker T, um, that uh, his story, like you said, is uh, it's pretty intriguing. Um, you know, ins and outs of Houston. Uh, I know a lot of Booker T stuff. I met Booker T first when I was like uh, 14 years old. My brother was training uh, to be a wrestling referee at Ivan Putsky School the same time uh that Booker and his brother were there and heck, oh, you know, so I, cool. I, I'll be transparent now. I, you know, I lied. I was tall and skinny. I lied and said, yeah, I'm 18 and I got to do like some managerial work, um, nice. do a couple of shows right back then. You know, there's nobody cared as long as you paid your money to, to, to go to the wrestling school. So that was my first introduction to Booker T and this guy's story is just, uh, even you know, just I thought I knew a lot about him. There were some things that I found out on that documentary that I didn't know about him, and it's just it's just intriguing, man. What the guy has come through uh, with his family, the deaths, the crime, uh, you know, all all the Wendy, the the Wendy, the Wendy's robber bandit story. Um, it's just intriguing, and this guy, you know, like JBL said, and so many others, this guy could have kept going in that direction, and. Hey man, got it together and uh, has become one of the biggest names in professional wrestling. And a lot of people, both black, white, male, and female, have looked up to Booker T. Booker T. Uh, it's it's a a doc that also um, you know we hear a lot, and there are probably a million Stone Cold, Macho Man, Rowdy Roddy Piper things out there. There aren't about Booker T. No. You know. And so that's what's good about about some of these where you might think, oh, okay, you know what? Like he's he's not as big of a name as some of the others, but I think that's what makes some of them even better. When, like you said, when there are things that you can learn and you can really kind of get some stories that you might not have heard and might not have heard over and over and over again. So um, I've I've been thoroughly entertained by a lot of these. I know one of the gripes that people had uh, is that they didn't talk a whole lot about or they didn't really d- touch on the Triple H match <laughs> with Booker, <laughs> yeah. which was uh, which was definitely um, a a critique of Triple H and one that you know we still look back on and say like, how the hell did Booker win that? Because he was being booked. <laughs> Like he was gonna win that. It was like it was like basically playing on. It would have been like playing on the documentary, you know, like playing on his real life story. And then Triple H ends up winning. But um, I think with all of these, there there can't be perfect. There are two hours, which covers a lot. But then once you you you, you finish them, you go, oh wow, they didn't do that much on this or this or that. So 
with all of these guys and gals' careers, they're so long, they're so vast, there's so much to cover that there's always going to be parts missing or things that they they probably could have focused on a little bit more. Man, and I, and look, we we text about this, you know, coming yep. up this weekend. You know, you have uh, WWE WrestleMania backlash going up against Shawn <laughs> Michaels, which it's so you weird talk about somebody could get like eight hours. You know, Shawn Michaels, a Texas guy. You talk about another guy. That's been through the ringer, the ins and outs. That that is going to be one intriguing documentary because this guy has has been through it all. And to go up against the pay per view, oh man, and not the strongest of pay per views. You know, it's it's going to be difficult to not flip back and forth. Right? There's a match that gets a, a lull on the pay per view, and you go, man, I got to watch this HBK. And then you end up watching. It for two hours, and you're like, "Well, I got to go back to the Peacock Network watch the pay per view." So it's going to be really. It really is kind of. Man. It is kind of weird. They just didn't do like a a week break. Yeah, or just replay the the four that they've already done or something. Yeah, like that, right. You know? they, exactly, hundred percent. And they could have just said, "Oh yeah, we're going to have the new Shawn Michaels one next week," and they could have promoted it on the pay per view and everything. It's just fun. It is just <laughs> funny. Like I, I think they just probably went like, "Uh oh," like you know, it was one of those things when it. But uh, who knows? Lots, lots of wrestling out on there on Sunday night uh, coming up this week. Um, and then the dark side of the ring. These I believe come out now on Thursdays, um, and they are the tone of the dark side of the ring are much are, are a little bit different in that they just like the name of it. They're going to go through um, all of the uh, the the kind of the the skeletons, the demons, the um, the baggage, the, uh, the 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 struggles that a lot of these folks had. The the Brian Pillman one, um, and it was it's two parts actually. Um, I I thought was it was, it was very very good. It's very emotional. Um, and you know he it's it's. I mean, you think about Booker T, who had things difficult. This guy was another guy who had things difficult in sort of a different way, but he was. Just a unique individual in so many ways from, um, you know, the putting his body on the line and not really caring about it to like mentally and like willing to work anyone at any time. Um, you know, we see his his family and his kids and, and they've kind of struggled and and been, you know, affected by what happened with him and his ex-wife, the mother of a couple of his kids. She didn't seem like she was ugh, she seemed like she was a train wreck and that. Yeah. Yes, there was a lot in here. That was a that was a lot to take in, and it, and it got disturbing in uh, to watch some of these parts. Yeah. It, it was definitely dark, especially when they go with the, you know what, you know you forget about you know Vince interviewing, you know his his. Oh my gosh, I forgot. How did that happen, man? I, I you know whether whether it's true or not that people you would think that everyone probably against in their right mind was against it at that time. Who knows? That that's just that was hard to watch, and him pressing her about you know s- drug use and pain pills, and after he told her, and you know what's funny, she's crazy. You could tell, yes, and she had absolutely. said, and she even said, at, like especially at that point of her life, she was very. But I believed her when she said that. Oh, like I believed sure. her, and you know Vince, you know he said, I'm not going to say anything about that. I just want like we just want to get you on so you can just share some of your feelings. And then the first thing he did was ask her about it. Like sadistic, man. I, you know, it, it's, you know, and then the, you forget about the, you know, the details of the car wreck. You know, his leg is smashed. Man, then the Stone Cold Steve Austin angle where he's just destroying the leg. You know, then the guy has to be a. Uh, a commentator 
while it's just, man, it's just a, it's very, very intriguing, but very, very difficult and sad at the same time. But, you know, some of his children uh, were reared by other people who they saw as their mother and uh, how his, his ex-wife, his latest wife, I'm not trying to be dark or go t- grotesque. I don't know how she has made it, you know, no, how, how she's alive. Yeah. Right I just don't no. know. You know, I just don't know. And it, it's just, it's, Hey, look, man, it's compelling TV, but it is dark, dark, it dark. Is. And, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I know part two, I think comes on, uh, before the new one tonight. I just don't know if I can stomach another hour or two or, Seeing what they haven't already covered of, of Brian Pillman And I think you can watch some of them a little early on the app too Yes, um, yeah Ahead, yeah. so uh, yeah, it's it's heavy I feel, I'll tell you this, I come out of this um, Really feeling uh, for Brian Pillman Jr. Sure You know, and and like, you know, he was super emotional in this And then he comes out and he's on TV and he loses, right, you know like just, <laughs> Yeah, but just, hey, just, look, I think he's getting a tag team title match next week And there's so, uh, the Young Bucks making fun of his dad that, like, I thought, I couldn't believe they did that, actually Ooh, man, I felt, that was one that I was like <laughs> That was I, odd Yeah, it gave me a little, a little cringe there for the moment <laughs> But um, lots of really good content and different Good, whether you want the more serious, real serious, real heavy handed, like a lot of stuff that you probably don't know, you're going to get dark side of the ring. You know, you want a little more fun and fluff with the WWE side, but they'll still on the A&E stuff, they'll still get into some of the uh, the things, especially, you know, we saw with the Macho Man one a couple weeks back. So uh, lots of good wrestling stuff out there right now. And I got to say, Chad, I, I was a big fan of SmackDown on Friday. I love the stuff they're doing with the Usos now. With yeah. Jimmy and Jay Uso in inserting them into this this feud with Roman, um, Cesaro's in the mix, and I don't think Cesaro's going to win the title or anything. But he's this is a good spot for a guy like Cesaro who's never really been in a main event slot like this. He's going to go out there with Roman at the pay per view. They're going to have a good match. You throw the variable of the Usos in there now, and we don't know. Are they going to have an allegiance to each other? To Roman? Does Jimmy and Jay? Did they turn on each other? There's all these things, and then you throw Seth in the mix. You know, with yeah. I love the I love yeah. the stuff backstage with Seth. This is great. There are a lot of ways they can go here. Yeah, and kudos, man. We we look. We've been praising SmackDown for for a while now, and all the conversation over the last week or two, especially with us, you know. What will they do without Daniel Bryan? SmackDown yep. needs Daniel Bryan. He it felt pretty good. Look, it felt pretty good Friday night. It him, did, him, you know, without him. You know, I don't think they missed much of a beat because when you when Seth is involved, the Usos are back now. Cesaro can go. This is about as compelling you can get with your with with your title picture on that show. It really is, and yeah, they started with the uh, Reigns coming out and talking about how uh, you know. They've gotten rid of uh, of Daniel Bryan, and uh, then we we got the uh, the introduction of uh, of Jimmy coming back. So we've got the both of the Usos now uh, back, and um, it, it was it was really cool. They're playing on like Jimmy basically called his brother a bitch and said that you've been like <laughs> yeah. Roman's bitch, you know. And I'm not going to be that guy. Like, don't ask me to do that. And you know. Um, it was there are just a lot of layers to the storytelling. We had another good Rollins Cesaro match at the beginning of the the show, and and Cesaro gets the win there. 
after the Usos got involved and that that bothered Seth. So now Seth is mad at them. He went to Roman. We know all the stuff about Seth and Roman. There're just a lot of layers to this, which is great. This is like this reminded me of like a like an attitude era kind of storyline, you know, where you've got three or four different things intertwining here. And uh, I like like the Seth Rollins and Cesaro feud moved into Cesaro Reigns, but now Rollins is also in the mix there with the Usos, and the Usos are in a feud with each other, sort of. But Jimmy's with Roman. It's it's damn good. It is damn. And and when they tell a story throughout a show, that's I think when the ratings do really well. And I think overall. It makes the show much more interesting when you know that we're going to do something like this or Chad if it's something like oh hey uh there's going to be a couple matches throughout the night the winners of those matches are going to be in a match at the end of the night you know for the title or for a number 1 contender it just kind of keeps people a little more interested throughout Yeah it, it makes you want to finish the show I mean yep. look we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when when you start off a wrestling show it doesn't matter which one um when you have two guys, there's a DQ or something happens, and then they go to the GM or they say, "Hey, I want this guy again," or "I want this." At the, it, it's look, they they may have a great match, it may be better, but it's just like, oh, we've kind of been there with this with these guys and telling these stories. Heck, any of them working each other is main event worthy. So yep. it just feels really, really good. And usually, I don't like a lot of parts involved in a storyline. You know, I don't like five or six people. But I am all for this. This is going to be an interesting match at the pay-per-view. We'll see how the Usos turn out. I think they'll probably still keep siding with Roman a little bit. But, you know, you can go so many different – heck, you can have the Usos working Seth and Roman in a tag match. Right. Of fantasy booking. There's a lot of stuff you can do with this. Really cool stuff. Um, it was like a the retro SmackDown. I mean, they didn't they didn't do a whole lot like they normally do on like the throwbacks. There weren't a bunch of older wrestlers or legends. Play a play a uh, play y'all. But we did get Teddy Long. We saw <laughs> Teddy Long a couple times this week. He was on the uh, Most Wanted Treasures too on A and E on uh, yeah. on on Sunday night there, um, helping look for the uh, the JYD dog collar, I think, right, and a couple other things. Um, but uh. So Teddy was there. We got a, a Teddy uh, moment with Sammy, um, and you know Teddy gave a couple of his uh, uh, of his like famous lines. Um, <laughs> we got Ruby, Carmella. Carmella gets the match. Nothing. Uh, I mean, two out of the, at least we're getting some Carmella on our TV. Um, but I did I did think the Bailey Bianca stuff was actually not bad at all. Um, she was sort of talk. I. I you know, I, I think she got a little tricked up when, when like, it, it was a little confusing for a moment where, like, okay, what are you doing here? But I thought the point that she got afterwards and then how she left, like, she looked like uh, she felt like she belonged. Um, I mean, I like this better than putting these two on a freaking tag team like we see yeah. their normal bookings, right? Yeah, and, and it's probably going to get a pretty good match out of it. I mean, yeah. Bailey. Oh, she's a really good worker, and we know mm-hmm. what Bianca can do. Um, and it's interesting to see on social media this week that Bailey was trying to pick a fight with with the Bella Twins. <laughs> she said that she's they stole her moment at WrestleMania. So <laughs> Bailey has been for not being in the great. ring. Bailey has been great and remained relevant. We talked about that too. That's why people need to tune in to. Uh, this week in wrestling on that's what G said every week because we talk and see these things. A lot of these people 
who don't have a role, they kind of disappear a little bit and get lost in a vignette or she's man, she's raised her, uh, she's raised her game a lot. And now it just makes you want to see her in the match more. You want to see her get beat. You want to see her get beat and she's doing, uh, she's doing what they want her to do. And I think she's having fun with it. She is. She, she really is. This is a good role for her right now. Um, we got a couple wins. Uh, let's see one from Dominic Mysterio. So they're they you know, they're running with the, uh, the Mysterio brothers or the Mysterio father, son, uh, could be the first tag team father, son champion. And he gets the, uh, the roll up over Ziggler, which that happens to Ziggler always, you know, <laughs> poor doll. Oh, poor Dolph, who is just great. I know one that you love, and I've I've always been a huge fan of. He he's 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 gonna do a great a great job with whatever uh, role he's given, you know. But uh, yeah, always getting the the short end of the stick, it seems. <laughs> and then our boy Reggie, man, I gotta say, oh, man. he is hilarious. Like when I, the the matches and stuff, you know, I, I understand. But when he's bouncing around in there. He's he's so funny and so athletic, and he's doing his little his little prance and uh, and Naya and Shayna and Shayna was kind of getting the, like along with him a little more. He was kissing their butt in the interview. He's entertaining, and I'm fine with him as a mid card sort of thing. Um, and it looks like they're really building up Tamina, so we're gonna get that uh that tag match. Do you think we we get? The Nia Shayna loss, and maybe it's because of Reginald, and that's when they split up, and then and then they you know they have a one on one feud, Reggie in the corner of Nia, something like that. Yeah, but because it just feels like it just feels like to me they don't care about the women's tag team titles, and I'm not pooping on Tamina and Natty. It just seems like you know, look if Natty and and Shayna win, you know, retain. It just it makes it worse. It's got to end. Um, you got to keep Reginald around because he's he's really entertaining, and I I, I think Shayna's the badass, and her and Nia, I can get into that for a little while. Just got to get the straps yep. off of them, and that's if that's Tamina and Natty, then so be it. Um, I will say one thing that I really did like on this retro show, and it's it was something small. So they had a a a pretty cool main event. It was a five on five. It reminded you of like a Survivor Series. You know, yes. you had yep. Apollo, Sammy, King Corbin, Gable, and Otis versus KO, Biggie, Nakamura, and the Street Profits. What I liked about this was the promos they cut before as a team. Yeah. Right? They reminded yes. me of like totally late 80s, early 90s. You get a group of good guys that are like all sort of. On the same spot in the card ish, you know, put together, and they they get a cut like a promo, and it's kind of funny and goofy. Kevin Owens is sitting there making faces; it's his birthday, and they're going off, and then and then the other one, like, uh, you know, Apollo's talking, and he doesn't even really want to address Sammy, you know, and Sammy keeps trying to butt it. I thought both of those were they're they're just like a minute, a minute and a half. But they're a little bit different, and they did sort of fit the retro thing. They made me laugh. I popped for them. I thought they were pretty good, and they made me a little more excited to see this main event match. Yeah, you know, watching wrestling in the 80s, especially global wrestling, and then there was AWA wrestling on ESPN back in the 80s and maybe even the early 90s. Heck, the match would already start, and they would, you know, we, we would get a promo within the match of the people wrestling. I enjoyed that stuff. I know it's kind of cheesy television now, but I see your point. Me too. Look, it, it, it's it's just good. It's funny. It's entertaining, and it was a it, it was a good match. It was a good main event. And uh, and then they finish things off with the uh, more of the the Reigns Uso storyline, which we which we've covered uh, a few different times. So I thought again, a, a very solid 
episode yes. of SmackDown. They got great ratings. They were the number one show in those demos on all of TV. Not uh, not look, not even cable. Yeah. yeah. You look, you don't even have to have four million viewers. You know what 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 we're all used to get. You know, years and years ago. This just, you too. This just tells you that this show. It's probably the hotter of all the shows. It, look, it's difficult. It's on a Friday night, too, man. That's, a That's not a TV night. night. That's, That's not, not a TV, TV night. night. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, sitcoms or dramas that get... Uh, Put on Friday nights. That's that's where they go to die off. Not yep. SmackDown. It's been hot. Nah, I think the opposite can be said for our friends over on Monday night. It's just Ooh. they everything feels. It's funny. It does just feel like a totally different show. You you you, you think that it's like it's a totally different company because it's <sighs> so um it's so repeated. Everything's so repeated. I will say for we give AEW um crap a lot. And I think uh, for for but we we give crap to Monday. We're gonna give it too. But but one of my critiques a lot of the time with AEW is sometimes either too much or this or that. But they do make a lot of things try to feel important. And Monday Night Raw, there are not a lot of things that feel very important. No, right it's now. Uh, it felt this this show just felt. Look, there there was a match or two. Uh, the main event, um, solid. Um, but it just feels like train wreck, and and, and just. It's just hard to describe. It's just two different worlds from Fridays to Mondays, and I know it's two different shows, but hell, it's the same company, and it just feels like I don't know. Look, it does well in their demos, and it, yeah, look, they got a good rating again. They were, I think, one on cable or one of the top on cable. Uh, they do. I, I just some of this stuff, you know, and then look, you, you've got injuries now. We don't know how, you know, you got to feel bad for Alberto. For real, that looked bad. Yeah, that looked really, really bad, but. Just some of this stuff is just we get the same women at the beginning. It's the you know it, thing. Yeah, the, the same just... grouping of women: Oscar, Mandy, Dana versus Charlotte, Nia, Shayna. Um, it's interrupted with Alexa. I mean, we we are getting we are getting uh, <laughs> look two two um, Alexa Bliss and the Fiend. That that's what we're getting yeah. here, and it was okay. You know, if you want to interrupt, uh, but. It just everybody end, stops. Everybody's yeah. frozen and just terrified. It, and it, it, they got to get going again. And then the ending was odd to the match. It just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Hated it. Hated it. And uh, we find out that Charlotte is is probably working with Sonya. Sure. You know, um, and and that'll lead to something because we had a, a Rhea and a Oscar again. And you know, those two don't. They again, they don't have amazing chemistry. Rhea doesn't. Rhea feels like just lost. Not not okay. Rhea, Mac, uh, Lashley, even Lashley was felt like really on fire, hot, like right going into WrestleMania. He just feels very lackluster the last few weeks. The stuff that's gone on with the hurt business since, and I mean, it's just it. I don't like when we're going to have a main event. And they always do this with a triple threat Or a multi-person match We're going to have a triple threat So let's give you every version of all of the competitors Leading up So that way by the time we get that match You guys have already seen everything that they can do Against each other And you don't really care all that much And look, it was a hell of a match It was great It was it a was, great, great it match It was probably better than their WrestleMania the match Okay, yeah but here's the deal. Now we've got to go through it again with Braun. Here's MVP trying to make a deal with Braun. 
you know, we have a backstage interview with with MVP and Lashley, and Lashley gets told that MVP's trying to make a deal with Braun so they can, t- you know, if, if I want somebody to win that's to beat Lashley, it's you. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just that title is it's just not important right now. And and look, it it could have been them kicking off WrestleMania. It could have been like like we said before, Lashley missing some time for whatever reason was for WrestleMania. But he has definitely cooled off. Hell of a main event. But it seems like Drew has been the strongest out of this feud out of WrestleMania. Don't hinder gender. He's back. He's back. He's uh, the enigma, G- Jeff Hardy. Jinder just crushing Jeff Hardy here. Poor Jeff Hardy. He has a uh, um, Veer and Shanky uh, <laughs> alongside him. Great, some, some great names here. Um, look, hey, look, Gino. Jinder is one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet in your life. I'm a huge Jinder fan. I was behind his world title push. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like it. I did. If this guy can stay healthy, he's got a he's got a really good chance of being on TV and getting back because he's he's in an incredible shape. The he is athlete. He just has never been able to stay healthy week after week. And he he gets heat, and he's a very good to me. He's like a perfect guy to slot into the middle to the upper yeah. card as a heel. Yeah. Great you can deal. slot him in as a U.S. contender, title contender, IC title contender, anytime, and then like anytime because he's a former champ and he's got a little bit of heat. And then if you give him a little bit of a build, you could make him uh, a contender if you need to to fill a pay per view for a month or something. And with a guy like a Drew McIntyre, he's got a, a few like a backstory built in. He could yep. be. I don't know if Drew wins the title back and they do that. If Drew loses and they need someone. As a feud for Drew, um, that could be a, a solid spot too because they have a little bit of a, uh, you know, th- that that history. Everybody doesn't have to be a five star worker, no. and he's not a bad worker. He's a much improved worker. The guy is a very very well liked person behind the scenes, and he he's got a spot on the show. Like he he's new. He sort of feels fresh again too. Um, I, I think he's a good like there are some good matchups that I can see with him and I, I'm actually on a, a weak Monday night raw on a show that's not good. Like Jinder can give us a little bit of new blood and some night uh, new life right now. Yeah, and, and look, uh, this this pay per view main event has to be the end of Lashley, Drew, and Braun Strowman. So if you're if you look on that roster, okay, who's next up? Whether Drew wins or Lashley wins, who who's next up? And a guy like Jinder, I, I would get behind a, a midterm role, a mid-story role where he chases a title. Like I said, if he can stay healthy, he, he's, you know, he's an important piece of this puzzle. And for him to finally come back, seems like he's been off TV for years, and I think he has. He looks great. If he stays healthy, man, I think he can make a run on Monday nights. So, uh <laughs> We uh, what one of my few favorite things, and I know you like it. We get some RK bro. I like these guys. Like <laughs> this is this is a like a bright spot on a show that's very boring. And why? Because it's new. It's a little bit different. And we like haven't seen this week. over and over and over. Yeah, and I love the way it went this week too. We got some of that. Oh snap! There's Randy just you know RKO and people, and you know, and there's. You know, riddle in the ring, bro. What are you doing to my bros? It was you real. Know? That felt I like loved it. Loved it. Heck, every one of your friends 
isn't friends. I see this all the time online. I'm like, I'm looking at people, and it's like my buddy, and I and I and I see them talking to someone that I know is a snossage. I'm like, what are you talking to that person for? <laughs> Don't talk to them, you know. And it's like, not every person that you're friends with is just friends with all of your friends automatically. It just doesn't work that way, right? Like, so uh, I thought that yeah, this was real. This had like a, a you know, Randy not gonna be goofy, um, and he's still gonna let you know he's Randy. So I do wonder. Where they go with this Do you think we get a Randy Riddle Like Omos uh, AJ title match coming up You know I don't know I Look Do they need the titles It would no. make They don't But it would definitely make the story Better Make them a whole lot better Not that they need it But it would be more intriguing If they had the titles And each week He's turning on people Or Riddle's doing this Because we're going to get some back and forth I would love to see them take the titles from AJ and Omos because number one, AJ needs to be in singles competition. Um, he he's just so much better at that. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they need the title sooner rather than later too. The uh, we mentioned Humberto Carrillo. Uh, he uh, had a nasty injury there. Uh, the the match had to get called um, after a, a, a bad spot. Um, but I, I think I, from what I've heard, and I, I, I that he's so far it hasn't seemed too bad. So we'll keep we'll keep you updated if we find any more uh, Carrillo information out because I didn't I didn't find anything out immediately that was oh he this is bad actually I think some of the things initially were yeah it, he might have gotten lucky uh, and and sort of gotten away with one there. Um, we got a vignette for Lucha House Party reintroducing themselves. Um, hey, I mean, they're always going to be fine in the ring. Well, we'll you know, they're, they're like they're a fine tag team to have in in a division because you know you you need teams like that to go out and and, and be able to give you five or ten minutes here and there. So um, that's fine. Uh, and then, uh, hey, I will say another person that is at least intriguing to me on Monday Night Raw. I'm just kind of curious what they're going to do with her and where they're going to go. Is uh, Eva Marie? You know, oh, she yeah. she's got a big following. She's a super polarizing character. Some people love her. Many people hate her. Don't think she has any place in a wrestling ring, but she does have a place in a wrestling company. So I'm kind of cu- curious to see how they're going to use her. Yeah, and she goes from you know we've got two vignettes and two different looks. We have the you know the what we remember her by uh, the fire red hair, and then the next week, you know she, she's in pink. And look, she's being blasted all over. Look, there, there's what Chelsea Green has calls the Stanley McStanleys, these the stand <laughs> that love her. And then absolutely hate her. And she's not even in a ring yet. And all this buzz. Uh, and then there's talent from the locker room taking shots at her. Bailey's taking shots at her. Mandy's taking It's just, hey, man, I've always liked her. I mean, who doesn't like a good smoke show? Whether she's good or not in the ring, there's there's a lot of talent on on both sides of the roster that are not very that are not very good, and you often wonder why in the ring. But I still like them, and she's one of them. I, I look forward to her returning. I know they had to they cut people and they cut good wrestlers, one being Chelsea Green. But hey, I'm intrigued, man. She's a smoke show. I want to see what she can do. I'm just bummed that uh. Cedric and Shelton aren't still a team I thought that that was a, a little better for them Because they, they end up having a really good match On the show And yeah. they they just feel like Together they would be 
in a spot to get more TV time. If either one of them, maybe Cedric's going to get a push, then then that's fine. But I don't know. I'm I'm worried that both of these guys kind of uh fall through the cracks and and we don't end up seeing a whole lot of them on TV. And they're both they're both solid on TV. I thought they were good as a tag. Um, so I'm you know I, I'm. I'm hopeful. Let, let's. I guess I can try to be optimistic that uh, they continue to get used because uh, Shelton gets the win here, and and this was like this was fine. Yeah, I, I, look, if I'm using it right, I think we, these guys probably the shark was jumped before WrestleMania with this yep. this Lashley gimmick. I don't know why they were broken up before that. I, I thought that it would have oh. made Lashley looks. I know what they were wanting to do, make trying to make Lashley look. He didn't need anybody, but I think it it actually did. More damage than good. I think if they would have stayed around, it would have made him look better. But anyway, yeah, you know, I don't think Shelton gets a push. I just don't. You know, you would think Cedric, uh, he's well liked. The guy can go. Um, it just feels like he's probably going to end up on 205 Live or main event. Hopefully not. Hopefully, maybe he steps into the role and maybe takes a shot at Sheamus and we get some different stuff there. That'd be so great. I, yeah. Man, I, I don't know. I don't know with this. It just, I don't have a good feeling with this, uh, this story. And like the last three different things that we're going to talk about from raw, uh-huh. like all of them, I sort of feel the same way about like, I mean, Oscar Ripley had a match <laughs> Rhea wins, but it's like Rhea does not feel hot. No. Why do I care if Oscar's in this title match now? Rhea's just beat her again. Like Oscar yeah. feels like nothing. Charlotte actually is sort of intriguing In all of this like she's got a little bit of A different character to her I'm more interested in what they're doing with Charlotte and Sonya Than I am with Rhea Or with Asuka at all in this And doesn't it feel like that Charlotte's Going to win this title It Uh, does absolutely It's double crossed somehow by Sonya And I don't think we get that this soon Because yeah it's, it's, It's more intriguing than your champion Rhea has Look man the last two Wrestlemanias have not been kind to her one of them gets canceled when she canceled. She was supposed to be making her big debut. And then this one, she has not a very memorable match. And it just seems like she's fish out of water. And look, I, we know Charlotte's probably not getting pinned. If anybody, it's going to be Asuka. And poor Asuka, I, I just, this is again, it's like the Braun Drew Lashley. It's just not working for me. It's not even no. lukewarm. At least, the, like you said, I'm not the biggest Charlotte mark. But at least it feels something different, and she's hillish, you know. It's, with Sonya. it's a little fresh. Yeah, you got. And there's a the thing with Sonya; she's kind of got a, a character tweak to her since she's come back. She's kind of being phony, you know, and this <laughs> and that. Like, um, it's yeah, it's a little different. And then, you know, we get. I'm the biggest Miz fan in the world. Sure, but it's just the Miz and the Priest Ooh. and Morrison stuff. This has been six months. By the time the pay per view comes this weekend, we're going to be we're, we're literally talking about January, and it's you know um, if they're ending going to split them up and give Morrison maybe some more of a singles run, that's fine. But like Damian Priest gets the win here, great but match. It's great again match. really good. Like Morrison's good and and like really solid, but w- like. It's just been forever, and then Priest gets to pick a stipulation, and he picks a lumberjack match. <laughs> of all things, of all no cage, no that like a lumberjack match. It's like really, that's the match you would pick for a guy that was annoying you and pissing you off. And, and we we know Priest is going to go over. Um, I don't know how much time this match is going to get on the pay per view. Um, it, it's going to end up, you know, Miz and and Morrison just getting the. The mess beat out of them again, and we're going to get a split. 
But it's just, again, we've went way too far with this, and it's on the same show. And I think that's why this has got me downing, uh, being a downer with Raw, because it seems like three feuds, the Rhea, Charlotte, Asuka, this one, and, and, and Braun, Drew, and Lashley, it just seems like we've been doing this for a year now, and it just, I don't know, it seems like most of the Raw shows are that way, but heck, if the ratings are working, that's why I'm that maybe they're continuing to do this weekend. They do. You're right. They they do keep doing because they look and they go. You know what? Uh, people are watching still. We're getting these massive deals from Peacock, from NBC, from Fox, from all over the place. Like, um, you know, they do the t- this, the same WWE trope thing at the end too, where it's like yeah. Drew's got him one, got him beat. Instead of pinning him, the the music hits and he's like distracted by the music, and it's like, <laughs> why don't you just go pin him? You know, and then. Yeah. Just take the one, two, three, and then look at Braun coming there. You know, like that could right. still. It's there's just one of those cr- uh, like crutches that uh, WWE goes to, and it it doesn't feel like NXT goes to a lot of those crutches. Like this is one of my favorite couple hours of the week. I think, I think with NXT, the better the best way of putting it, at least the way I look at it, is there are the least amount of lows on this show of any yeah. show. Yes, I think on SmackDown there might be the highest highs, but they do have some things that are still some lows. And sure. on AEW, I'll get a couple things that I love, and then a couple things that just may, maybe aren't for me because that I don't really like as much as other people. But on on NXT, there are so few things that I don't like coming out of each one of these shows. And I think the big uh, uh the big kind of news and the big buzz coming off of this particular show was the new group. That was introduced with Swerve Scott, AJ Francis, Ashante the Adonis, and uh, Brianna Brandy, and they're hit row. Basically, they're like a play on death row. <laughs> you know what? I thought this was very good. Um, I thought it was well done. Yeah, it really was. It wasn't goofy. It w- and and they've been setting this up for a while with the uh, with the stuff with Swerve, and he talked about how you know what I I was. They were trying to have me be who I wasn't And this is who I am I I really enjoyed this And, and from everything that I've read and, and listened to it seems like Real positive buzz uh, with this Coming out this week Swerve was uh, just one of these guys On the indies who was Really really good man And he gets signed with NXT Has some good matches Really doesn't take off um, A whole lot um, Not in a big feud um, that you want him to see in, then he starts picking up a lot of steam. And I'm not a Leon Ruff fan, but I tell you what, him and Leon Ruff put on some matches over the last month that were and they fun. elevated themselves. And they both, both elevated. So Leon Ruff ha- has now made made a name for himself. Um, and here Swerve, you know, now he's got him a group, and it just works so much better than him being by himself now. Don't you think he just feels oh, more yeah. important to me now? Hundred and this feels like like legit because like it feels real. They felt like a yeah. big like yes. they didn't feel like some like uh just kind of like ragtag thrown together group. Right. This felt like right. a group of people that like feel legitimate. Um, uh, AJ starts doing his freestyling and is is out there is rapping. I I I like the presentation of all of this. I thought it was it was very good. Um, we actually kicked off NXT with uh with Cross. Versus uh, Austin Theory 
Cross gets the win. Um, Gargano is uh, been upset with Regal. We got a couple people upset with Regal, you know, throughout. Yeah, like they were. If I would have known any better, I would have thought they were tra- teasing Regal getting in a match. But there's no way with the, his age and like I think with what his body's been through and all of his surgeries, I would be really shocked. But man, I got the feeling that like couple, like they're trying to tease uh, Regal going at it with a couple different folks here, huh? Yeah, bring bring back the the brass knuckles. Why don't exactly. you? I think they're sitting on his desk. I think yep. I saw him on his desk. But yeah. Yeah, you know, hey, it was a good match. You know, it's great to see Cross, your champion, back on. Still the best entrance, I believe, in all of wrestling. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's just intriguing. You know, he's he's uh, he's got the look. He's got Scarlett. Gargano, look, these guys are money. Uh, they just are. And uh, I just hope they stay, on, stay in NXT. I know eventually uh, these guys. I know Cross is probably that's a main roster looking guy if if, if I've ever seen one. Yes. But right now, man, he's uh, he's as good as can be for NXT. Yeah, he's he was very good. Uh, Balor came out after the match, so they're going to continue. I believe they're going to have a match in a couple weeks on yes. TV. I yeah. think it's going to be on TV in a few weeks. Um, so that that should be great, and then we'll see. You know, what, where we keep kind of asking question about people like Finn, people like Cole. You know, they do still seem like they have a little unfinished business, but maybe not that much. Like, do they finish off this with Finn and then does he go back up with Cole? Does he have maybe one more something with O'Reilly and then does he go back up? Um, everyone's been talking about cool Kyle, who, you know, uh, who, who's, who's, uh, who's like the, um, like the high school kid, uh, you know, or working out some different looks, or like the kid who just goes to college and he's trying out a different, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to a new place and I'm gonna be a goth, you know, you know, so, something. Yeah, I mean, at uh, first we thought it was Jeff Spicoli, you know, Fast Times yeah. at Ridgemont High, you know, hey yep. dude, uh, no shoes, no problem. Uh, <laughs> hey, and look, you know, we got something new: the return of Bobby Fish in this match, man. It just, yeah. I, look, I, I forgot about him. You got to think, okay. Roderick Strong has been written off TV. Remember, he quit. Yeah. You know, he he got his his bags and went home. So we 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 could be seeing that being reintroduced here over the next couple of weeks too. We uh, had a fun tag match with MSK Brizongo. Uh, oh, really good, man. Really good. Like I love good. MSK, man. These guys yeah. are great. They're they're one of the better booked babyface teams too. How about because... the ref spot? How about the oh ref my spot? gosh? Give this guy a match. That was just was unbelievable. Great, I don't know who booked that, but bravo. Good good stuff again. Like again, we've gone through three or four things. Like positive, positive, yep. positive. Um, and you know, all of the Johnny stuff with the way. This is great because Johnny is a bit, you know, such a big Disney fan. This has to be a Mandalorian thing, right? Yeah. Like this yeah. is the way, you know, for yeah. sure. <laughs> um uh, make no like made me laugh when I uh, when I was, you know, keep seeing this over and over again. Um we got a in your house. Takeover coming yeah. up uh, Just a few weeks and uh, Todd Pettengill's gonna be back <laughs> He's great when he's on there and they used Him uh, just in a perfect way Last time sparingly right they didn't have him out Like trying to call the show or anything right. They right. had to do a few different things just to Make you laugh like the intro and Maybe one or two little small uh, pre uh, Recorded segments so That should be good um, We talked about Leon Ruff Pete Dunn and uh, and Ruff had a, a good match, and it actually made Ruff look tougher and more yep. badass to me. It, it, yeah, look, we we are both Pete Dunn fans, and Leon Ruff, like I said, that guy has just been that kid. Um, despite him losing matches, it just you don't have to win every match to look strong, nope. and that uh, epitome of Leon Ruff, man. 
So we uh, are going to get the world premiere of Frankie Monet. Yeah. I thought this was kind of cool, right? It was like a commercial kind of a yeah. thing. Uh, it was a vignette, but it was it was a little different. And um, so uh, she's going to debut, or, or I think she's going to debut in two weeks. And that's also going to be the day that uh, Balor and Cross, uh, that title match for NXT Championship, will be. Um, we had the NXT Women's Championship match, Mercedes Martinez versus Raquel, and uh, these just these are just two really really talented women, and they're they're bigger, which makes their match like a little different. And I don't mean big; they're not they're just taller, right? right so right. like the. The the style is a little different than you would see if it, you're talking about like a Sasha Banks match, you know, um, just based on the body type. I I like everything going on with these two, and then you throw the Dakota stuff in the mix here. Um, so I I again I think the women's division is good, and then we saw you know you and I are big Tony Storm fans. I'm I'm at least. Glad that the storm stuff feels like it's part of a feud. It wasn't yes. just a nothing that she's losing. At least this was okay. She's going to be in this with Stark, so there's there's there was more of a reason to it. They they've got something to build towards that makes me a little more okay with the fact that, like you said, I don't need Tony Storm to win every week. That's fine. I just want if she's losing matches, I want her to be in. Storylines that make sense because I think she's that talented. She should be someone who's on the TV show all the time or in major storylines. So I, the fact that she is in one here, I'm cool with that. And then the Raquel Dakota Mercedes stuff again, like really talented women there. This is going to be fun as we inevitably get to that Raquel Dakota. Yeah, look, probably the most stacked women's division of all of wrestling. And they've got look, look, they've got so many more. Ladies on that roster who have yet really to make their mark, Um, you know, don't forget about Priscilla Kelly is is there and she has a different look. She she will be on TV soon. It's just you have endless amount of opportunities where to go next with Raquel. I believe they they'll they'll probably do one more and then probably we we get a Dakota feud. But, you know, like going back to Tony and and, and it's and Stark. It's going to be a hell of a match. Both of them can work. And look, if she doesn't win, that's fine. Just give her an honest, good, hardworking match because she has the look. She needs to be on the TV every week. And they do a great job building these matches on NXT. And it's something I, I, I look forward to. Them two are, go- are a match I'm looking forward to. The thing that makes me laugh. Each and every week, Cameron <laughs> Grimes, he's headed, he is headed to a, an auction and it's a, it's a real estate auction at this huge home and they start the bid at 2 million. He shows up and, and he tells all the other bidders to put their paddles down and he tells the, uh, the host to slow down. But every time he keeps throwing up his bid, someone in the back is getting outbid. The way they do this is so great too because it's super campy, yes. right? It's and that's what it's supposed to be. It's not like a take me serious segment. We and we know like Grimes, of course you know who's outbidding you, right? It's you've said every week we know who's who's you know outbidding you for everything. And and who's outbidding me? He doesn't know, right? <laughs> he has to ask himself, who's going to pay 20 million dollars for a house? Davy, Aussie, damn Davy. I mean, this is this is great. The only question I'm asking, 
and I'm just asking the question um, is that I I wonder how they end this or the the payoff of this. Do you think it's going to be DiBiase like bringing a wrestler in and like That's maybe a like point. a new <laughs> someone because I, we're not going to get DiBiase in the ring. But no. but I do I'm I'm curious what the and and I I don't want it to I'm not saying I want it to end next week. I want five more weeks of these these. You know what I mean? Like every time he shows up to get a boat, whatever it is, you know what I mean? And he outbids him. Like be, get creative. I'm just curious where they're gonna end with it inevitably, inevitably. You know, because like they have to have it's got to get to the ring at some point. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a way to introduce someone new. Um, I, I'm like we getting Ted Junior. <laughs> yeah, of all people, um, that 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 would be great. Honestly. That would be that funny. Would, it really would. It, it really, you, you know, we we were begging for this. Um, you know, when Grimes started this money gimmick, we're like, man, this is this has got million dollar man so written good. all over. It's just in his accent, it just puts it more over the top. His southern drawl, which, yeah, which is really him. But yeah, you know, I really haven't thought about what the payoff is going to be here. It has to end in a match. If not, it's ahead like, of ourselves. Like we can enjoy the ride there. I right, just... but it, it's it's eventually going to have to come to that because you'd hate to have this end in a vignette style deal, right? He eventually he they join up. Yeah. Yeah, or he's get, or he's busted, or he's broke. I mean, yeah. you know, the cryptocurrency market is so, you know, frugal now and crazy. Elon Musk, we don't know what's happening with this. Dave Portnoy is now, you know, taking, you know, doing promos on Elon Musk. I know and, he cut a, you, he cut a he, promo he on cut a great he, promo last night. It was amazing. Shorting people and cutting things and playing. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we don't really know what cryptocurrency is going to go on, but maybe he gets busted. You know, something like that. But, man, it, they're home runs. They're they're just they're great. Fantastic. Grimes is just so good, man. And uh, another fantastic match to end the show. Two out of three falls. Cruiserweight title. Santos Escobar. Kushida. I look. Both of the. Could you imagine, too, like, these are a couple guys that if you would have said a few months ago or, like, six months ago, this could be this could main event a show with. Kushida no. people like yeah I mean no. Both of these guys are great in the ring but like Is anybody really interested in either One of them yes now both of them People are very interested In Kushida just over the last Couple weeks from the Pete Dunn match To winning the cruiserweight to Even the little interaction stuff with MSK And then Escobar And and their group is really Good they're really intriguing This was a great match Kushida ends up winning Here and it just goes to Show you that you know They've they've been able to really do a good job with these two because I wouldn't have been interested six months or a year ago in like a match like this for I mean it's something I'd have thrown on in the background and said okay cool I'm doing my work yeah. but I I was really really into this match and a lot of other people were too so much that it made events yeah Escobar is just man he's really really good the I'm nitpicking here the only thing I, I kind of I, I thought. It, it probably there wasn't a whole lot of time for a best two out of three falls. Um, I didn't like the finish. I don't like those type finishes, but that's just me personally. But the main event itself, I had no problems with. It was a hot finish, and it just goes to show you, man. NXT, I, you you can put Kushida Escobar in a television main event, and uh, it just does really, really well, man. Really, and, really. really which I love is, that. Which is funny because again, like. Like we're saying, the ratings don't always equal 
how no. good a TV show was. And no, and I, we know that from Monday Night Raw, what we talked about right. recently has not been good. <laughs> and they're still one of the highest rated shows on TV. But I, I'm just curious why, uh, before we get into AEW to, to close things out, I'm curious why more of the wrestling fans... The let's say there's a couple million of the hardcore wrestling fans, right? That that right. will watch a lot of the shows, probably the most of us, like we do, watch watch a good amount of them. I wonder why uh, at least half of them or so are not watching NXT as much because uh, it feels like it gives you a lot of good, and I don't I don't know a lot of like we said I don't know a lot of bad on that show. Um, so I'm I am a little curious why their ratings are. One of the shows that seemed to be going down the most You know, and we just started getting more uh, NXT promotions during Raw uh, I don't know yeah. if you noticed it or not yes. We're going to, you know, from what I'm reading We're going to start seeing a lot more of that uh, I don't know if it helps or hurt it But this is, it's really puzzling to me Because they had a strong number going up against AEW And they had a strong number for the first couple of weeks But the overall number has dipped uh, it's declined over the last two Tuesdays, and their shows have been phenomenal. I just hope uh, we don't start getting a you know pressure from this network, you know, or from this executive, and we start going in another direction because it is so everything's much- going good right now. Yeah, right? it's so fresh. So, so don't start interject. Look, do we start seeing these guys on and girls on Mondays and Friday nights? I- I, I don't know what we're going to do. Do we start seeing them on, uh, you know, a, a backlash type pay per view? We get NXT See, one or two. That matches. that I'm I'm okay with. Yes, yes. That I'm okay. I would be more okay with them coming up to yes, have someone or coming even at. like give me an NXT match or two on Raw. I'm okay. Right? With like that. I'm okay with that. How many boring things on Raw? Oh, you want to build something for NXT? Hey, hey, you know what? Here's one of our bigger feuds. Like. We're going to get a match. I don't know if they would do that, but I'm fine with getting NXT more exposure. I don't necessarily want to send people down unless it's a Daniel Bryan. He's the only right. one that I'd be okay with going down to have some cool matches. Cause he's, he'd do the great thing and put everybody over anyways, you know? Um, and maybe I, that's what we're coming to. With maybe, and, maybe, know, right. It could be, you know, there, I mean, I'd love Pete Dunn. Sure. Daniel Bryan, Pete Dunn, Daniel Bryan, Kushida, Daniel Bryan, Gargano. Daniel Bryan Cole, Daniel Bryan Balor, you know, like it's just endless and it's new. Yeah, that would be. I, a, I just hope they don't start trying to revamp this thing. And no one's saying that they are, but it is kind of concerning a little bit to watch their numbers dip over the last couple of Tuesdays. It yeah. just, it, it is, it is. And USA Network may be totally happy with it, but when you start seeing numbers like the Miz and Mrs. numbers are really, are, you know, are, are really, really strong. And they come on and, you know, after Raw. So basically yeah. that's four hours, you know, three and a half hours of wrestling as opposed to Tuesday nights. There's, you know, I don't know what else is it's it's on. I'm not a, a cable junkie to see no. what else in the, the ratings this thing is fighting against. But you would think it would be more solid than, than the six and seven hundreds that it's getting right now. I'm not saying it's going to break the million mark because AEW – is barely hitting that million mark, but man, that there's a lot of pe- there's a lot of people who are watching, but there's a whole lot of more who are tuning out, and that is concerning. AEW Dynamite, uh, some things to talk about on this show. Uh, some uh, some things I really liked, um, a few things I didn't, but I think for me, uh, I'm noticing a little more and more with AEW is that um, I'm not 
the two hours go by and I'm not uh there are very very few parts of the show where I'm not entertained or I completely want to turn it off or it's like really really bad but I think there are some things that are just not maybe meant for me or like I don't get quite as excited about as some of the uh the other people do because you know like the the beginning of the the show I thought I like the cold open kind of thing and I like the getting right into the match which uh and, and I like Moxley Nagata but I don't know like I just don't get as crazy for a, like a Yuji Nagata match this is a super basic uh match it's a very good match Moxley gets the win they show each other respect after the cool thing to take out of this I guess is that uh Moxley comes out to Wild, Wild Thing. Wild Thing, yeah. Which, yeah. okay, so the song Wild Thing is a, a really well-known song. Obviously, you think of Major League, right? And, right. and Charlie right. Sheen coming out of the bullpen. Um, I don't, I, I, I'm curious how this went down because it's, I don't know if it fits Moxley. I mean, the, the, the Wild Thing, sure, he's Wild Thing, you make my heart sing, and I like it. But to me, I think he's more of like a, it's still kind of a slower. It's like a '60s. This is like a '60s song. We're not talking about like an '80s, more like harder rock kind of intro. I feel like that's more Moxley than Wild Thing. Do 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 You know, like I heard somebody on, uh, I think it was on the 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 Wrestling Inc. said maybe a uh, like a cover of Wild Thing. I could have gotten gotten into a little bit more even. Look. Nagata, look, what is he, 50-something, you know? Uh, Good match, solid. Um, He looked old. Um, Nothing wrong with the match. Kind of an interesting finish there. But I think from my understanding, those those are New Japan, you know, style matches. And and that's what they do. The wild thing really threw me off. I, I noticed there were more people in the crowd. He came through the crowd. He, you know, he was busted open. It seems like every match now, somebody's bleeding profusely. In too much. I think it's getting a little too much. Yeah, Chris yeah. was. Oh man, he had red all over. I, I was okay with it. I was, uh, you know, not not a silly promo or anything goofy in ring uh, to begin the show with. But the match, okay. It just seems like uh, okay. It was yep. okay. Yeah, exactly. No, nothing bad. Fine. Um, we go backstage and uh, we get the guys from the inner circle. Uh, without Jericho, uh, right. and they're cutting a promo. Santana uh, got arrested and detained because he used a fork <laughs> in the match. MJF had him arrested, so it's uh, Ortiz, Hager, and Sammy. Um, and this is okay. Sammy's is still got to work a little bit on his his babyface promo presentation a little bit. It, it you know, but um, like again, this I sort of felt the same way. This is this was fine. Um, but I get it, it'll lead us to. We can, I guess, hit the other part um, of uh, of of what happens later in the show when we get the inner circle or we get the pinnacle all to come out, and it was their coronation. They're all dressed up. They've got some women by their side, um, who they say are some of the five most beautiful women in the world. I think we could disagree on that, Chad. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, I think you and I could find a few uh, a few that we may uh, may bring out there with us more. But um, they're all dressed up. MJF says he's the demo god. He's the greatest ever. Um, and uh, he says the MJ, uh, inner circle's down a couple guys. Um, but they want a rematch. And they come out on like a vehicle. 
um, and 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 then they said Jericho's not around. Jericho ends up showing up, and like this this stuff was fun, but it was exact. It was like exactly a WWE thing. I mean, we've seen this Stone, in w, WWE like four times. What? Stone Cold Kurt Angle with the beer truck with the milk, milk truck, right? Yeah, I mean, so I get it. I mean, it's and it's not like everything that's been done in wrestling has been done a million times before. But this is, I mean, like. It was exactly a WWE yes. thing. Yes. And MJ and what 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 the problem with it with one of with some of these things too are logistically you got to sort of make sure they look good. WWE the way they have like the entrance and the ring, the way that I can remember right now like the way that the milk truck and the beer truck where they came out, it's perfectly shot. Right. Pointed into the ring where you've got everyone kind of standing in the ring, and they really do feel like they're getting pelted with this hose of of whatever, you know. This, I, you know, they kind of had to fight to the stream. Yes, I don't know, like MJF high. was kind of like slipping on his own stuff to make it funny, which is great. Like it's a comedy segment, right? Yeah, like, sure, sure. We're not going to be nitpicking every little bit, but I do think that for uh, WWE, where they do well is. In the on the production side of things, like yeah. they've done these segments a lot of times. If they would have done this exact same segment, it just would have been presented a little bit better on on WWE TV. I think with the angles, the way they would have cut it, the way they would have gone back and forth, you know. Yeah, look, they get the Rolexes from Tully Blanchard. You know, we 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 know what this is about. You know, um, it's four horsemen ish who wore the Rolexes. I don't even think they mentioned the Rolexes. Just four nice, expensive watches, I think, uh, what was said. But, yeah, it just felt too gimmicky to me. And, it look, after one Stampede Stadium match, we're going to have another. And it definitely feels like the inner circle is, is probably going to lose again. I don't – you know, I would rather see Pinnacle lose than these guys. I'd rather see Sean Spears do his own thing. Uh, FTR is just kind of just they were they're kind of over. floundering, right? Yeah, they they're, were the they're tag kind of team lost. champions. Well, guess they're what? Like they're in they're the not shuffle. doing anything now, right? So yeah, I want this to end. It doesn't need to be a feud that goes on much further. This has to be the end of it. I, I mean, if if the inner circle wins and it's one to one. They stick around, and we're going to get a rubber match, probably. I don't know. Uh, MJF cuts great promos, but it seems like okay. Let's let's wrestle a little bit, guys. I let's agree. let's let's wrestle. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it was the same sort of thing. Like I didn't hate it at all. It's not <laughs> bad. It, it, I laughed a few times, but I was looking sure. at it just thinking that the execution could have been done a little bit better. Um, and we didn't really get a whole lot about last week. I don't know. Jericho wasn't really selling. I guess he was sort of selling the injury, but I mean, who knows? Like after right. the big fall. Um, so that that was you know one thing. Um, the next thing that's been kind of polarizing that uh, people are either like really split on was Cody and the promo. Um, sure. So like, let me say this: the the delivery of the promo, the the fact that he's able to get all of that out, like it was it was a like a speech that he should go audition for to act in some movies. Like it was very very good in in like how it was presented. My only concern is I don't know if right now that was the best right now. And he even brought it up like he wasn't trying to act like everything's great in America right now. But I don't know if on your like. Your wrestling show You necessarily want to 
go and play into that because then he had to kind of like weave it and say, well, hey, it's not everybody from England, right? Like Pac's a good wrestler and <laughs> right. Doug Williams, and it's not like a, a xenophobia thing. It's just this particular guy has been disrespecting the U.S., which I get, and I and I and I'm glad he specified it there. It's funny because I still don't even really know. I guess where I stand on it. I thought that it was a damn great delivery. Like I would have never guessed ten years ago. Cody was even capable of going in the ring and cutting a promo like this. So, yeah, from Stardust to, you yeah, know, right? uh, I look the promo. I, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. He gets emotional about having a biracial kid. Which um, that part was actually kind of I thought the better part. I thought that was that the could better have been part. The focus, the whole that could have been the whole promo. Yes, right here, even. I don't like this American dream. Gimmick where story where he's going with he was the nightmare now he's the the American dream again I'm not even excited about this match I don't even know a whole lot about this guy he's working either and I watch the damn show every week I, I just you go in from jumping cutie cutie Marshall and all this and this guy is what one week he put the British flag on on someone and yeah, now we didn't, we, we didn't get enough of a we didn't a there, build, there's no bill for that yeah, at all yeah. and I just did not it just I, I don't That's know. It was a weird show. Like it was bookended. It was, was bookended. It just yes. felt out of like maybe not at the right time for this kind of a promo in in the feud and in where we are in the world. In yeah, the US. we're going on tour. We're got what Coney Khan said we could be a hundred percent, and which I, I don't know. It just the show. And I don't this even know if you show. want to mention election anything ever, no, right? Like, no, especially it, Cody Rhodes. Don't yeah. bring politics into anything entertainment. I don't, I don't. I get enough of that every well, day. And it's, and it's funny because, um, like the 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 problem with where with when with nowadays too is when you're in the middle. That's kind of like the worst place to be, <laughs> right? Because everybody is so freaking crazy, like crazy emotional and, and like on both sides that if you're not going to one of them you're like doing something wrong to both of them <laughs> right I, I just I, I look it, the show was bookended I, I even though I wasn't you know j- jumping head over hills I was okay with the opener it wasn't anything silly or stupid the main was great it was spectacular I hate the way it ended with everybody coming Why out do we okay so let's, let's go end. so we get to the main <laughs> Great sure. main. Okay, we'll, sure. we'll skip there, and then we'll hit a couple more things before okay. uh, we let you go. We get to the main. We've been wanting Miro. This is it. This is great. He looks like a badass. This is a perfect way for Darby to lose because he looks incredible. That suicide dive where he like pinballed off of him. I mean, great, great stuff. He's selling. Miro gets the win. He doesn't. He doesn't even tap out. And then it's in the last. 45 seconds, my head started spinning. You ruined the match. You ruined the match. We get immediately Paige and Scorpio. They're going after Sting because that's going to be where Sting and Darby go next. Okay, fine. That's fine. I can get that. Why then the entire Dark Order runs them out, runs (laughs) them off, and then Archer comes out just to give Miro a stare down. Like, would that have been better just next week? Yes. Archer yes. coming out and cutting a promo or interrupting Miro. It was just like, I'm watching this great match. It finishes. I'm pumped. I'm like, oh, yeah, they did a great thing here. Miro goes over. And then, did you imagine if you didn't know what was going on? Like, we know. 
And you're just watching that show And you go wow that was a good match And this guy Miro What the hell does all those other seven guys Have to do with what just happened with Miro and Darby I, it, that, That's right there Was just one of my major critiques It WWE sometimes Doesn't do enough on Raw It seems like on Dynamite They're trying a, to do a little too much I remember when it was special To watch a match And then to see a brawl break out You know, and all these guys You know, it, it, it just it, it ruined the match It ruined the Miro's moment God, this guy signed in September, Gino He signed in AEW in September What is that? How many months is that now? We finally got a real Miro moment And it and it went away. It went away just like that. It went away just like that. That match was so good and so entertaining. And then there's Sting hobbling around. There's people jumping the rails. I think somebody slipped and fell from one of the Dark Orders. I, it just, ah, man, it was a frustrating. Just, like I said, that, that this whole middle part, look, no offense. I like Thunder Rosa. I'm jumping around here because now I'm fired sure. up. Now. Please, I, please. I, I, I have no I, no. No problems with Thunder Rosa. Are you telling me the women's match are going to be two women who are really not under contract on really that roster? Rosa's NWA against a jobber from Texas. That's what we're doing. That I mean that that doesn't really need TV time right now. Well, like that's, we got a that's great so... promo from Britt, but why do we have to have Thunder Rosa versus Jasmine Allure, who they've worked thirty times already in Texas? And it doesn't mean does zero. Zero. And even from like a storyline standpoint, we we obviously have been pushing the the Brit train forever. Sure. I think Brit's the most talented in the division, but but Thunder Rosa has beat her too. Like why yes. is Thunder Rosa in this match with her when Brit's getting the title match? Like that doesn't make sense. Like explain that to me a little bit more. Like and let it me came know right why. after the promo, right? And it came yeah. right after the promo, and then and there's Excalibur. Well, uh, 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 Thunder Rosa may have something to say about this, yeah. and I went, "Well, she yeah, does. because she's Peter in the biggest women's match of your company's history." And like she's sitting out here while Brit look and and Brit's promo was just oh, great. Awesome. She's, oh, she's my. fantastic, and fantastic. she's great on Twitter Love too. Her. She'll yeah. like post that she's like FaceTiming Tony Schiavone and he doesn't answer her or something. She's like, Tony, I'm coming after you, you know, or <laughs> she is, she said, I don't know. She said, uh, you know, you're going to have to try to kill me. But uh, if you haven't found out by now, I'm pretty effing hard to kill, you know, <laughs> yeah. which was yeah. just the line, you know, and it's great. what it's great about her is that she is not just like a good looking blonde girl. Or not just like a girl who's really good in the ring Or not just like a girl who has a good character She's got enough of all of them You know, she's good looking in a sort of a different way You know, and she's and she's really got a unique character And then you may not think that she's the most incredible in the ring at first But then you watch her and you see how much she's improved And what she's willing to do she really checks those boxes, man. I'm pumped for her. Yeah, look, and she, th this, look, I, I thought instead of having Thunder Rosa and Jasmine Allure, why not just show the whole, you know, her interrupting the photo shoot? You know, they showed a, you know, a clip of that uh, in the interview with Jr. But it could have been well served for somebody else. There's, you know, there's just so many more on that roster than to see, you know. 
Thunder Rosa versus a jobber. And then next week, we're getting the NWA world champion, Serena Deeb, on there. I don't care. I do not care about that. NWA sitting back and getting paid. And look, look, we haven't even mentioned the, the Kenny Omega spot. Oh, yeah. Look, in the Young Bucks match, look, the Kenny Omega thing, what are we doing here? What are we doing with this guy? Look, you feel bad because or, you, you know that spot gets hurt? botched. I don't know what that, yes. And, and Cassidy could have gotten hurt. Yes. And so now we're getting a triple threat, which is really not like an AEW kind no. of a thing, you know? No. Um, and it doesn't, this is just, this feels like a match that should be on WrestleMania Backlash. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, yeah. I'm not that excited for it. It's kind of predictable. Um, I'm sure that in 15 minutes, Cassidy and, and, and Pac and, and Omega will be, will be good. It'll be fine. But I don't like it's predictable. And we never felt like these guys were main eventers recently. They weren't getting built like they were. And now you're oh. throwing them in what we're going to say is the main event title match on a pay per view. Yep. Yep. I, I just look that we don't even know about the impact title anymore. I mean, God, never, never we, we, I mean, no one gave us, you know, an update on that. We, I think we, it was mentioned one time on AEW. I think very, very briefly. Um, look, it just Omega continues to. It's it's been disappointing for a while. This is not Omega. This Don Callis deal. I, I, he doesn't need to be around Omega. I don't think he needs to be in the company. I love Callis on the mic. I do not love him in this role. I just don't. I I, I don't like it. Um, you know. Young Bucks match with with SEU, too much yeah. blood. Good too match, much, great match. I've actually uh. announced this exact. I've announced this exact match in person two different times. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I've done the ring it um, like in 2012 and 2013. One time in Monrovia, one time in Las Vegas, where these exact same four guys, um, which was is really hilarious to to think about. You know, um, hey, good match. I love the styles. Good the styles match. Class. Uh, good match, you know, good match. Yep. The, great match. Like the young bucks are doing a good job of like doing the Miz thing right now, where they're yeah. what they're wearing. Yes. They make you hate them by what they're wearing. You know, they were wearing the the Jordans or the sneakers sure. or whatever. You know, and sure. uh, and then goofy like jackets, and they got some like tassels on. But the the few things that I, I didn't love to nitpick about this first, okay, the the bloods are getting a little too much now. I mean, there were points where. Like I'm looking at the young bucks and they are just doused yes. in in Daniel's blood. And I know like just kind of again, like thinking about where we are in the world with everything, we are definitely moving in the right direction. You and I were just talking before the show. Things are opening back up. You don't even have to be and if you're vaccinated and stuff, you don't even have to have masks a lot of places and stuff. But I don't know. I still get the weird like everything we know now about HIV and all that stuff with the blood Like I, when I see a lot of blood Of someone else on another person It it gets me a little weird And he was busted open man Yeah I, You know Christopher Daniels was Bleeding profusely and, and look SEU is I guess they're done now Right I guess that's what we're And we didn't done. get really anything after the match No and that's 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 my point I, There's just nothing There was the nothing moment, You know, could have gotten two minutes of three minutes of them with this real emotional, instead of the Thunder Rosa squash, <laughs> right? Like, or, or or Omega and Eddie King, or excuse me, uh, Moxley and Kingston tearing up a locker room. 
It's like I, I just, that, the it, locker room. Who cares? It. When you mess up someone's car, I get that. You know what I mean? Like, who Even cares if that you don't touch their personal belongings? But in this yeah, case, like, I think it's okay. I think Shimani said that, and I went, "No, it's never." That's the unwritten rule in wrestling: don't touch anyone's personal stuff. So yeah. I, I mean, I um, I like these guys. I sure. we'll, see, we'll, we'll see where they end up going, but. I did. I would have liked to see a little more emotion after the match that these yes. two, who have yes. been a team for a while, are no longer going to be a team anymore. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that was uh, one thing I would have, I would have liked to see a, a little bit differently. Um, and you know, we we talked all about the main event. Oh, the one thing I guess, uh, Christian, who, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. he kind of. But again, like this is sort of a problem when you try to do a lot of things, and and it's it's a, um. It's why it's not easy, right? It's why, like, you and I talk about these shows after and critique them. But if you and I tried to sit down and book a wrestling show, it, it would take us a while to get the timing right, to figure out, like, oh, you know what? we That's too much, too many things. Oh, you know what? That's not enough things. Because, you know, we look at just even WWE right now. They don't, on Monday Night Raw, have very many things that ever come out of that show in the last year that feel all that important, but on right. SmackDown, they do. Um, it's it's like you got to find a common middle ground, and I think AEW is still trying to find that some weeks because some things feel like like oh man, there were fifty things on this show, but then you you end the show and you are like, what am I going to remember? Am, am I going to like forget about Christian? Am I going to forget about a couple things that maybe would have been better if you sort of spread them around? I don't know. I just feel like the for them. Wrestling is good for them. Um, like they have talent. I think it's more of a production type thing. WWE, they have different issues. They got to get a little bit more creative on Mondays, you know. And I, and so I think like everyone, every company, every show that we watch, they're gonna have their positives and negatives. I just don't think the last few weeks I've had as many negatives for SmackDown or NXT. Now and look, I Christian Matt Seidel, I. It may be a good match. It doesn't really excite me. I still think we're getting a something just tells me that we're Christian Taz. He keeps bringing up Taz, Taz, Taz. And, I, you know, now that Ricky Starks, I hear, is out, he's going to be out a while. Um, that's a huge bummer for, you know, for me and AEW. I love Ricky Starks, but I don't know, man. Just the, the vignettes, the interviews don't seem very good. It seems like they're not transitioned back to the ring. Uh, there, you can definitely t- tell they're not live. You know, Sammy Guevara said, you know, y'all were impressive tonight, which that was probably done after the pay-per-view apparently. And that was just stuck in there. There's a lot of things for them to work out. And they, you know, like you said, wrestle, 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 and then build around that. I just, I, I don't know. Some of these things they're doing are very questionable, but after some of these matches Wednesday night, I, I was very, the Miro thing really, really disappointed me. And that's the really end. Cause the, the last yeah. two minutes, and it didn't even have anything to do with Miro or Darby. He was signed in September. Finally, he's out. And then you wait this long to give him his moment. Miro is free. He's got a title. He's a badass. And that's how the show should end. Miro standing in the ring, holding up his title, and then talking about flipping around, chasing people. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not like. Exactly. We don't need Sting limping around the Dark Order all coming out. Oh, and that was, the, I guess, the only one thing they laughed at the Dark Order. Adam Page. Uh, it's it's funny. The only I, I just worry like now 
Now it's good because they just were in a little bit of a, a quandary because Paige is the logical guy to beat Omega. Paige is yeah. the logical guy with all the elite stuff, but they hadn't had him built quite yet. They didn't want to go in that direction yet. So you got to put him in the dark order stuff, but, and and it's fun, but it does bring Paige down. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. He looks like a, a, he, he just likes, Look, I remember him as the badass. He'd drink the liquor. He'd drink, you know, a beer or whatever it is and then just beat you to a living pulp in Ring of Honor. I don't see that in AEW at all. I don't see that guy. I don't think he needed that much build. I don't think they needed to protect him or put him away in some kind of faction or group. It just makes him look silly. It just does. It just makes it. I, I, look, the things with Matt Hardy, that was fun for a couple of weeks. That was funny, blah, blah, blah. But this guy's a wrestling machine. Let him wrestle. I don't want to see him in any more little vignettes with the Dark Order. It was funny. I just want to see him wrestle. You uh, will not find another wrestling show out there no. like this. There are a lot of other great wrestling shows out there. I listen they to are. a lot of them. A lot of them will cover Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT um, in depth after each show. You'll get a post show. But with this, we will get you in about an hour to an hour and a half, like 15 minutes on everything, the positives, yeah. the negatives, you'll get all the good scoop taken out. So if you watch the shows, you'll like this. And hey, I know a lot of people that don't even like to watch the show sometimes, but they'll listen to podcasts to stay caught up. We'll yep. try to do that for you and let you know if there were things that were worth your time to go back and watch. Coop, buddy, uh, man, I always love this part of the week. It's one of my favorite times uh, each week checking in with you. And I uh, always thank you so much for your hard work and for all the help. Good luck this week. Tell G Money uh, a, a belated happy birthday over there for me uh, again, and uh, give me uh, give me your plugs and uh, anything you got going on this weekend. At the Chad Cooper on Twitter and Instagram, and yeah, I think uh, think he's nine. This is going to be the toughest. He's in single digits now to five thousand. He's nine away. I think these are going to be nice. the toughest nine he ever gets. Right? Yeah, and then it'll be <laughs> it'll be it'll take, and then after he hits five thousand, he'll win six races the next day. Yeah, right. To get to five thousand six, <laughs> <Yes>. right. <laughs> so, always that way. Uh, Coop, you are the man. Make sure to go give Chad a follow there on social media, and uh, you'll hear him each and every week on that's what G said. Thanks, buddy. You got it. That's Koopa Loop. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. Big thank you to Koopa Loop. Big thank you to Eric. Big thank you to Andrew and DZ. I mean, this was uh, an episode where we uh, we had a lot of uh, the, the folks that you hear uh, probably most often of, of any. So thank you to uh, our longtime friends who help us out and, uh, and, and are a big part of this show each and every week. And next week, we look forward to talking NBA playoffs with you. We'll start looking into that NFL schedule. We will give you some thoughts on the Preakness and, uh, and recap and react to what happened there. We'll have uh, a lot more horse racing throughout. Keep checking in on baseball, everything that's going there. And, uh, you know, weekly uh, wrestling. Um, we'll, we'll go over what happened in WrestleMania Backlash, talk about the Shawn Michaels documentary, and we're going to get into Star Wars soon. We're going to start at the beginning with uh, all of the Star Wars movies, so keep paying attention for that. Have a great weekend, everyone. Hope you make a ton of money. Joey, close this out, buddy.